What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. in the morning at 4 o'clock. Guy got all jacked up and stabbed up and knifed in a club on 42nd and 11th Avenue. I have details for you later. He's in the morgue. But not that many clubs that are open any longer. This city is dead. Dead. And we're going to discuss it later on. Although I uh, do want to riff. Do want to riff because this is my trifecta of the weekend. Now, let's check the lineup card. Remember, I start uh, Saturday in the early morning hours from 1 to 6. Then I come back so nice. Uh, the uh, owner and operator, John Kazmatidis, allows me to do it twice from 2 to 4 Saturday afternoon when the storm was at its height. And now I'm back again for the trifecta from 12 midnight to 6 a.m. And then all of a sudden... Make it four, make it four, because I come back from three to five against the aggressive, progressive Christopher Hahn. And then to finish it off with the Quinella. To make sure that WABC, the acronym, always means always broadcasting, Curtis. I'm on from 9 p.m. You don't want to miss the 12 midnight hour, Sunday going into Monday, because it is the most popular hour of the many hours that I do on the weekend. Our Animal Welfare Hour featuring my beautiful wife, Nancy, an animal rescuer. A lot of animal news. And then, unfortunately, I have to pass off the torch to that mamaluk, that mamangaluch, Frank Morano. By the way, uh, if at times I'm uh, sort of a little uh, uh, taking pauses uh, in the wee hours of the morning while I was talking to all of you, uh, my tooth came flying out out of the front of my mouth, 
a tooth that I had lost long ago while playing football at Brooklyn Prep, the Jesuit High School in Crown Heights, in which they shined their boots on my backside in my senior year in 72 and kicked me to the curb. But I lost a tooth there, and then over the years getting hit with bats and sticks and pipes and all the street brawling I did in defense of all of you against the thugs and the enemies of society, it kept popping out. And last night, I guess, it was uh, the staring and glaring that came from the studio from Bruce, our board operator, that all of a sudden jarred it loose. And it went flying. I can't find it. <laughs> and there's no dentist that you can find on the weekend. You can forget that. So I figured, let me try Polygrip, right? You know, the old timers, you know, when they have their, uh, uh, their false choppers, they use Polygrip. That didn't work. I tried crazy glue. That did not work. So now I look like uh, a guy without a tooth in the front of my mouth. I could easily be living in a double wide body trailer, you know, or eating uh, at Waffle House down south and asking for a refill of my coffee because everybody down there is missing teeth. Hopefully I'll rectify that on Monday. But let's set it straight. Uh, right before I left the airways uh, earlier today in the midst of the storm at 4 o'clock, John Katzmatidis, owner and operator, jumped on board because we were having all kinds of uh, problems with the phone lines. You know, the dischronificator wasn't matching up with the spectrometer. Our FM station out in the Hamptons, which was getting a lot of action because the storm was kicking it out there in the south shore of Suffolk County and the Hamptons. Getting a lot of action there, but because of all the callers coming in from there, it once again did not conflate with our callers on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound at our tower in Lodi in the shadow of Bada Bing uh, uh, Satin Dolls, the strip joint where our engineers are always hanging out getting lap dances and brumskis instead of climbing the tower with a blowtorch and knocking the ice off so we can be clear channel to all of you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's fire it up. That's right. You can get your phone calls in now because we are going to be playing Pick or Pan, Dis or Dismiss. Remember the old American bandstand? That's right. Uh, in which you would pick or pan a particular radio. Well, Don Cornelius in Soul Train, who would do a Dis or Dismiss, we're going to give you an opportunity to rate Rate how the snow removal and the response that you received in your area. And because of the 50,000 powerful watts of sound earlier this afternoon, we were fielding calls all the way from Pennsylvania through Connecticut, through Nassau and Suffolk County, Suffolk definitely getting clobbered, through Queens, which seemed to be the borough that had the most problems, uh, to all of a sudden uh, up in Boston, which was getting clobbered at that time, that New England area. So feel free to give a call. Let me know how it went out there in terms of your response in getting that uh, ice, that sleet, that snow, and the swirling winds uh, contained. So then you didn't have little twisters that were settling down in the snow causing you more Michigash. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me just say that... uh, I heard the tag off of uh, Tony Orlando without Dawn. I still haven't been able to figure out where Dawn is. But he was talking about Dion DiNucci. 
Dion DiNucci, that's right, Dion in the Belmonts, from the Belmont section of the Bronx, Arthur Avenue, which used to be legitimately all Italian. Right now, you're hard-pressed to find Italians on Arthur Avenue in Belmont. It's mostly Albanians, uh, those who are from uh, Montenegro, Macedonia, uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, some Serbs uh, sprinkled in, and a lot of Croats, but not all that many Italians. But it's interesting, uh, the tagline of Tony Orlando without dawn was that Dion DiNucci is the king of the streets in New York. Yeah, that, that was true at one time. There's no doubt about it. The guy could do uh, acapella, could do doo-wop on the street corners, especially of the Bronx. But let's face it, I'm the king of the streets in New York now. Dion, he's retired in Florida. How do I know that? Because a few years ago, I had an opportunity to have a sit-down with Dion DiNucci. At Gargiulio's, that's right, the dining establishment in Coney Island where many a mobster choking on his lobster has eyeballed me from time to time when I've gone to that great uh, eating uh, emporium. And I remember we were sitting there. There was Johnny Johnny Legit to my side. Kenny Vance uh, of the Planetones, who at one time was one of the singers of Jay and the Americans, you know, with Jay Black, who recently passed away. What a set of pipes he had. So we're sitting there, and Kenny Vance uh, lives in Rockaway Beach on the ponds. He lives right there on the shore. Great, great set of pipes himself. Great group, the Planetones. And we had just come from one of those concerts put on by then the Brooklyn Borough President, and this was right before Eric Adams became Brooklyn Borough President, uh, put on by Marty Markowitz. And it was great at Levy Park in Brighton Beach. And I mean, uh, Marty Markowitz, uh, he's the cruise king. The guy loves those cruises, loves those buffets. But he was the Swifty Lazar. He put on more free concerts for folks. And that guy could get up there on the stage and regale you before interest, uh, introducing the entertainment. And I remember that night, it was Dion and the Belmonts who were performing. I don't know how many of the Belmonts were actually the originals, but Dion, obviously, he was singing, regaling us with stories. And when we sat at Gargiulio's, we had that connection. Because, remember, he lived in that area by Theodore Roosevelt High School, which used to be the drug school across from Fordham University, right next to the White Castle that's still open, that serves the belly belly busters and belly sliders there. And he used to croon there, right throughout that Arthur Avenue area. And naturally, the Bronx ran through his veins and arteries. And that's also where I set up the Guardian Angels, uh, what will be 43 years ago on February 13th in 1979. Uh, not at White Castles, but at the Mickey D's. The Mickey D's there on Fordham Road at Webster off of Marion. And, man, we had a great old time. And I got to tell you, he was the king of the streets of New York, no doubt about it, Dion DiNucci. Uh, but I got to straighten Tony Orlando out. I think he's got it in for me uh, because, you know, he was a uh, Hell's Kitchen guy. I think grew up there on 21st uh, Street, uh, part Greek, part Puerto Rican, used to swim in the Hudson River. That's why he's immunized from COVID-19 because back then in the 50s, a lot of floating flotsam and jetsam out there, you know, surge. So he's immunized. But I got to straighten him out, you know. I keep uh, pulling his chain about where Dawn is and never hear about Dawn, although I understand that he interviewed Dawn uh, a few Saturdays ago. I missed it, and I couldn't even get it on the podcast. Uh, my 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 mistake, my fault. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
But I think Tony Orlando uh, spends a good deal of his time in Missouri entertaining there. I know Dion DiNucci, uh, he's down in Florida. So I may have to do a three-way conversation with all those guys and let them know, hey, Dion, you were the king of the streets in New York, no doubt about it. You had your roots. You were the real deal in the Bronx, Arthur Avenue, and Belmont. But let's face it, I'm the king of the streets in New York, man. I wear the Mazzola margarine crown, although I hated margarine. I really hated margarine. That was the only way you could get a crown at that particular time. Or later on, by joining the Latin kings. I'm all today, they're a bunch of thugs, enemies of societies. No, 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 no. I got to straighten that out. That's bothering me. That Tony Orlando, without Dawn, uh, would crown Dion DiNucci. That he's known for 60 years, six decades. Man, that's a hell of a long time. I mean, I'm only 67. <laughs> only. <laughs> Some of you out there, you could call me kid. He was the king of the streets in New York. But hey, my time. And by the way, I wonder where Marty Markowitz is. Last time I had a slice of cheesecake with him on uh, at Junior's. We were talking about radio. He was thinking about getting involved in uh, talk radio. Boy, what an entertaining uh, guru and uh, czar he would be. And plus, he knows politics, too. Hey, I got a nudge, uh, uh, John Katsimatidis, who loves people who uh, have that eclectic ability when it comes to uh, doing talk radio. And boy, what a male Yenta Marty Markowitz is. I mean, you talk to Cruise King. The only cruise I ever went on was a WABC... um, Promote Cruise at the time when I was doing mornings with Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. I hated every second of it. I mean, my father, a merchant seaman for 55 years, he loved the sea. Uh, he grew up in the south side of Chicago, 46 in Rockwell. Uh, he used to go sailing there at Lake Michigan. He was a swimmer, a bar nun. At 15, he left uh, high school, Tilden High School, believe it or not, not the Tilden in uh, Brooklyn that my mother, Francesca, went to. Eventually, they were to meet in New York City right before World War II. She went to Tilden off of King's Highway, the same school that had produced Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Oofa! But the great Willie Randolph for the New York Yankees and then the New York Mets. They came out of Tilden. My uh, father, he went to Tilden. Tilden High School in Chicago, but at 15, he had to leave high school to sail flatboats down the Mississippi in the midst of the Depression. He was the oldest of four sons. Then he caught some banana boat barges that went from the Port of New Orleans uh, to Central America, uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. And then he joined the uh, U.S. Merchant Marines, uh, became an officer, uh, went to uh, serve in World War II, uh, but actually did some of his training where Kingsboro Community College is right now in Sheepshead Bay before he shipped out. And right before he shipped out, he had met my mother, Francesca, the last drop of 13 kids, the only Italian uh, of the lot that was born and raised in Brooklyn. The other 12 were born and raised in Bari. Bari, a little town of Andrea off the Adriatic uh, coast, uh, if you swam right across the Adriatic, you would hit Albania. Uh, my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, couldn't read or write. My grandmother, Nicoletta, she was well-educated. He had kidnapped her, had taken her into the mountains, had lived in a wine barrel. She got pregnant, and when the mob, led by the father, found him, they wanted to string him up and realize, uh-oh, Nicoletta is pregnant. We're going to have to accept uh, this jadrul, this knuckle-dragger, who lured my grandmother Nicoletta down off the balcony because he would sing and dance in the courtyard. Yeah, old school. Kidnapped her. (laughs) 
And now you know some of the story. But I got to tell you, hmm, I got to find out where Marty Markowitz is. That guy was great, man. That guy, he put on such classic shows at Levy Park. And then eventually the uh, concert emporium that was set up in Coney Island, right down Stillwell, where they do concerts today. But it's not it's not the same. When Marty Markowitz did it, he was the best. And the guy, he could regale you in all kinds of stories. I remember, oh, I got a whole bunch of Marty Markowitz stories. But anyway, remember, this is pick or pan, this or dismiss. You get an opportunity to rate how the snow and ice removal was in your particular area since the 50,000 powerful watts of sound was booming this afternoon when I was last here. We were getting calls all the way from Pennsylvania right on up to Boston and Maine. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I was so happy to hear the news that uh, Tom Brady, I hate Tom Brady, uh, when he was with the New England Patriots, I called them the Brady Bunch with the deflated balls. I hate him, that cheater. And led by the number one cheater of all time, Coach Belichick. No longer there, obviously, Tom Brady. Supposedly retired, didn't retire, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, But you know something? I can't wait that day when he's out of the NFL because there needs to be an investigation of the guy with the black bag, his personal physician, who would carry that mysterious little black bag, no doubt, with everything illegal under the sun to keep him in prime time form on the gridiron in the NFL. That is my prediction. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go right to the phones. It's David, who's calling uh, from Bergen County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. My man, Curtis. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, now, hold on a oh, second. I, uh, uh, sorry, all right, I'll forget about it. All right, hold on. You can put David up. He knew yeah. right away. I yeah. sent well, you the song. Uh, David, David, well, well, hold, hold, on, hold on, David. What kind, of, right, what, kind right. of, what kind of mistake did you make there? Tell the audience. Uh, tell the audience. I asked you how you were doing. That's I, you right. know, the whole fucking, I'm sorry, the whole time I was on the line, I said, I can't say how you're doing, and I did it. All sorry. right, so how was it out there in Bergen County, Dave? All right, it's snowy. You remember I sang this song uh, uh, about the mayor, uh, Bo James? That w- I was me. I don't sound the same, but it's me. Oh, my, no, no, my, you, you sound like you're yeah, gargling, right. you sound like you're gargling uh, with uh, razor blades, man. I think this guy's been smoking those Marlboro Reds. Those Chesterfields uh, without filters. Uh, by the way, David, uh, we got to take the Fells uh, naphtha soap and wash your mouth out. If you happen to be Jewish, David, if you're named after King David, then it's going to be the Rokish, uh, the laundry soap, the Jewish laundry soap. That's right. God, man, you got to watch. He gets right on. He drops the F-bomb. What, what, what's up with these Gavones out there? I'm telling you, man, I think he's been smoking those unfiltered cigarettes, probably the camels. Anyway, we're going to have a remedy later on in the program for all of you who uh, either are knocking them back, that Jameson or that cheap brew, or smoking cigarettes and then trying to uh, enjoy the rest of your life. But you realize, uh-oh, the first part of your life, you are a dollar short and a day late in terms of your health. But we're going to get you all back together again, like uh, <laughs> Humpty Tumpty, who took the great fall from the wall. And we'll put you all back together so you can fall again. Let's go to uh, Corey, who's calling from Manhattan Beach, uh, right near where my father did his training for the Merchant Mariners before he shipped out in World War II, where Kingsborough Community College now is, at the tip of Manhattan Beach, 
Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Corey. Hey, Curtis. I've had better days. Uh, I actually attended the same marathon program uh, as your father did, probably. It was fantastic um, until COVID came and shut everything down. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did get to meet some very interesting fellows. Uh, excellent. But I have about easily three feet of snow in the, the entire part of the house. Three foot of uh, snow. Is, now, is that is that because you're right by the water, right near Manhattan Beach? I have, yeah, I'm in Manhattan Beach, and uh, we get the snow flows. We're facing uh, east, so we get all the snow that comes. The other side of the street is got six inches. We got three feet. All right, all right, three foot. Now on your streets, because you don't let people like me park or anybody else park on your side streets, your tertiary streets. Did the plows come through there, Corey? They did, but I don't. It's not my choice. It's, uh, you know, the choice of the uh, higher-ups that decide that. Yeah, well, you know, you're Corey. You're a quasi-private uh, community, you know. You want us to stay out of there. I know how Manhattan Beach is. I remember when I was a kid. Went with my older sister, Alita. We'd go to Manhattan Beach. We didn't go to Brighton Beach. We didn't go to Coney Island. Oh, my God. You go swimming in Coney Island there, you needed, <laughs> you needed to detox. Manhattan Beach was the better choice. But I'll, I'll never forget. And I know to this day you could not park on those tertiary streets. And yet Corey had a difficult time giving any kind of gradation, saying, well, I don't know if I should talk, because that's like a quasi-private community, not quite like Seagate towards the other end of Coney Island, you know, where they have the barriers where you think you were actually going to a different country. Or even like the Irish Riviera, Breezy Point, or Forest Hills, the gardens, or Jamaica States, where the former president, uh, Donald Trump, was raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are like quasi-semi-private uh, communities in the midst of the city of New York, which I can never figure out. Can never figure out. Sometimes the sanitation department of the city of New York provides services. Sometimes those private communities, like Country Club up there in the Bronx, they get their own services for private sanitation. It's very difficult for me to know. What is a true private community in the city? What is a mental meds and poco poco private community or a community that just puts the signs up uh, that tries to psych us out? Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, hmm. Maxine from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maxine. Hi, Curtis. I can't believe it. You're just mentioning my friend Kenny Vance. Yes. Yeah, so- he such a fabulous voice, such a good guy. I always love Jay and the Americans and, of course, the Planet Tones. Oh. So I texted him a message. I said, Kenny Curtis is mentioning you and Jay Black and so on, you know. Oh, I'll hear back from him. And uh, so that was great to hear you mentioning, mentioning him and how much you enjoyed uh, hearing him. He does have a great pair of pipes. And I also wanted to say, Curtis, please take care of the tooth. In the meantime, I'll tell you what I use for my teeth. It's hydrogen food grade peroxide. Uh, let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Maxine, uh, you know, I, I should never really ask this of uh, a lady like yourself, but how old are yeah. you, Maxine? 
I'm 69. Okay, 69. I'm not going to make fun of that number, but uh, I'm 67. Uh, Now, uh, you're talking about teeth. Do you still have all of your teeth, or do you use Polygrip, you know, with the false chocolate? I have my teeth are in good shape, and I make, you know, I always go to my dental visits. But in between, to keep the teeth clean. Oh, God, my God. Yeah, yeah, you floss. I know, you're the floss queen. Let me ask you this, Maxine. Earlier today, I found the one Dwayne Reed that was open today in the middle of the snowstorm uh, that hadn't been looted. Uh, You know, they hadn't had the uh, Alvin Bragg uh, looters go through their shoplifting. Uh, And I found some polygrip, and I tried to put polygrip in the tooth that fell out of the front of my mouth. It didn't work. And then I tried crazy glue. It didn't work. So, Maxine, Um, what can I do to get this tooth in my mouth? Because it's killing me every time I have to breathe in air and exhale air. I know. It's very painful. When you can get to the dentist, even, you see, they're going to have that temporary material that will work much stronger than polygrip or crazy glue. That's what you need to get a hold of. And if you can, I know, all right, we're in Sunday. So if on Monday you can get into the dentist or I can give you my dentist information to your person. Oh, everybody. Oh, my dentist is the best, right? My doctor's the best. Are you kidding? I hate dentists. It's the only persons that I've ever had a fear for. You want to clean the corners of thugs or thugettes, all you got to do is put a dental chair on the corner and amplify the sound of the drill. The toughest of the tough will run. You go on Rikers Island, right, where the gangs run some of the tears? Hey, shout out, C-74, C-76. I know I've been locked up there. And those guys, they're house gangs. You just amplify the sound of a drill. You tell them, oh, you got to go for a dental checkup today. (laughs) And all of a sudden, no, no, Sarge, anything. I'll cooperate. I'll actually be good. I won't be a thug. Maxine is going to refer her dentist. Like, I need that, right? Although she knew uh, Kenny Vance, uh, what a set of pipes. They were the Planetones, originally with Jay Black and the Americans. Uh, what are the echo in my mind? He sings that song, the echo. Well, what's the classic song that Kenny Vance sings that resonates uh, for years and years and years? By the way, I'll tell you a little story. Kenny Vance related to me at Gargiulio's when we had that sit down with Dion Danucci, the guy who used to be Tony Orlando without door and the king of the streets in New York, but I'm the king now. But anyway, I'll never forget Kenny Vance, who lives out at Rockaway Beach and the ponds. And he told me, hey, you know, we were at the top of the world. Jay Black, Jay and the Americans. We filled Madison Square Garden three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Back then, it was all cash and carry. We were getting paid by the manager in all cash. This is right before the Beatles came over and stole the show. And then all of a sudden, the IRS bum-rushed uh, into their dressing room, took all the cash that was on the table as they were divvying it up because Jay Black was a degenerate gambler. Oh, he's the worst. He continued to be until the day he died just a few months ago. And so they took all the money. So Kenny Vance and the other members, including Jay Black, uh, Jay Black and the Americans, they had to borrow tokens from their family members in Brooklyn in order to take the D-train back towards uh, Brooklyn. Because they had no money. After three nights, they packed out the garden, 
three nights in a row, IRS swooped in. They said, wait a second. Why not just take uh, Jay Blackshear? He's the guy who owes the mob the big. And they said, no, 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 no. It's collective. You're a group, right? It's uh, us and me, not I and me. We're taking all the money. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Vlad in Midwood, where Sid Rosenberg was birthed and went to Midwood High School. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vlad. Hi, Curtis. Uh, no, ah, you caught yourself. You caught yourself. Ah, good, good, good. You bit your lip. Go ahead, Vlad. Yep, yep. So calling you from uh, uh, the corner of King's Highway and Ocean Avenue, where we got around maybe 11 inches of snow. How did, how, did, how did the city do getting rid of it? Yeah, I was just about to say they did a decent job, but, you know, just walking down King's Highway from Ocean Avenue to, like, Ocean Parkway, you could definitely see people at storefronts, you know, shoveling the snow, you know, the usual. That's where... You know, the real old school New York is still alive huh. to a certain extent. Now, you know? uh, Vlad, I'm assuming uh, that uh, you're not a Gentile, you're Jewish, right? Uh, depends on who's asking. Yeah, look, did, did you use the kosher salt uh, on the sidewalk? Because, you know, we Gentiles, we use the Red Cross salt because it has the crucifix right on the box. Did, did you use kosher salt? It's supposed to be the best at getting rid of the ice. Did you? Come on, admit it. I think it was sea salt. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, sea salt. All right, all right. So you give you give the sanitation department. What would you give them a letter grade? B, C. What would you give them? Um, you know, to quote you and the grade that you give uh, gave Bill De Blasio. Man, I think you gave him an F, right? But here, I think they did better than an F. It's probably like a C plus. Okay, that's that's good. Yeah. That's good. Hey, look, you know, there was swirling winds out there, Vlad. It's a little tougher in your neck of the woods and in parts of Queens than it was in Manhattan. But at least they got most of it uh, out before the temperatures plunge. It's not freezing as bad as it was supposed to be. I thought it was going to be like triple zero, uh, triple, triple zero and below that I'd have to be wearing three pairs of long winter underwear with the union snaps in the back. But it's not. Which definitely helps in the fact that this snow, this ice, this black ice, this other ice is going to end up slowly melting away. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael. Who's calling from your bedroom? Uh, Where's your bedroom, Michael? Oh, my God. I got on so fast. Hey, Curtis, remember, this is the guy that told you about braggadocio. Ah, braggadocio. That's right. Uh, is that some kind of new olive oil that came uh, from the boot, southern Italy? Um, it's served usually with broccoli rub. Oh, I hate broccoli rub. And you know why? I so hate, do I. You know why I hate broccoli because rub? Because it's so expensive. I was in an Upper East Side restaurant. Oh, this goes back many, many years. Must be 15, 15 years ago. And with uh, date. Um, and, uh, she orders her thing. I ordered mine and she said, Oh, broccoli rub. It's a special here. I'd like to get that on the side. All right, fine. So the bill comes, they charged eight fifty. Now this goes back about 15 years ago, eight fifty for broccoli rub. I said, excuse me to the waiter. I'm not, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's too much money. 
and my date is squirming in a seat. Oh, my God, you're embarrassing me, you know. I said, look, no, I'm sorry. So when the bill came, after I got nowhere with him, I said to my date, fine, he's going to pay for the broccoli rub. Well, what do you mean? I said, he's not getting any tip. Oh, no, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. I will. And I'm doing it. But my main point of conversation is. Well, wait, wait, hold, on. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Before, me... you, before you go on, Michael, you stiffed the waiter. You, yeah. you did a Frank Morano to him. You stiffed the waiter. Yes. You and it was an Upper East Side seventies restaurant, okay? I know. Hey, what Campagnolas? You know, uh, one of those. Uh, no, not a. I didn't go to a bent nose restaurant. No, oh, I see. Well, you know that. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a mob joint. Very good, Michael. You're oh, very yeah. astute. Well, I'm a. I'm astute. I'm perspicacious, and uh, I have acumen. Now, my, the acumen I'm getting uh, treated for. Okay, I'm getting medicine for the acumen. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. I have to, you came up with a Sliwa-ism. Yes. It's not Rokich. Hey, hey, wait, you you coughing? Wait, Michael, cover up your mouth. You coughing on me? You could be giving me COVID. Don't ever covet COVID. Covet? Um, And, uh... Oh, you threw me off. Damn right. I know how to do that, pal. It's not. I know. It's it's not Rokich. It's Rokeach. You don't say, say, oh, I'm going to go out Friday. I'm going to buy a holly. No, it's not a holly. It's a holla. So it's like Simkachfelder. It's like Noach Deer. It's like Yasarafat. There you go. It's a sinus exercise. Sinus, yeah, sinuses. I get clean. You know, that's a typical uh, reaction. If the sinuses are not clear, you might have COVID-19. You know, you just sneezed on me. You you just coughed on me. I may have to go for a rapid test now. A rabid test? You don't have rabies. Yeah, no, I had it one time. I had 13 shots in my stomach when the bat bit me when I was hanging upside down on the elm tree there in the back of Canarsie Cemetery in the middle of the day where the bats were sleeping. I was observing them, and this guy took umbrage to the fact that I was eyeballing him, and so he bit me. I had to go to Brookdale Hospital, and they gave me 13 horse needles in my stomach. Ooh, that explains a lot of things, Curtis. Yeah. Um, the other thing is you were talking about Seagate. Oh. Do you know whose property that used to be? No. No, teach me. It was the, it was, I will elucidate it, which has nothing to do with LSD. Mm. Um, uh, that property was owned by the DuPonts. That's why it's a private community there. Wow, that I did and not know. And for many years, for many years, no Yidlach were permitted in there. I mean, many, many years. none of your peeps were permitted there. They had the covenant that said Jews do not apply. Well, Jews and others, we won't mention. Yeah, but now, now, you, now you own that joint uh, between the Russian Jews uh, and the Jews who were born and raised here. You, you, you own Seagate. 
Well, I don't know if we owned it. I, I, I'm a well, Manhattan. Well, wait a second. Uh, Michael, Michael, according to Jay-Z, the degenerate rapper, Jews own the world, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, of course. Of so course. so why yeah. wouldn't you own Seagate if you own the world? I didn't want to be too close <laughs> to the water. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And you have your own little yeah. beach there in Seagate, your own little beach where you're like a walrus. Well, you because laid up it out goes there. back a long time ago, I was in a rowboat mm. out there, oh. and I got into a fight. So uh, I had a, a, I got into a row over rowing. So I didn't like the water. Oh, wait a sec. Hold on a second. Rowing, rowing. Slowly I turn, step by step. Across, when you look there from Seagate, you can see the Rockaways. What high school there had a rowing team? Public high school. Only public high school in the city of New York that had a rowing team that competed against the WASPy elite schools. That's right, right there in the back bay. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, you know that. And then my father, my father, I got to tell you, oh, my father, they rode him out there in Sheepshead Bay where Kingsborough Community College were training the merchant mariners in the middle of winter saying, hey, you know, if the ships go down, which many of them did, uh, per capita, per person, more merchant seamen died in World War II than in any other service. You're going to have to swim to shore. You're going to have to know how to swim. My father grew up swimming in Lake Michigan when it was 40 degrees below zero. <laughs> you know, all Polish all the time. So he was like flipper swimming to the shore, but some of his fellow mates, they didn't make it. They didn't make the cut. You know, it's like wanting to be a member of the SEALs team, and you don't know how to swim. And you say to you, really, you want to be a SEAL? Yeah, Michael was using those $5 words. It was confusing me. It was giving me verbal vertigo. Uh, our number is one 800 Let's go, if we can, to uh, Gene, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gene. Yes, Curtis. You spoke about your mother's siblings having been born in Bari, Italy. Yeah, a little town of Andria on the coast there uh, of the Adriatic Sea uh, across uh, from Albania. Uh, It wasn't the A-R-I, was it? Oh, wow, man. A-R-I, what is that? Like uh, when you get to be 50 years old, they send you all that mail and you become a member of ARI? Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 Curtis. B as in boy, A-R-I in oh, Italy. Oh, body, body, yes, body. yes. Oh, oh yes. I thought it was, uh, you know, because when I was uh, 49 years old, I was getting all that that, that mail, that junk mail from ARI telling me I had to join them when I was a half. No. Oh, that's no, A-A-R-P. No. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. But, I got that but, but body, Italy. I believe is uh, the uh, source of our Santa Claus story. That uh. There was a man there who provided dowries to young women way back. Wow, this is interesting. So that's where the concept of St. Nicholas came from, because I always believed that Santa Claus was a saint in the Roman Catholic Church, and this yes, makes sense. I think so. I think so. Provided the dowries for the women. Yes, you're right. Correct. Back then, uh, the father had to give uh, cows, uh, horses, whatever it was in tribute. Uh, the moment his daughter would get married to some guy, even if he was even at my my grand, look at my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, poor, impoverished, couldn't read, couldn't write. And so 
Uh, Nicoletta, my grandmother, who was well-educated, uh, came from a wealthy family. Her family uh, chased them into the mountains. Uh, they were going to kill my grandfather for, oh. obviously, moving up uh, in the class ranks with my grandmother. Uh, yes. un- unfortunately for uh, her father, who wanted to kill my grandfather, uh, she was pregnant. So they Uh-oh. had to accept my grandfather and give him a dowry. How do you like that? He kidnaps my grandmother. He takes her into the mountains. They're living in a wine barrel. Uh, there's, there's a mob of people who want to hang him and burn him at the stake. And because she ends up being pregnant, her father had to end up paying him a dowry. Uh-huh. How did he do it? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, my grandfather is quite... Uh, Quite the bon vivant, the raconteur, he would wear a kerchief around his neck. He would sing and he would dance. That's how he lured my grandmother, Nicoletta, down from her balcony in her palatial palazzo that she lived in. Oh, yeah, it was a meeting of, uh, I guess if they were in India, uh, the lowest caste that I saw when I was there were the untouchables. Oh, my God, how badly they were treated. So my grandfather would be the equivalent of the untouchables in India, whereas my grandmother came from a top caste. I'll never forget sitting there in Kanasi. She'd be uh, at the uh, breakfast table. Breakfast table. It was the kitchen table. Uh, she'd be reading Il Progresso uh, to my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, as they had the Medaglia d'Ora, Nutazza de Cafe, a little biscuit. And she would be telling uh, my grandfather what was going on in the old country through Il Progresso because he could not read, he could not write. Uh, he was a ditch digger. That's how uh, he supported his 13 kids. The last being the last drop, Francesca, who was the only one born here in Brooklyn. Anyway, let's go to uh, Rick. He was calling from Coney Island to answer the question that I threw out there is, what's the song that Kenny Vance and the Planetones did that had the term echo in it, Rick? Good morning, Curtis. It's Looking for an Echo. Yeah, isn't that a great song? Yes, yes. It's like... I'm a big Kenny Vance fan. Right, it's like doo-wop, acapella, and man, when he hits mm-hmm. that microphone with the Planetones, it brings the house down, Rick. It brings the house down. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you're talking about the Marty Markowitz con- uh, concert. I-, I remember running into you with the uh, Frankie Valley concert there when summer. Yeah, yeah, and Frankie Valley, uh, yeah. who mm-hmm. can't who can't hit those high notes anymore. You know, you talk about acapella, you talk yeah. about soprano, right? He's uh, <laughs> 90 years old. <laughs> right, but they, they play his music in the back when he had to hit the high notes and he'd have to lip sync uh, the music, but they were still great. Yeah, yeah, very entertaining, yeah. Oh, and did you ever see uh, the Jersey Boys? Uh, yes, yeah, several times. Was it's that? Just, it's coming back to Broadway now. Was that not one of the greatest, greatest musicals of all time, Rick? Yep. I mean, I, I mean, made Frankie Valli a multimillionaire. He made more money off Jersey Boys than he did singing. Yeah, but he deserved it. Let me tell you something. All oh, the yeah. hits he yeah. had... I heard him recently on with Tony Orlando without dawn that precedes his program from uh, ten to twelve on Saturday yeah, yeah, nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was great. Oh, that was another thing. It's Dion Demucci, not Dion Danucci. You conf- you're confusing him with Dominic Danucci, the wrestler. Oh, you picked up on that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I gave him a, a malefracture. 
I, I took that name, and I figured I'd throw it out there. Let me see if anybody picks up on that. Hey, you're a real Weisenheimer, Rick, huh? Yeah, yeah. You picked what it up. I got to do? Well, you know, yeah. look, Rick, I'm a little upset here that Tony Orlando without Dawn would name Dion, as I called him, Danucci of Belmont Arthur yeah. Avenue, the king of the streets of New York. Maybe in the Bronx. But I'm yeah, king no of the way, Curtis. Right, I'm the king. No way. You, you own the streets. You that, own that, the streets. That's right. Curtis. That's right. I rule the night. Oh, no, that was the cops. I've been following, so. you. I've been following you since the 80s. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's what uh, the NYPD used to say. They rule the nights. That was street crime, anti-crime, right? Remember? And then he, he did away with it. Look at the city. Now, hey, Eric Adams is going to bring back anti-crime without them being undercover. Does anybody pick up on that? You know, uh, Greg Kelly came on with uh, Larry Kudlow and explained that to Larry, because obviously Larry Kudlow is not a street guy. Uh, Greg Kelly knows a lot about policing through his uh, father, Ray Kelly, longest-serving police commissioner in the history of New York. Went to uh, White Shoes Malloy High School there near Jamaica High School. Used to be the boxing commissioner of the state of New York. I would see him at the fights all the time. And Greg Kelly... Great show. You, you can't miss it every Monday through Friday from 1 to 3. Which explaining to Larry Kudlow, hey, uh, you know, you're kissing uh, Eric Adams took us over him bringing back anti-crime. It's not anti-crime undercover. It's anti-crime with a uniform. Hey, you don't think guys are going to be on the corner going, hey, 5-0, 5-0. Good job, Greg Kelly, schooling Larry Kudlow, who was uh, a little waspy there. Hey, really, really, Greg. You know, they're not going to be wearing. A, they're going to be wearing a uniform. How does that work? <sighs> uh, anyway, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Al uh, in New Jersey. Uh, what neighborhood are you in, Al? I'm in uh, Tenafly, New Jersey, or as my former boss Bob Hope like to call it, how's everything in New Jersey, pal? Uh. <laughs> As uh, your wonderful owner, John, said today uh, to you on the air, your knowledge of New York is great, so i got to ask you a question. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and yeah, I'm a part yeah, owner. I was a part owner of P.J. Clark, Ooh. the corner of East 55th and 3rd Avenue, New York. But long before that, I was a frequenter of uh, Jilly's where Sinatra hung out mm. and uh, – so forth and so on down the street from Gallagher Steakhouse in yep, Manhattan. Yep. And Julie had a hot hat check girl uh, named Maureen. And uh, something along the lines of what might have happened in those days, uh, I playfully patted her on her backside as I went past the uh, hat check room, not knowing that she was the main squeeze, Curtis, of a mobster named Johnny Dio. Hmm. So the next thing I knew, in walks Johnny Dio, walks down the bar. I notice all the bartenders, Sal and Al, they both are backing away, scared. And uh, walk right down the bar and pulled uh, a Beretta pistol. And he said, uh, I want you to apologize to the lady. Well, I quickly apologized <laughs> without hesitation. <laughs> And uh, and Julie came over. He cooled things off, and Johnny Deal left. But uh, 
You know, your memories of New York bring back many memories for those of us who are listening. So thanks, kid. Oh, oh I like being called kid. See, that makes me feel like a million bucks. Now, I hear through the grapevine from some of the old timers that uh, Jilly's. Yeah. Uh, obviously tight, super tight with Sinatra. Sinatra. Save Frank's life. Yeah, had a, uh, uh, I gotta call it a love-hate relationship with Johnny Carson. And apparently Johnny Carson was in the gin mill there, uh, you know, getting blitzed. Correct. Said some things uh, to some of the ladies there that didn't go over too well. Like you mentioned, you patted the derriere of the hat check girl, and you almost had to regret that. <laughs> right. And apparently they gave Johnny Carson a beatdown. They took him downstairs in the basement and beat the living daylights out of him. He, uh, he, Ed McMahon was with him when Johnny walked in. And uh, Ed McMahon very wisely uh, backed off when uh, Julie said to him, I want to have a private meeting with John. <laughs> And they went downstairs. Downstairs was where the men's room was at and the ladies' room and some other uh, office of uh, Joey. Anyhow, and uh, all I know is that whatever happened down there, Johnny came up. And according to uh, Sal and Al, the bartenders, they told me everything. They told me that Johnny had a bruise on his uh, right cheek. (laughs) So I don't know how it happened. But I would guess that what you heard was pretty close to the truth. And I got to tell you this, that uh, Frank Sinatra did come into Joey's frequently with his then his main squeeze was Jill St. John. Mm. Uh, Aristotle Onassis came in there with Jackie O and sat in a corner table. And he loved the uh, Chinese food that they had there. And the piano players were uh, Bobby Cole and a guy named Chico Randall, real name Chico Lisbona, who I grew up with. And uh, these guys, uh, they uh, all uh, were very popular with Frank, meaning F.S. Frank Sinatra. And Frank brought them out to Palm Springs, and uh, they carried on their careers out there. This is incredible, Al, because uh, a lot of people, when I tell them that story, say, "Yeah, come on, Johnny Carson, he was the king. Of late night TV, uh, Jilly would never do that. He would never uh, smack around the king of all media at that time, Johnny Carson. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. The guys back then, they didn't care who the hell you were. Nope. They, yeah, they yeah, throw your beat down. Correct. Um, I, I remember Ed McMahon's a pretty big guy. Yeah. Physically a big guy. And a former Marine, by the way. Marine flyer uh, during uh, Korea. Anyway, uh, and uh, when I saw Ed McMahon back off, I knew that he saw some fierce eye uh, uh, eyeballing of Johnny by Joey Rizzo. And I said to myself, hmm, there's something serious over here, you know. Yep, yep, yep. And, um, you know, and, and again, it was an era. You remember an actor named Lawrence Tierney. He played Dillinger in the movies. Uh, Larry Tierney, and uh, Larry Tierney uh, unfortunately fell on hard times as an alcoholic. He was a, believe it or not, at the end of his uh, life, he was a handsome cab driver in Central Park to earn a buck. Wow. Yeah, and um, one night, um, you know, he went into Joey's, 
and wanted a drink at the bar. He was obviously uh, quasi-inebriated at the time. And um, Sal and Al told him, sorry, you know, our rule here, we can't, we can't serve you, sir. And so he went across the street to one of those uh, uh, alleyways next to a theater across the street, the Alvin Theater, one of those theaters on that particular street. And he picked up a garbage pail, went over to Julie's front plate glass window, and threw the garbage pail right through the window. <laughs> well, to give you an idea of the kind of guy, Julie was a bulldog, definitely a bulldog. And he came out there and he punched this guy straight across the street until the guy almost got uh, a broken jaw. He was punching him in the face. He's punching him in the body all over the place. And, uh, you know, that would be the kind of guy that uh, um, this Larry Tierney was. And he was uh, fierce. And he'd be the kind of guy to get even. So Julie told him, you get out of New York. Or I promise you, pal, by Monday you'll be dead. And that's when Larry Tierney went out to L.A., started getting bit parts on things like Heart to Heart and stuff like that, and ended up his life out there. Wow. This is like uh, Paul Harvey. Now you know the rest of the story. And I bet you Tierney back then, after he caught that uh, beatdown, got punched across the street by Gilly. You know, the protector for Frank Sinatra, or as uh, Joe uh, (coughs) Piscopo would call him. You can hear the Sinatra show, Ramsey Subaru, tomorrow night, 6 to 8. Mr. Sinatra, I don't call Mr. You know me, I would have dealt with Jilly. You saw me dealing with Sammy the Bull Gravano the other night and John Gotti Jr. on that ABC TV special that you can catch on Hulu now if you missed it. Oh, we set it off. But there was no Trinity Rehab back then. This guy Tierney, <laughs> he could have used Trinity Rehab. You better believe he had broken bones, fractures, aches, and pains. So many of you from shoveling the snow and the ice, falling down right on your tush, your tukas. Same thing. Don't be popping those pain pills. Don't do it. You need to go for a place where you can be virtually pain-free without drugs. That's how. Without the Percocets, without the uh, Oxys, without the Vicodin. And the place to go is Trinity Rehab. They're all over the state of New Jersey. In fact, find out why people are schlepping them from Pennsylvania, the Mid-Hudson Valley, and across the GW Bridge from Manhattan. Because they have the EPAT machine. It's FDA approved. And what it does, it breaks up scar tissue, enhances healing, it gets rid of pain. El rapido. It's effective for conditions like back and neck pain, tennis elbow, shoulder tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, and knee pain. In just three five-minute sessions, you can be virtually pain-free, and you're not popping any pills. Again, write it down. They're all over New Jersey, Trinity Rehab, open in Clifton, Paramus, Wayne, Short Hills, Emerson, East Windsor, Shrewsbury, Wall, Woodbridge, and two brand-new locations in Hackensack and Wyckoff. Call Trinity Rehab today at 800-518-0977. That's 800-518-0977. Or go to trinity-rehab.com. That's trinity-rehab.com. I'll take you right to the top of the hour here, uh, Bruce. Let's quickly go to Tommy in the Irish Riviera, Breezy Point. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Yeah, Curtis, uh, I, I, you amaze me on how much stuff you, you retain and in, in, in the stuff that you know. Yeah, it was, it was Beach Channel High School that had the uh, rowing team. I was on it for three years. 
That's right. And uh, you took up oceanography, right? Uh, and marine biology, yeah. Yeah, marine biology. Yeah, kids would come from all over the city. They'd take the A train, schlep out there. And then I saw one time in the back bay, in Jamaica Bay there, a, yeah. row, a rowing team. I figured, well, Columbia University, you know, some. No, they said that. That that's the high school team there, Beach Channel. Yep. And you were yep. competing against these waspy prep schools, you know, from uh, all over New England, correct? Yeah, and, and Long Island. And we went down for a couple of regattas. And um, how was it? Uh, I got a scholarship uh, in uh, West Virginia, and I couldn't uh, go because I my family had a machine shop, and I had a. It was, wasn't doing too good, so I had to stick around. My father didn't want me. No, no. Yeah, anyway. You, you're uh, lo- loyal to the fan. But who is uh, the person sitting there going, Row, 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 row. The coxswain. The what? The coxswain. Or coxswain, whatever. I call what it coxswain. What the hell? If anybody would have called me that, I would have knocked <laughs> them out. What the hell? I did that. I did that. Uh, yeah, uh, I, what, what was the name of the, the person with you? Row, row, row. Coxswain. Man, that's like a curse. How can I... Yeah, and every, every time we won, we get to throw the coxswain in the water. Yeah, uh, man, in Jamaica Bay, that person might have disintegrated. Roger that. We uh, also used to practice over by, uh, you know what King's Plaza is, the uh, the channel behind King's Plaza? Sure. Yeah, we in um, uh, Floyd Bennett Field, we had a little uh, a building in the back, and uh, we used to uh, we used to row there. What was the name of that lady that gave us some... Uh, she was some... Um, I can't remember her name. She gave us a boat. And we had a name after her. She was, um, I can't remember. I'm whoa, sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway. Tommy, Tommy, you asking me? You're asking me as if I'm going to know who the hell this lady is? I wouldn't have had anything to do with rowing. And I certainly would have been, what would they call that, Coxwain? I'd have knocked that person out. What a, what a nebbishy, schlubby schmendrick who's sitting there going, woo, 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 woo. And so then if you win the rowing contest, you know, all you elite wasps there on your, your crew teams with your crew shirts, you, you, you throw them into the drink there at Jamaica Bay, the guy would have uh, incinerated. Hmm. Very interesting. Up next, oh, my defense of Neil Young. And, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're talking the defense of not just Neil Young, but the defense of the very people that we grew up with, 1969, Joni Mitchell. gentlemen that's our era it's a generational battle that's now taking place 
I mean, I'm thinking Neil Young. I'm thinking Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Each and every one of them had their own individual career in front, uh, in fact. See that? Missing my front tooth. I end up biting my lip. David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young actually did a song that I'm going to debut for my portion of The Other Side of Midnight. The two uh, other sides of midnight that I do, Saturday mornings and this one, Sunday mornings, which equals one-third of the time of the other side of midnight. Frank Morano does the other two-thirds, Monday through Fridays, one to five. And he has scored an incredible rating that is beyond anything ever achieved in overnight radio before, ever since we... uh, Turn from spinning stacks of wax top 40, number one in the nation, to the number one news talk station in the nation. We're talking outdoing Alan B. Combs when he did overnights here on WABC. And that Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, Art Bell. And yet, I don't get any credit for contributing to that. I mean, I'm like a third of the time, right, when you start adding it up. So, David Crosby, because I love Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and Frank Morano, you know, he's president of the Al Josen uh, Society. He doesn't even know who Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young is. Created a special song for my portion of The Other Side of Midnight, which we will debut in the 4 o'clock hour, when generally Frank Morano scams everybody with that contest, you know, get 10 answers in 60 seconds and I'll give you $1,000. We proved uh, uh, in the early morning hours, as the storm was raging, Bruce, uh, that he was a deadbeat, right? All the people calling up, claiming they didn't even get their, their WABC hacks that he promised. I mean, caller after caller. He's a gold brick. He's a slacker, he's a deadbeat, and worse yet, he's a welcher. But we'll deal with all of that right now. Let's deal with this uh, generational war that has taken place. As you know, uh, Joe Rogan, who claims he was from Newark, right? I never saw him in Newark. I mean, you could count the number of white guys on one hand in Newark. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, I'm from Newark. Where? Where? Come on. What, up near St. Lucie's, the parish, Bloomfield Ave, North Ward? Where, where, where? Well, what, are you going to Paul Robeson uh, Law School, part of Rutgers campus? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't remember him from Newark. Tough guy, you know, uh, MMA fighter, you know, mixed martial arts fighter. Uh, then went on to do stand-up. And now he's got the most popular podcast in the nation. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, when our generation, the baby boomers, begin to conflict with these hipsters and millennials, we got to choose whose side we're on. Forget uh, forget the fact that they're fighting over vaccine versus no vaccine, school balls versus uh, Fauci, although he's a school ball himself. But as you know, Neil Young, oh, Canada, a Canuck, a whose head, a, a, from Toronto, decided to be the first of what I happen to feel will be many artists from our era, the boomer era from the 60s, the Woodstock era, who will be uh, pulling their list from Spotify. And if you notice, uh, in quick order, Joni Mitchell, who I love. I, did you ever go to Joni Mitchell's uh, Wikipedia page uh, and look at her Facebook page and all that? She wears, she rocks a red beret now. That's right. 
Uh, I know she supports the Guardian Angels. She rocks a red beret. And we've had Guardian Angels in Toronto. We've had Guardian Angels in Vancouver, British Columbia. We've had Guardian Angels in Halifax in the Maritime Provinces. So, uh, and in Montreal, although there they wanted us to wear blue berets uh, with that blue French figure. And I say, hell no. You know, it's red and white. Oh, yeah, but that's the, the colors of the, of, the, of the maple leaf flag, the English-speaking flag. I said, there's only one flag in Canada. What the hell are you talking about, Quebecois? We'll discuss that on another day. But Joni Mitchell, being a true sister in solidarity, has joined with Neil Young and has opted out of Spotify. Uh, in fact, if you can, Bruce, can I hear a little bit of one of my favorite all-time I'll call her a folk singer because she really was. Joni Mitchell, could you please uh, play that big yellow taxi? Yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Joni, Joni, Joni. Wearing that red beret. Yeah, okay. All right. She's up there in the charm we all. Right. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot And if you're looking to get it on Spotify now, you can't. Because Joni Mitchell has pulled her complete collection of great songs. Well, so many interesting things about Joni Mitchell that I'm going to be uh, delving into about Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. About the only one that uh, wasn't snacking on her at one point was Stephen Stills. But, oh yeah, Neil Young, a fellow Canadian hosehead. And then uh, Graham Nash from the UK, yeah, he was snacking on her. And the bad boy of the group, David Crosby. By the way, I can't call him bad boy because he made a theme song for me that I am going to actually debut uh, at 4 o'clock this morning. Because I know Frank Morano, he has a song, but it's lame. Uh, This is David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. But the bad boy of the group. Yeah, he uh, he had a relationship with uh, Joni Mitchell. The only one not to have a relationship. Uh, David Crosby, he was from, what, L.A.? That's right. He was a... He was out there with the, the Yardbirds. Stephen Stills, uh, I believe he's from Big D, Dallas. Dallas Cowboy fan. Tom Landry, go back to the original Dallas Cowboys. You know, when Tom Landry left the Giants. Imagine that. Landry leads the Giants to become an all-time great coach for the upstart Dallas Cowboys that just got started as a franchise. Vince Lombardi goes to Green Bay, becomes an all-world champion. And who do the New York Giants end up with? Ali Sherman from Brooklyn College. Uh, need I tell you the rest of the story? By the way, he went on to run OTB off-track betting for Rudy Giuliani. Man. By the way, do you have that trivia available? I want, to, I want you to all hear Frank Morano, the Gabon, uh, the Mangalooch, uh, the Mamalooch that he is. Because Frank Morano has always said that trivia uh, is not good talk radio. So, Bruce, I know you've rocked that cut from time to time. If you could please play that. I want the people to be able to hear this. The difference between my form of The Other Side of Midnight and Frank Morano's form. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Hmm. And look, look at all this conversation just in the last hour. I mean, did you know about a rowing crew uh, at a public high school? In New York City, huh? 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 You learn. You learn something. And then we engage in further conversation. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let's go first to uh, the man of the hour, 
who's under attack by my boomers. First, Neil Young, joined by fellow Canadian Joni Mitchell, pulling their playlist from Spotify. I'm sure others will follow. I wonder what happened to Graham Nash. How come he's not pulling his list? Or Stephen Sills or or the bad boy, David Crosby. I'm sure they'll soon join. But they're not Canadians. You see, I think that's what this is. And because Canada today was the scene of that truckers demonstration in Ottawa where they were looking for Trudeau Jr., who was under guard protection. He was so afraid of thousands of truckers uh, who don't want to have to have that vaccine passport and was supported by Joe Rogan. Look at this video that I sent Jamie. It's a giant convoy of trucks. That's apparently some insane amount of people, like 50,000 trucks, that are headed to Ottawa to protest the vaccine mandates by Trudeau. It's all Canadian truckers, because apparently they're, they're all being mandated that they have to get vaccinated. And they're like, hey, we don't even contact anybody. Yeah, see? And they got there. And they surrounded the Parliament House. They were looking for Trudeau and some of the others who had disparaged them. Uh, And apparently they are parked in the parking lot. See, Joni Mitchell parking lot. Although she's actually with Neil Young against the truckers. But apparently they're parked in the parking lot and they're not leaving uh, the premises of the House of Parliament until... Uh, They no longer have to uh, carry a vaccine passport. In fact, the United States now has stipulated if you're a Canadian uh, truck driver, 18-wheel tractor trailer, you got to have the vax passport when you cross the border. And likewise, uh, if you go into Canada, you got to have the vax passport. They're saying it's un-American, it's un-Canadian. So they have Joe Rogan as supporter. They have uh, Donald Trump, former president, who I think was rocking the house in Big D, Dallas, Uh, where Stephen Stills uh, was from uh, tonight. I think he had another big gathering there. And uh, who else is supporting him? Okay, so you got Rogan, you got Donald Trump, and I know you got one other person. uh, Memory, memory is going here. I I didn't have my ginkgo earlier today. Uh, But anyway, so this is the way the battleground has been uh, uh, deciphered. And then on the other side, you have Canadians, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell saying, you're wrong, you're wrong. You should all be vaxxed. You shouldn't be anti-vaxxers. And you have a baby boomer like ourselves, Geraldo Geraldo Rivera, who actually uh, has the back of Neil Young. So they have sided with Neil. They have told Neil Young, you're off Spotify. Did they make the right decision? I think so. I'm for Neil Young. My tweet. Uh, followers are 10 to 1 against me. And uh, thousands uh, for Joe Rogan, uh, just a mere handful for Neil Young. But I, I, I feel that Joe Rogan has given a lot of bad advice to people. And uh, Neil Young is standing on principle. It's costing him a lot of money. Uh, he gets all those royalties. He's got a you know a, a list of hits as long as my arm. Don't ask me to name them, but uh, he I'd go back with him all the way to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and uh, you know he's just a, a great a great performer. He's a man of principle. He's going to lose money. Uh, Spotify is going to uh, you know lose Neil Young and Joe Rogan's going to reign. And I think that your advocacy for him, for Rogan, and for people who believe like Rogan is carrying the day. Uh, The polls are swinging your way. You see, Geraldo Rivera, 
has the back of Neil Young. Okay, so we have Neil Young's pulled his playlist from Spotify, followed by his fellow Canadian, who he at one time had a relationship with, Joni Mitchell. She was very hot to trot in her prime time. Like I said, she had relationships with Graham Nash at a certain point, bad boy David Crosby, who again actually created a song for me that we're going to air tonight at 4 in the morning. My form of The Other Side of Midnight, the two mornings I do it, Frank Morano, he's got this corny song. I, I mean, I heard it the other morning. It's like, really, Frank? What a cornball song. I got David Crosby doing my song, huh? I'm flexing here. This is so interesting. In the next hour, we're going to talk about RFK Jr., uh, the rally he had in Washington, D.C., an eclectic group of people. And Graham Nash has given him a hard time because he claims that RFK Jr. culturally appropriated his anthem, Chicago. <laughs> you know, like Trump is always uh, uh, culturally appropriating songs, the Rolling Stones song, and hey, you can't play that, Trump, at your rallies. The only one I think uh, permitted him to do that is Twisted Sister, right? Snyder, I think. D. Snyder, I think, I think. Uh, but all of you can straighten me out on that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to John, who is calling from the gateway to the world. Bayonne, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Hi, Curtis. Curtis, the two performers that you mentioned... Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Who the hell are they? They're they're old hags, washed up. Who are they to say anything? I can't even name three good songs by them each. Can you? Oh, yeah. You can name more than three good songs by Neil Young. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I want you to listen to this one because it's pertinent. How old are you, John? 58. Okay. Well, yeah, you're there. You're over, uh, you know, AARP 50. You got the letters every day of your life when you were 49. You wanted to impale yourself with the mail. This was a ode that Neil Young, the Canadian, uh, with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, it did for you, me, and most of our listeners out there. my life I'm a lot like you were Oh man look at my life I'm a lot like you were John this is our anthem singing to us we're old men now He he sounds like a whiny bee Oh, that's that's what he is Rocking in the free world you don't like that uh, song uh, That's too uh, I just this song stinks. Walking in the free world's good. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay. Like two other good songs. What about the song? In 40 years, he's got oh, three oh, good songs. Hold on, John. All right. All right. You don't like this one. All right, Bruce, take that one off. This is a song that Al Gore claimed was written on his behalf. As you know, when Al Gore went to Harvard University, he met Tipper. He claimed that, um, you know, a certain movie was made about him, right? You remember that? I don't. Oh, no, I I don't. Well, you know, he invented the Internet. Uh, He said that a certain movie was made about him. Ladies and gentlemen, you can weigh in on that. 
1-800-848-9222. His roommate at Harvard became a famous movie star in his own right. But he claims that he met Neil Young because he was a deadhead. I don't know if you know that Al Gore and Tipper Gore were legitimate deadheads. They would go to all the Grateful Dead concerts. Now then, that's a band. Yeah, that's yeah. A band with hundreds and hundreds of good songs. Oh, yeah. My, Neil my, Young has a handful of good songs. Right, Joni right. Mitchell. I can't even name one Joni Mitchell song on. that's of any value oh, wow. today. Still I, today. I but, all right. But this is the song. Now, Al Gore claims this. I wonder if, in fact, this was written on his behalf. He claimed that he met Neil Young at a Grateful Dead concert uh, in College Point, Maryland, the University of Maryland. And this is the song that he said Neil Young did specifically for Al Gore. What a great, great song. Come on, John. That's a good one. All yeah, right. yeah, okay. You see, I, we keep chipping away that's, at that's, you. That's part of a handful. Okay. All right. Hey, look, look, look. You, now you got you got to reach to get to the handful, too. You got to reach. He's got a handful of good songs. Right, I didn't, oh, didn't have any Hold oh, on, hold oh, on. He's got a handful. Before you disparage, my guy, Neil Young. And, you know, I don't like many Canadians. Oh, Canada, Canucks, Hoseheads. This this song here, this 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 will reach in and grab your heart, and you will say, Curtis, I've reconsidered, I've had an epiphany about Neil Young. Come on, you, you know this song, right, John? You want to sure. sing along with it? Right? Sure. This is a great song, what? I don't. I only know the first two lines. All right, well, sing along with I've it. I've been to Hollywood, I've been to Redwood. All right, let's sing along with it. Hold on, take a shot. We'll do a little karaoke here, John. Yeah. It's a good song. It's a good song. It's part of a handful. Okay, but you see, you forgot a lot of these great classics, didn't you, John? Here, here's the punchline. Here's the punchline. Oh, and this was the classic. Every Irishman trying to chase leprechauns, finding that pot of gold, would listen to this song, Heart of Gold, by Neil Young, John. Come on, give, give, him, give him credit. Come on, John and Bayonne, give him credit. I right, give him credit for having a handful of good songs. All right, all right, but hey, that's a lot better than what you started out with I there. started out with saying he had a handful of good okay. songs. all right, all right. So he's not and a then, loser. He's not a no, loser. No, no, I didn't say he was a now, See, now you put words in my mouth. I well, said no, he no, has no, a no, handful John. of good songs. No, but people... And then Joe Rogan, all of a sudden, Neil Young, is, he's selling records. The guy did him a favor. Take my name off... You know what? He sold half of his, half of the rights to his songs for 150 million dollars. 
So for Geraldo to say he's losing money on this, I mean, give me a break. Uh, hold on a second. Now you're disparaging my friend Geraldo Rivera. John, I, I, you're at the gateway of the world, Bayonne. You got the whole world before you as you stare out from the old Standard Oil port there where all the cruise lines now come in. John. You realize how many boomers are on those cruise ships to come into Bayonne who know who Neil Young is, who know who Joni Mitchell is, who probably would side with Joni Mitchell, the Canadian, and with Neil Young, the Canadian, who one time had a relationship with one another against a guy who claims he's from Newark. Do you really believe that uh, Joe Rogan is from Newark? Come on, John. Listen, Curtis, between the two of them, they have a little bit more than a handful of good songs. That's all they have. They're old hags. Oh. I didn't even know they were on Spotify. And oh you know what, Spotify? Won't, who's going to stop subscribing to Sp- Spotify? Because Neil Young said, take my songs off there. Well, to Johnny. You I, know what? Name a, name two good songs by Johnny. I, you know what? I can't even name a song by Johnny Mitchell, oh let alone two of them. Let me tell you something. You can't do that, Joni Mitchell. If you go on her Facebook page, if you go on her Wikipedia, if you look at her photos, you see her rocking a red beret, John. She loves the Guardian Angels. Did you know that, John? That might be so, but she doesn't have any good songs out. I, I I'm have about the song. I'm talking right, about her I, songs. I have a anybody that's a, you okay. find somebody out there that knows that could name more than a couple of songs by Joni Mitchell, Okay, tell him to name one. That's fair. That's fair because we've elevated you with Neil Young. Uh, you, you you remembered a few of those really classic I said songs. he had a handful of good songs. Okay. That's all he had. Hey, a lot They're of... old tags. He's not... Spotify uh, is not going to miss him. Oh, wait Curtis, a second. thanks for your time. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa! He hung up on me. I want you to go back and play Old Man there because this is going to be John's anthem here. This is classic Neil Young, Old Man. And let's face it, there are a lot of us out here, ladies and gentlemen, who are considered to be old men and old women. Who are we going to side with? Are we going to side with Joe Rogan, the hipster, the millennial, the musclehead? Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you. This is a generational battle, ladies and gentlemen. I have the most extensive Spotify electronic dance music listing of any boomer out there. As you know, I love electronic dance music, but I love Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And I love Neil Young, and I especially love Joni Mitchell. Come on, guys. You remember Joni Mitchell up there? That drop-dead gorgeous blonde folk singer who had a relationship not only with Neil Young, but when she was finished with Neil Young, she went off to Graham Nash. When she was finished with Graham Nash, she went to bad boy David Crosby. Never had a relationship with Stephen Stills. And David Crosby has actually created a theme song for my The Other Side of Midnight show that competes with Frank Morano now. I want to hear this. Yeah, I'm a lot like you, Neil Young. This is classic. Uh, you're gonna side with me and Geraldo Rivera against Joe Rogan, musclehead guy who claims he was from Newark. Get out of here! Now he's out there smoking ropes of dope with millions of followers. 
Oh, what has he said recently? Oh, I would support Michelle Obama for president. What kind of strain, what kind of buds is he smoking? And then he disparaged me one time on his program. He said that I jumped in front of his cab, that he was taking to Madison Square Garden, and I threatened him, or he said something to that effect. Hey, let me tell you something. I don't have to threaten anybody, Joe Rogan. We'll get right into that ring, and I'll knock you out. I'll hit you so hard, your mother will feel the vibrations. I side with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. That's right. Sing it. Sing it. This is so good. Come on, AARP people out there. Are you going to do what that guy in Bayonne did and throw him under a cruise ship? Oh, this is so good. I mean, oh, I know John is singing along, right, Bruce? You know it, right? I, he rediscovered the great Neil Young songs, and then he disparages Joni Mitchell. Said she's like a VH1, one-hit wonder. Oh, no, she's not. I'm defending my generation, 1969, the era of Woodstock. The hell is Joe Rogan, Elon Musk. Let them be smoking their ropes of dope, right? Getting me mad here. I know it goes against the grain of what Neil Young and Joni Mitchell stand for, peace, love, and happiness up in old Canada. I, I get it. But how can I disparage Joni Mitchell? She's wearing a red beret, showing her support for the guardian angels. Yes. And do you know there was a famous drummer, lead singer of a really great group. Oh, boy, this is great trivia. Hey, hey, can you play that Frank Morano thing again? <laughs> the guy knows nothing about what he's talking about when it comes to trivia and leading the talk. Go ahead, play that. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over, but it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, you wouldn't have guessed anything. Great drummer of a group whose daughter joined the Guardian Angels in Vancouver, British Columbia. Ah, now that's a, a big trivia question. Who are we talking about here, huh? one 800 848 Let's go to Tom in Westchester. Your turn to be heard. Are you joining me in solidarity, in support of Neil Young, and especially Joni Mitchell, who was just disparaged, Tom? Join you in support of your love of Joni Mitchell. I adore her. I oh. think she's fantastic. I think she is a genuine artist, the real thing. And in a lot of ways, um, you know, her her gifts supersede many of her peers. I think she's fantastic. The first song on her first album, I Had a King, is a tremendous little piece of work. And so your other caller was asking, name three songs. I mean, you know, her entire first album is a gem. Cactus is a great song. I Had a King. Both Sides Now, or Clouds, that was used to be called Both Sides Now. Yes. Big Yellow Taxi. Her album, Mingus, which was not a popular album, it's true, but that's a fantastic piece of work. She's fantastic. She's, you know, she's special. She's special like Stevie Wonder is special. She's in that league of of gift, I feel. And I'm just... It, it's disturbing that you have to take sides and it gets so political no, and no, all no, of this. Still, still, it's, our, it's our generation, Tom. It's our generation that is being disparaged 
by Joe Rogan, uh, by Elon Musk, that South African who made all of his money here. Didn't make it in South Africa, did well, he? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I've, I've listened or watched a few of the Joe Rogan um, podcasts uh, with the the doctors who, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone and, and the folks who are coming out saying, hold it, hold it, not so fast on the vac- vaccination. And I support that, too. You know, uh, it's it's. Uh, Tom, Tom, who do you support? Do you support Dr. Kildare? Do you support Dr. Ben Casey of our generation? Come on now, Tom. I support uh, Dr. Michael Rossi from Peyton Place, which is which is my that's right. What did he say? Oh, oh, I'm hearing it right now. I'm hearing it right now. Joni Mitchell, come, come here. Oh, oh, yeah, Tom, right? Love it. Oh, this is great. And you look at her, and wow, she was eye candy up there with that guitar. Oh, drop dead gorgeous. Oh. See, what do they yes, know, Tom? She could, she, could, she could really play, too, man. She was great. Wait a second. I need Tom here. I need Tom here, Bruce. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean if, if we were going to a cabaret, right, who would we want to see and hear? Joni Mitchell or... Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, that... <laughs> I mean, if we were down at Bleecker Street, right, would we want to see Joe Rogan there or would we want to see Joni Mitchell, huh? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so, you know, I don't go to Joe Rogan for fantastic music, and I don't necessarily go to Joni Mitchell for uh, advice on how to deal with my health concerns. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you see, you know, but I, you know, but I, you know, but I love Joni, and I'm at least glad that Rogan's out there giving a platform to some of the some of the physicians who um, are not anti-vaxxers. I'm not vaccinated. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm anti this vax at this moment in time because I don't feel that the product is safe. Understood, Tom. You are medze medze poco poco. So you're half and half. Uh, you give props to Joe Rogan, Elon Musk on their side. And you give props, obviously, to Joni Mitchell. Come on, guys. So we gonna, are we going to let Joni Mitchell be disparaged out there, Neil Young, huh? Let's go to Marilyn uh, calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marilyn. Do you remember Richard Glasser? This guy, he's holed up in his single-room occupancy hotel in Dobbs Ferry's. He hears Joni Mitchell singing, and he imagines that's Judge Jeanine Pirro up there showing a shot of leg. Boy, this guy, he's got a fixation and obsession with the judge. Hey, hey, knucklehead. Uh, in a few hours, right after my Kumbada Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, and Dr. Marie at 10 o'clock, Judge Jeanine Pirro, call her up. You're always afraid to call her. Wow, what a freaky deaky weirdo. Anyway, let's go to John calling from the Bronx, who taught me where Wave Hill was yesterday. John, I thank you. I thought I knew every square inch, every nook and cranny of New York City. Uh, You really caught me yesterday, John. You really did. I love Riverdale because I went to the great Manhattan College, and Riverdale was in my backyard. I love that neighborhood in the Bronx. And you know, my combati chief, Rudy Giuliani, went to Manhattan College. Right, the class of 1966, 
I'm class of 83 and class of 84 with a master's degree. And let me uh, let me think been, now. Horace Mann High School for the elite, the privilege. Fieldston there, Fieldston, and Riverdale. Yes, uh, where the uh, wealthy uh, children uh, of the rich and the famous of Robin Leach go. Correct? No, no. Public school number nine for kindergarten. Public school number sixteen and Emerson Middle School, Yonkers, New York. And then because Gorton High School was so messed up, I I went to Archbishop Stepanak in. White Plains. Pardon the expression for you black people out there. White Plains. That's where I graduated high school from. Wow, you're right. Gordon and, want, Gordon and Yonkers. You didn't go to Gordon and Yonkers. Good for you. They would have chewed me up. That was the, They were having race riots there in the early, late 70s and early 80s. That would not have been a good place to go. Yeah, no, no. Good point. All right. Now, uh, how old are you, John? I turned 60 in September. And so my four young adults, my three handsome sons, the oldest of whom is a Roman Catholic priest, and my exquisitely beautiful daughter, they all got on the conference call, and they sang they sang to me Old Man by Neil Young when I turned 60. In fact, this is our anthem, Neil Young, Old Man, for all of us who at 49 got that junk mail from AARP every day. Ruined my day just realizing I was going to crack the half-century mark. Nobody thought I would. Over on the point spread said that. And then, John, this song came into my head, my medulla and my cerebellum. I'm going to go back to you momentarily. i got to get my fix of Neil Young here. Oh, man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Yeah, a lot like us, John, right? A lot like us, John. Oh. I saw I saw Neil Young at the uh, Garden State Arts Center. I think they call it DNC Arts now. I saw him there. I was on the lawn, and I never enjoyed a show like that in my entire life. He was by himself. His band was it was called Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Yes, Crazy Horse. That's right. Oh, John. Yep. Now, now we got to take a stance here. This is an attack. Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, these baby boomers, are attacking. No, they're not baby boomers. Excuse me. They're hipsters and millennials. They're attacking us, the boomers, and our beloved Joni Mitchell, 1969, and Neil Young. Pump it up there. Take a look at my life. I'm alive like you. Oh, so good. So good, John. John, what are, what are they doing? How we got we got to take we got to take a side here, John. Do we side? Me and Geraldo are siding with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Who are you siding with, John? I'm with you and Geraldo and everybody who has good taste in music. Neil Young is a classic, a classic rock artist. Joni Mitchell is fantastic. All those people from the Woodstock era, Orleans. Orleans yeah, yes, was yes, playing Woodstock. All those bands are great. Oh, oh, Orleans, that's right. Oh, I'm having flashbacks now, flashbacks. It's so good to be 67. I'm proud to be a baby boomer now when I hear this great music and I don't have to listen to the likes of Elon Musk talking about how much better they Go back to freaking South Africa and see if you can be the world's richest man there, pal. That's right.
Now, John, do we really believe that Joe Rogan is from Newark? Come on, really? Newark, New no, Jersey? No. Come on, he no, put he's that, lying about. He, he put that he's on his, about that too. Right, he put that on his resume to act like he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy, right? Get out of here. I he's s- from Livingston. He's oh. from Livingston or Essex Fells. Ah, you see? It's sort of like Cory Booker. Remember Cory Booker said, I'm Newark. I'm Newark. No, you're not, Cory. You're not Newark. Right, that's a- you don't cut your veins and arteries. You're not Prince Street Projects. You're not Columbus Projects. You're not Van Vecten. You're not Central Ave. You're not Weequake Park, West Ward. Oh, no. No. Oh, John, you see, you did the right thing. You did. You joined in solidarity with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Right. And by the way, a great album that Neil Young made with Crazy Horse, it was called Russ Never Sleeps, including the two great songs, Hey, Hey, My, My, and then the country, the softer version on side two, My, My, Hey, Hey. Yeah. Two classic songs. Oh, I, now I remember. John, this is incredible. We're traveling down memory lane. We're taking on Time Machine. We're remembering how great these artists were, how they've been forgotten how that uh, uh, that Gavone there in Bayonne uh, uh, tossed uh, tossed him into the trash heap. You know how? Oh, uh, and then I kept playing his songs. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. And now a whole generation won't have access to it because Neil Young did the right thing, took the moral high road, and said, "I'm pulling my playlist from Spotify." Right, John? That's right. Maybe that Gavone from Bayonne was was a boxer like the Bayonne leader. And got hit too many times in the head. Yeah, yeah, Chuck Wefner. By the way, one of the great interviews of all time, Frank Morano. Oh, boy, at times he, he really, he, 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 he's a pearl diver. He did one of the greatest interviews I've ever heard on radio, radio with Chuck Wefner, the Payone Bleeder. Oh, but John, this is so good. I'm in solidarity with you, with Geraldo. We have to defend our generation against these baby boomers and hipsters who I hate, I loathe. I despise. <sighs> Let me just reconnect here. <clears throat> we got to go to Lou uh, in Long Island. Your turn to be heard. First off, Lou, how old are you, Lou? I am 65 years old, Curtis, so I am of uh, the generation of the music you speak of. Yes, yes. Okay, now, this is war. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, well, you know, Curtis, I just want to say, uh, Neil Young, his best work was with Crazy Horse before Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And I said to your screener, the, the one song that will never be played is his Down by the River, I Shot My Baby. Oh. Do you remember that song? Yeah, there were many times I, I actually felt that way with the different girlfriends yeah, well, I had in my life. <laughs> You know, we're going to play Clapton later on. I shot the sheriff because, you know, he's the big anti-vaccine. Yeah, you can't, you can't, it, it could not be put on the radio today. Yeah. Down by the river, I shot my baby. I oh, shot her oh, dead. God. Those are the lyrics. I got to tell you how many times, Lou, I felt like doing that. But, you know, I don't carry a weapon. But, boy, some of these women really pushed me to the edge, Lou. Uh, well, Curtis, we're talking about music here. Okay, let me, get, let me get back on track. So now we have a choice here, Lou. It's me, it's Geraldo, it was John there from Riverdale, it's you in Long Island. Are we siding with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk? No, absolutely okay, not. Good, 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 good. 
Absolutely not. Listen, I cherish the music that I grew up with. Anybody that disparages it, uh, they're going to get a, a you know a tongue lashing from me, or maybe more. You know, we got to respect. We got to respect uh, those that have paved the way for others now who they throw their their work up on Spotify. You know, they make money. Back then, it was it was hard. You had to really hustle to sell an album. You were doing shows sometimes on a stage for 500, 600 people, and the owner, the promoters, wouldn't even pay you, Lou. This is what these guys and gals had to go through. People don't realize that. Exactly. They paved the way for these Kanye's and everybody else that are making millions. Yeah, and, and now they're, they're abandoning uh, the old school. It's like in fighters, too. You know, fighters, they have no health plan. They have no medical plan. Oh, and you, you blew my mind when you uh, said Chuck Webner. Yep. I was like, oh, my God, that's a blast from the past. Oh, by the way, uh, Frank Morano is going to have to go pearl diving and revive and resuscitate that interview, one of the greatest of all time, Chuck Webner and Frank Morano. I have to oh give him Oh, my God, that, that guy was a brawler. He never gave up. Never. Never. He was in, the, in that ring with Ali. Uh, almost almost took him out. It looked like, whoa, he, he had it a wobbling. was one punch away where he might have. Oh, man, can you imagine that? The great white dope. I mean, the great white hope. Chuck Webner. That's, <laughs> oh, oh, that's disparaging. That's what Rocky was based on. I don't think people realize that. Stallone. Wrote you this think script. it was well, it was based on Webner? Yes, it was because really you know, because washed up right. Here's Webner, Webner who did say uh, from time to time, in addition to being a bouncer at a bar and owning a bar, he had to go out and he had to collect for the wise guys. You know, he he was like the Stallone character in South Philly. I did not know that. Yeah, and then remember. Don King picked him, thought he was going to be a tomato can for Muhammad Ali, right, right. a.k.a. Cassius Clay. Yeah. That's right. And so Stallone was motivated. And then remember, they came to Stallone and said, great script, great script. But we really don't want to use you. And he said, well, then this, uh, it's got to be me or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And look where it got him. <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember the director, John Avelson, who went on to do Karate Kid, really great uh, director, no longer with us. He 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 said to me, you know, Stallone stood. You see, he said, no, I'm not letting anybody else do this because. Yeah. How many years did it take him to get that produced? Oh, it took him a while. Quite a few years, right? It took him a while, but he said, I am Chuck Wepner. I am Chuck (laughs) Wepner. You see, loyalty. This is it. He had loyalty to the Bayonne Bleeder. I got I got to get Frank to uh, to resuscitate that interview. One of the greatest of all time, I'm telling you. And Chuck Webner, he's bright, he's erudite, he's quick. You would think that all the times he got hit in the head, and not just in the ring. Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, this is great stuff, and we got to make a decision. Are we going to let these these hipsters and millennials destroy our no, legacy? No, we cannot. So uh, I will ask you, will you play Down by the River by Neil Young, yes. or will I get you in trouble? No, no. In fact, uh, I will clear it with the many cents. <laughs> okay. With the many cents. Oh, my God. All the lawyers. We got a phalanx of lawyers here at WABC. <laughs> Uh, I w- I w- well, John can afford them all. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you. Uh, I, I, have to, I have to give respect to John Katsimatidis first. I'll run it by his legion of lawyers. Yes. The uh, WABC has been rescued by him. Yes. This could have been one of those next serious, serious 
whatever you call it, radio. It's not local. WABC is local. That's why I listen. Yeah. I hear local news. I hear you. I, I, I get, you and Frank Morano, you're friends. It's just a beef to, to uh, uh, you know, uh, well, look, he's the uh, better. He, I get it. He loves Al Jolson. I love Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Al Jolson. Yeah. Who the hell loves Al Jolson he, now? He's the president of the Al Jolson Society. Didn't you know that? Get out of here. Yeah. Al Jolson, Eddie Cantor. He's played Eddie Cantor on his show. And even Rudy Valley. Uh, Valley uh, brother, can you spare a dime? You didn't know that, did you? No, I did not know that. That's, well, yeah, that's part uh, of that's his. Very odd. That's part of his. Hey, look, he's like uh, he's like an old man. In fact, that should be his theme song. Uh, the Neil Young old man should be. Man, oh, I love that song, Curtis. I love that song. When I first heard it, I thought about my father. Yes. When I heard that song, because it like kind of talked to me. It did. It did. You see, it reaches in and it grabs. Yeah, it, did. it grabs you, and I'm going to suggest to Frank Morano. That he he uses Neil Young this song "Old Man" as his theme song because really Frank Morano. Still, still he, you, you, Curtis, you're not you're not keeping your word here. You're gonna play down by the river for me. Yeah, but I got to run it by John and the Phalanx of lawyers first. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> and I'll, I'll do it. I promise you, Lou. I will do it. Look, I'm back tomorrow night. I'll in the meantime have had an opportunity after getting like two hours of sleep. Uh, to run it by Oh, my John. God. How do, you, how do you survive two hours of sleep? Look, look, I couldn't look, do it. look, there'll be plenty of time to sleep when we're dead, right? What do they no, do? I know. I've they, heard they, that before. They fold your arms. They put you in a cardboard I, casket, yeah. half shoes, half suit, and that's it. You you swim with the fishes. You sleep for the rest. Hell with that. I'm being cremated. Oh, cremated. Yeah, well, against my religion, but... You know, almost. I don't want to be buried in a box. Sorry. Yeah, almost fifty percent of people nowadays get cremated. No kidding. Yeah, I got. I got to do a show on that. You know, the difference between you know what is it? They're going to put you in an urn, and somebody is going to be bad mouthing you, and your ashes are going to yeah, hear yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. My sister said you get cremated. What do you want to do with your ashes? Yeah, yeah. I said I don't care. Flush them down the toilet. I'm dead. No, this is what they're going to do, Lou. Let me tell you. So maybe you have second thoughts. They're going to put your ashes in an urn. They're going to put it somewhere in the living room where people gather and talk. Hell no. And then they're going to be reminiscing about you. He was a bum. He was no good. And you're I, was, I am. I, I, Curtis, I've had a lot of faults in my life. I've not been perfect. I've been in jail once or twice for DWIs. I have not been perfect, okay? I know, but Lou. So yeah. I don't want anybody uh, revering me at my grave. Yeah, and the ashes, it's going to pick all of that up, and you're going to, you're going to have surus. Yeah, your ashes in 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 this this vase there. It's gonna have surus. You won't be able to properly rest. <laughs> don't do that, Lou. Don't. Oh, you, I don't know, the Curtis. The surus Curtis, that I'm you're very, gonna have. I'm very claustrophobic. Oh, I so The thought of being buried in a box just freaks me out. Yeah, not only that. For me, uh, you know, with all the child support I pay and all the exes, I'm gonna end up in a at this rate a cardboard box uh, on Hard Island. Nothing wrong with that. You're right. What's what the hell does it matter? Over that, you know, you know what? What do you want to buy a five thousand dollar oak box for what? Yeah, the worms are going to eventually get into that, right? Yeah, of course. You're going to deteriorate in that box, and then there is some out there. Say, oh, but you got to be in that box. You got to be ready for the Mashiach. But when he comes, all the skeletons will rise together. Makwana, my Lou.
Oh, yes, you're correct. It's over. It's over, as they say. You know, when it's nothing... over, it's over. I don't want anybody weeping on my grave. That's right. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but I'm telling you. Exactly. I agree 100%. Write in your will and demand that they not put your ashes in an urn right there in the living room so your oh, ashes... No, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't right. happen. Uh, let me, let me... You, know, and, uh, you know, on a side, you know, uh, my dad passed away when he was 50. I was 19 years old. I have not gone to the grave in probably 40 years. You know why? Because he's not there. I know, Lou. He's in my heart. I know, Lou. I do that. My own father, Chester. I wouldn't be the man that I am without Chester. And my mother, Francesca, uh, buried uh, there in Queens, the shadow of the old uh, Queens Hospital. I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yes. You know, Sid has that same feeling, Sid Rosenberg. You just mentioned his father, who passed away just last year. Brings tears to the, the guy's eye. He, he, same thing for me. My father, my father, Chester, is my hero. I, I didn't need to look to other role models and Hollywood sports stars who were degenerates, Local guy. No, no. I had my father, Chester, to look up to. I was a man's man. And my mother, Francesca, uh, she the best. You talk about being blessed. I had the two best parents that you could ever imagine that helped mold me. And I only wish that so many young people out there had that same opportunity to be raised by those kind of loving parents. Oh, boy. Lou brought me back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Ah, no, uh, here it is. Uh, I think about it. Used to go into the uh, medicine cabinet. My dad, Chester, was from Chicago, Midwest. He believed in Ford's fix or repair daily. That's a Midwest thing, Ford's. Not here, not where we live. Not unless it was a Thunderbird, right? <laughs> a muscle car. And whenever I'd have aches and pains, he'd say, hey, take the Midwest Cure Dones pills. You won't get addicted to this. He was right. And when worse came to worse, uh, Ben Gay Bath, the stinky type, uh, you know, the ointment that stunk up the joint that would make you smell like Pepe Le Pew, uh, the skunk. But nowadays, unfortunately, people... They take what I call the masking elements that mask pain, the Vicodins, the Percocets, the Oxys, uh, what can be addictive. Now, if taken the way they're prescribed, they're okay. But let's face it, a lot of people, even I started doing that, self-medicating. You want to deal with pains and strains, particularly as the temperatures have plummeted below freezing? What you got to do is you got to go to Trinity Rehab. You're not popping pills there. Uh, They're all over New Jersey and find out why people from the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, the Mid-Hudson Valley, and even in Manhattan are schlepping across the George W. Bridge to get there. Because they have the EPAT machine. It's non-surgical acoustic pressure wave technology, similar to what's used to break up scar tissue. It enhances your healing and gets rid of pain rapido. And it's effective for conditions like back and neck pain, tennis elbow, shoulder tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, and knee pain. In just three five-minute sessions, you could be virtually pain-free, and you're not popping pills. Look, they're in Clifton, Paramus, Wayne, Short Hills, Emerson, East Windsor, Shrewsbury, Wall, Woodbridge, and two brand-new locations in Hackensack and Wyckoff. 
Call Trinity Rehab today at 800-518-0977. That's Trinity Rehab, 800-518-0977. Or go to trinity-rehab.com. That's trinity-rehab.com. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Stills, Nash, and Young. He did this on his own. I think he was from the UK. Neil Young from O Canada. Uh, David Crosby, the bad boy. You don't want to miss it. He actually uh, came up with a song for me, The Other Side of Midnight, to compete with the uh, Not Ready for Primetime song that uh, Frank Morano has. I heard that the other morning. It's like low budget. He did it for me. And then, of course, there's Stephen Stills. The only thing is, Stephen Stills, who's from Dallas, Big D, did not have a relationship with Joni Mitchell. Oh, I love Joni Mitchell. She's rocking that Red Beret supporter of the Guardian Angels. I'm with Neil Young, who had a relationship with her. I'm with uh, Joni Mitchell, who had a relationship with David Crosby, and also had a relationship with Graham Nash here. But this song was played by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. last week at the uh, Lincoln Memorial when he conducted a rally of those who were anti-mandate. You know, they try to say they're anti-vaxxers. They're just anti-mandate. It was a huge gathering. Shame on our federal government for putting uh, marksmen on the nearby buildings because they thought it would be another January 6th. Shame, shame on our federal government. They were mostly mothers who believe uh, were opposed to vaccines long before the pandemic and the lockdown because they thought vaccines, most vaccines, are what has led to a lot of especially young boys, their sons, being diagnosed with autism or Asperger's syndrome. So now, all of a sudden, Graham Nash got upset with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because he said he had culturally appropriated this classic song, Chicago, which was used as a anthem by Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin and the hipsters and all those who descended on Chicago against a corrupt daily, the thug that he was, uh, as he was hosting the Democratic National Convention in which originally we thought it would be a slam dunk for LBJ, although LBJ uh, witnessing the anti-war movement and how this uh, this senator named McCarthy, who nobody knew, 
had won New Hampshire. And then RFK, RFK Jr.'s daddy, decided he was going to run. He was a hawk first, supporting uh, America's involvement in Vietnam. And then when recognizing Come Clean Gene was doing so well with the uh, anti-war crowd because he was a true believer, all of a sudden RFK flipped the script and became anti-war and would have gone on to win the nomination as he won California. But as you remember, he was uh, executed, assassinated in the kitchen area of that hotel in Los Angeles by Sirhan Sirhan, who has been denied parole by pretty boy Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of Cali. And RFK Jr., in another twist of fate, uh, actually was for the parole of Sirhan Sirhan. Uh, but Graham Nash took umbrage. The way the Rolling Stones and other groups took umbrage against Donald Trump when he was campaigning for the presidency the first time, 2016, and then for his re-election when he would play different uh, songs to warm up the crowd. The only one who I think uh, did not at all uh, get upset, in fact, encouraged Donald Trump to play his song, was uh, Dee Schneider of Twisted Sister. Hot for teacher, right? Didn't he do that classic song? Uh, that, a little trivia out there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And although I didn't uh, agree with uh, a lot of what RFK Jr. was saying last week in Washington, D.C., I was really so ashamed of our federal government that they would treat these men and women who came from all different locations as if uh, they were going to sack the halls of Congress like some did on January 6th. It was really so low. So low. But what? They're not entitled to be heard? Uh, everybody who showed up, what? You're thinking they're a proud boy? They're a member of the Oath Keepers? The Three Percenters? Come on. But now, uh, gee, Graham Nash, come on, Graham. Ease up on RFK Jr. It's a great song. In fact, a lot of people probably are going to Spotify now after hearing that song. A whole new generation of uh, hipsters and millennials who went to Washington, D.C. last weekend with thousands, tens of thousands, heard that anthem and probably went to Spotify, Graham Nash, and got your song. And by the way, you have not pulled your playlist in solidarity with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Neither has Stephen Sills, Sills uh, or bad boy David Crosby, who you don't want to miss it. you got to hang around for the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, look, uh, David Crosby from Los Angeles, originally with the Yardbirds, created this song, The Other Side of Midnight, for me. And I asked them specifically to do that because I heard that horrible song that Frank Morano uh, plays. Uh, that is his anthem. My God, it's so low budget. So, J.B., you know, you want to be in the varsity. You really got to have a top-flight song. Now that Frank Morano has the number one rated show overnights of all time here at WABC, superseding even Alan B. Combs when he was the overnight host, we miss him dearly as he departed to the hereafter. And then Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, Art Bell, who was born and raised in nearby Patterson, and then was doing his show from coast to coast, Almost every station in America had him overnight from his double wide body uh, trailer in Pahrump, a one traffic light town with the chicken ranch down the road where prostitution was legal, and he'd be snacking on Filipino gals. Yeah, that was his uh, uh, proclivity. 
He's no longer with us. So now Frank Morano is king of the overnights. But I, I think I share in that because, let's face it, I do two of the other sides of midnight. And as was explained to me by Michael, who did the analytics, he said, hey, Curtis, you do five hours uh, early Saturday morning. You do six hours now early Sunday morning. That's 11 hours. Frank does uh, 20 hours, five uh, early mornings, one to five. Right, that, that's 20. Right? No, 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 no. Yeah, that's 20, right? So I, I'm like one-third of that, of that super spectacular ratings number. And I think... I should get a little bit of the credit. Uh, John Katsimatidis called up uh, earlier in the day when I was doing the Daily Double. This is my trifecta here. And uh, he even said, yeah, yeah, you do, you deserve that, Curtis. Uh, uh, I think Frank Morano is going to have to ease up here. Uh, he's riding high in the sky. He's busting his buttons and britches. You know, all of his social networking, Facebook, uh, his uh, uh, Twitter account to all you, uh, tw- you know, tweeting away to all you twits who follow him, he doesn't even use Instagram, doesn't use Instagram at all. You know, Facebook is his, oh, you know, because let's face it, he's an old man. Even though we really don't know how old he is. He's like a hipster and millennial. We really don't know how old Frank Morano is. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. So Graham Nash, of course, we still Nash and Yoga. Though that, that song, Chicago, that was his own, uh, is at it with RFK Jr., I side with RFK Jr. on this. I'm sorry, Graham Nash. Uh, you know, but you're bo- really, they're both of my generation. Uh, let's face it. Uh, let me tell you a quick story about RFK Jr. As you know, he was the leader of the Riverwalkers, right? Don't they call them the Riverwalkers? You know, uh, along with the guy who used to play the banjo uh, on the boat that went up and down the Hudson, the communist guy. Who am I talking about there? See, more trivia. What does Frank uh, Morano say about trivia there, uh, Bruce? See, I threw this trivia out here. A guy used to sail up and down the Hudson River, a card-carrying communist. He wore the Lennon cap, and I'm not talking about John Lennon or the Beatles, Vladimir Lennon, play the banjo, and was always with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because uh, he was. Uh, they were both members of the Riverwalkers at that time. I guess you don't have it. Uh, Frank Morano, you know, we talk. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Now, speaking of uh, another uh, person, vintage guitar player, Eric Clapton. Uh, Could I have uh, a little bit of Eric Clapton first? Uh, In fact, give me uh, number 36 here, Bruce. 36. I need a little Layla. Yeah, a little Layla here. Yeah. Originally, uh, I think he was with the Yardbirds, too, but then Cream. And then uh, many of you think he's the world's greatest guitar player of all time. Others of you say, no, Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, he's got it. I never really liked Eddie, uh, uh, Eric Clapton. Never really liked it. Van Morrison has joined him now. They're standing strong against mandates. Uh, Eric Clapton said he got the vax, uh, and he got really sick. Uh, and right now he is defying. He's defying the uh, other members in the music community 
him and Van Morrison and others. So I guess in a, a way, Clapton is with Joe Rogan on this, uh, although he's a baby boomer. In fact, let's go to the audio tape. Uh, Eric Clapton speaking about uh, the trials and tribulations that he went uh, through in order uh to come to the conclusion that he'd rather be on the outside looking in. Number one, number one on the cut list. I didn't get the memo. Whatever the memo was, it hadn't hadn't reached me. Um, Then I started to realize there was really a memo. And uh, Mm -hmm. that guy, um, Matthias Desmets, talked about it. Uh, Yeah. uh, And it's great, you know, the, the, the theory of mass... Um, hypnosis formation and I could see it then once I kind of started to look for it I saw it everywhere see there's Eric Clapton oh I could barely make out what the hell he was talking about I don't know if he was uh, influenced by booze uh, when he gave that interview or drugs Uh, but certainly I was never an Eric Clapton fan, nor was I a Van Morrison fan, but they joined in solidarity to say, we don't need to show a freaking Vax passport, and they've encouraged other artists to join them. So I guess in this case, uh, these uh, two baby boomers would be on the side of Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, Um, and uh, that is Graham Nash uh, took on RFK Jr. He would be on their side, RFK Jr., but Graham Nash, that, that was wrong. Uh, that was wrong of you to take on RFK Jr. He should have had a chance to uh, uh, to uh, play that song, Chicago, which was their anthem for everybody who assembled in Washington, D.C. against the mandates last week. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention the story. So I'm at South Street Seaport. RFK Jr. is uh, hosting a fundraiser for the river walkers, river keepers, whatever they're called along with the uh, banjo-playing, John Lennon uh, cap-wearing, no, it's Vladimir Lennon, a card-carrying communist. I really was, but a nice guy, nice guy, met him many times. And he would sail up and down the Hudson, uh, getting rid of the PCBs, you know, the former head of uh, General Electric. I forget his name, the the guy from Boston. Anyway, he said, hey, I'll drink drink a whole glass of PCBs. He should have. It would have caused him uh, mental impairment, that schmuck. Uh, so they were doing good work, and I attended the fundraiser. Uh, and RFK Jr. challenged me at that point to swim across the East River to the Brooklyn side. Have you ever seen the riptides and the currents there in the shadow of the Brooklyn Bridge? And we all know Kennedy's a good swimmers, right? His uncle Ted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, the swimmer. How the hell did he get away with that? Murder! Murder. But anyway, he said, uh, Curtis, I'll challenge you right now. I'll strip down to my BVDs. I'll swim across to the Brooklyn side. And he probably could have. Because, you know, Kennedy's uh, grew up in Martha's Vineyard. They're swimming all the time. And I was ready to uh, take off uh, my red sateen jacket, my guardian angel shirt, strip down to my BVDs. uh, Although I would have had to take my beret off. That would have been difficult. And swim. We were going to have a swim-off, and a crowd was gathering. My wife at the time, Lisa, said, don't do that. Are you kidding? That riptide, that undercurrent is going to take you under. She even said to me, the Kennedys are good swimmers. You know, his Uncle Ted. Yeah, Chappaqua. (laughs) Was it Chappaquiddick? What is it? 
And who is the young lady who uh, ended up being murdered by Ted Kennedy in Pennsylvania? Her family, I believe, still resides. A lot of trivia here. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's quickly go to Chris, uh, who's calling from the Catskills. Is that the Irish Alps or the Jewish Himalayas, Chris? Mary Jo Kopechny is the answer to your trivia question. Yes, yes, you got it. You nailed it right out of the box. Curtis, the statements you made about your parents, loving parents, taking care of you, you wished everybody had the opportunity. I had that opportunity. My mom just passed away Mm. uh, three and a half months ago. We used to listen to your show together when I was taking care of her. Um, I drove her down to see some gastroenterology specialists at NYU Langone and Columbia Presbyterian back in March after we got our COVID shots. We were listening to your debate with Fernando Marteo on the way home back upstate from Manhattan. Now, I know Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan and I used to be Taekwondo black belts together back in 1987, and his taekwondo instructor my taekwondo instructor were best friends he used to live in boston and i practiced out of ulster new york and his taekwondo instructor's name was michael o'malley and he was best friends with my taekwondo instructor he actually coached me when i got second place in the new york state taekwondo championships just before i turned 19 back in 87 i have videos of joe rogan coaching me in my corner during my during several of my matches it was in february 87 you know him to be from newark new jersey uh that's what he claims well no nah, we used to call him boston joe he lived in boston uh, okay. so i knew him joe rogan is 54 years old he's like maybe three four months older than me yes so i knew him as boston joe that's what we used to call him boston joe his taekwondo instructor his taekwondo master was uh, a guy that had gotten uh, third, fourth place in the world championships like uh, three, four years in a row. Uh, he was a guy that was homeless and his taekwondo. He was a teenager. His taekwondo master took him in. Guy was uh, six foot four and 147 pounds. Wow. And he was a uh, national taekwondo champion four times in the late 70s. That was his taekwondo instructor. Uh, his taekwondo instructor, my taekwondo instructor, were best friends. Well, Joe me, Rogan me, was a let, really good fighter. Yeah, let me ask you a question because, uh, unfortunately, a driver punked out, would have taken me to the Tropicana this weekend in AC for the World Martial Arts Expo. Uh, a lot of martial artists from around the world uh, go there each and every year. Alan Goldberg puts it on, but I wasn't able to go. Uh, and you know, whenever you're with a lot of martial artists, uh, there are some who are real jerks, uh, pretentious, obnoxious, and then there are others who are very humble. Uh, they're really good people. Uh, how would you classify the Joe Rogan that you knew? He was pretty cocky. He he knew he was good. He was a really good fighter, Curtis. I mean, he was really good. I was at. He and I both got second place at the U.S. Cup in 1987. That was at Central Connecticut State University. I believe it's in New Britain. And I was fighting at 141 pounds, and Joe Rogan fought at 154. He had his his one match. He, he knocked the guy out with a back kick to the solar plexus through hmm. the chest protector. Hmm. The guy was holding his midsection, and he knew it. Once he, once he hit the guy with the back kick, he knew that was it. And he turned around real cocky, and he 
tore his chest protector off and threw his hands up in celebration because he knew that it was a one-kick knockout. And then when he was in the finals, he was up against four-time national champion Kareem Ali Jabbar from Chicago. And uh, Jabbar ran from him. Jabbar was in his 30s. He was like a guy in his mid-30s. And Joe was uh, Joe was uh, nine, uh, 20 years old. And eh, I don't. It could have gone either way. The judges gave it to Jabbar, but um, Joe Rogan chased him, and Jabbar defensively circled him. And uh, I guess they gave it to him on points. You know. So this was a little bit like out of the Karate Kid, where you had the one team in which the uh, coach was uh, Nordwell, and the kids were real cocky, and then uh, you had the other the other guy. Uh, who was from Weehawken, actually, uh, originally from Weehawken, New Jersey, who was uh, more humble, uh, more well-heeled. So I, it seems to me Joe Rogan probably would have been on the, the cocky team. <laughs> I don't know if the analogy holds, but what I had heard about Joe Rogan, the last time I talked to him was the, in 87, and I saw him at the Nationals, the Taekwondo Nationals in 1987 in April, uh, and then I, the tournament later that year in September in Connecticut, and that was the last time I ever saw him. Well, well I, I, I tell I you, I, 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 I tell you, I tell you, Chris, if you ever talk to him again, it's two guys I want to get in the ring. John Gotti Jr., you saw me on that two-hour special the other night, The Last Gangster. If you didn't see it on ABC TV, uh, just go to Hulu. You'll see me uh, taking on Sammy the Bull Gravano, who ate the Parmesan cheese, and John Gotti Jr. I've challenged him in the ring. He's not willing to get in the ring with me. And I challenged Joe Rogan because he disparaged me on his show. Which a lot of people listen to claiming that I jumped in front of his taxi cab that he was in on his way to Madison Square Garden. And I made all kinds of faces and threats. Get out of here. He made that crap up. As you know, him and Elon Musk, when they're together on the air, they like to smoke that. Yeah, the blunts. No, 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 no. Those are two guys I want in the ring. I don't care what a good martial artist he was. I'm going to jab the guy. You know what that means. He's in the ring, right? Before he even gets a chance to flex. Bam! Street style. That's right, street style. Well, what about this ring? What is this? Uh, Robert Rules of Order? I don't know. That's for debates. You see, he got me. He's, Chris was talking about how I crushed Fernando Mateo in the debate here at WABC, who I beat and crushed in the Republican primary. By the way, that, that guy never called up, never did a concession. Nobody's seen him since. But yeah, those are the two guys, John Gotti Jr. and Joe Rogan. <laughs> and if they think I'm going to follow the Marcus of Queensbury rules, you can forget about that. Doesn't work in the streets. That guy ain't from Newark. I'm telling you. Anyway, let's go to Arnie, who's calling from University Avenue in the Bronx, where I used to live off West Fordham in the shadow of Tolentine uh, Church. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Arnie. That was that. Eddie Quinn, those guys up there, I remember them. That's Steve. Steve from Manhattan. Go Buchanan, go Buchanan. It's like, what well, is the guy just come on as Steve from Manhattan? I mean... The guy must be in his 80s now, right, Steve? I mean, he's got to be taking his Geritol. He's been uh, listening to talk radio, calling talk radio, before I was on the air more than 30 years ago. And yet he, 
I don't know. I guess he's not comfortable in being Steve from Manhattan. He tries to be all these other people. Anyway, let's go to Ryan in the Irish Riviera, Pearl, Pearl Riviera in uh, Rockland County. Your turn to be heard, Ryan. Oh, the Pearl is now full of ice there, Curtis. Go Buchanan, go. Go Buchanan. Yeah, it's Steve getting through. Uh, it's okay. Let's go to Norman uh, in my old hometown, Canarsie. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Norman. Yeah, hi, Curtis. Yeah, I was on the way to that rally last Sunday in Washington. Uh, Unfortunately, I did not know how dangerous the station in Washington, D.C. is, because coming out of the station, a transient came up to me, hit me up for a cigarette, when actually asked my friend for a cigarette, when my friend didn't have one. he tried to take the cigarette out of my friend's mouth, and my friend said no, and I said no, and we kept walking. And then this uh, lunatic uh, struck me in the head. I went down on the ground. I fractured my wrist, and then I spent the whole day at Howard University Hospital. Um, so uh, I never made the rally, but uh, <laughs> wow. I, uh, well, I, I mean, know. I support D.C., uh, rough place. Uh, you know, I have Guardian Angels in southeast Anacostia near the Potomac. That That's like bullets are flying all the time. Only 40% of their shootings ever result in arrest. But you got you got hammered right there in Penn Station. You see, notice that it's called Penn Station in D.C., Penn Station in Baltimore, Penn Station in Philadelphia, and Penn Station in New York City. No, it's called Union. I thought it was called Union Station. Oh, you got me. That's right. Excuse me. Uh, all right. I lost a few of my Pennsylvanias there. Yeah. I, if I never hear that name again, I'd be very happy. Um, yeah, the guy who hit me, they charged him with assault, and uh, he's out running around hitting other people now. So Now, question, uh, Norman, uh, from your friends and colleagues who are part of the uh, anti-mandate uh, effort, uh, sure. What did they think of the rally, RFK Jr., summoning so many people from so many backgrounds to D.C. to protest the mandates? Uh, it's wonderful. I mean, it, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, uh, you know, it's all about freedom. It's not It's not about the vaccine. I mean, I happen to be vaccinated. So, you know, I mean, it's not it's 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 not about it's not about the vaccine. It's about uh, a person's right to say, I don't want to take a vaccine, especially a vaccine that doesn't prevent transmission. So, you know, basically that's the uh, the issue. Uh, it's a worldwide movement. And uh, I'm glad that RFK is associated with it. And I think his usage of the song Chicago is completely apropos and appropriate. Uh, It's, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, people like Neil Young, who I love his music, and Joni Mitchell and all these people. I mean, I love their music, but unfortunately, they're on the wrong side of history. Now, in this case, it's uh, Graham Nash's Chicago, which was used as the anthem to get so many young people to come to Chicago to disrupt the Democratic National Convention. Uh, Battles in the streets with the cops, the National Guard. Uh, I really thought it was wrong of Graham Nash to object to all of you using this and sort of recreating that same energy. That, that that, That was low of him, Norman. Yes, very low. But, uh, you know, like all these 60s radicals, they don't, unfortunately, they don't 
they don't quite get it. They uh, they've made their money and they don't see the the same um, same patterns in history that's being played out now with these mandates. Now, no man, explain to me. Uh, I found uh, I was so ashamed of my federal government as. Uh, Unfortunately, you weren't able to actually get there because uh, you got mugged. Uh, but you would have been there. And they they had it so that, oh, they had to have sharpshooters on all the buildings because, God forbid, it might be another January 6th. How ridiculous right. was that? Well, it is ridiculous, Curtis. And I was in Washington on January 6th also. And on January 6th, you know, the, the oh, I don't know, a million people that were there uh, you know, I mean, I think completely offset the few Gabons that went into the uh, Capitol building. So I, you know, I mean, basically, basically that that was a complete and absolute overreaction. So uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it's, you know, it, uh, I think that the government is overreacting, of course, by having sharpshooters on the oh on God. the on the roof. No, their, their propaganda was they were basically saying that everybody assembling in D.C. at the urgings of RFK Jr. were members of the Oath Keepers, Proud right. Boys, and it's like right. I, I saw mostly mothers there. Many of them yeah. from our era, the baby boomers era, some of them sure. hipsters and millennials that were really concerned uh, on the broader issue also of vaccines, all vaccines that might right. have, have led their uh, mostly young boys to end up being autistic or having Asperger's syndrome. They were dancing like hippie dances. And I'm saying, yeah, we're all the proud boys. We're all the oath keepers. Come on. Put your right. guns yeah, down. Look, Curtis, I've been associated with the anti with the. The, the, the you know the anti mandate movement um, it hooked up with from two years ago with the back the blue movement and then and then that that fed into that fed into the to the anti mandate movement um, I'm a uh, law abiding uh, uh, you know I'm a law abiding Jewish boy from Canarsie you know I'm not a you know I don't I don't live in a in a militia in a in a, in a hilltop in Idaho or something like that you well, know no, I mean no, one of the the last of the Canarsie Indians we can call you by the way Norman uh, I applaud your group every time uh, you have invaded that fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi, so-called Italian restaurant, Olive Garden, uh, and have refused to show your Vax passports. Right. Uh, just so you know, they they figure you go there, you get a free, you get a free, <laughs> free, free breadsticks, right? What what kind of a t- Curtis? We're Curtis. We're we're waiting for we're waiting for you to join us. Uh, you know we're waiting for a, you know we're waiting for that uh, great insurrection in uh, in uh, in Olive Garden with you. I'm, no, I mean I'm I, waiting I, I for so, you. Curtis. I so hate Olive Garden. Uh, this fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi Italian restaurant. They give you uh, free extra breadsticks, and everybody goes, "Oh, you get free breadsticks." Times Square, East New York. There, I'm telling you. You did good, Let's Norman. Do it, Curtis. You did good. I'll be You're with right. you. We gotta drive Olive Gardens out of here. What the hell would you be going to Olive Gardens for? You got all these great Italian American mom and pop shop restaurants. Desperate. By the way, let me give you an update on how bad it is. How bad it is out there. Shame on you, Eric Adams. Shame on you, former mayor, part-time mayor. You brute from Park Slope. Table bookings in Manhattan restaurants are down 64% in January. 
compared to pre-pandemic January 2020. Brooklyn restaurants are starved for diners. Reservations are down 55%. It's a ghost town out there, one Little Italy restaurant manager said, citing the failure of city officials to contain crime and chaos, which drives away both tourists and local diners. But the biggest reasons are these mandates. These mandates that have crushed these, these restaurants, these bars, these nightclubs. In fact, let's, let's be honest. Many people, they go to New Jersey instead of New York City, instead of Manhattan. If you live in the Bronx, they go up to Westchester. If you live in Queens, you go and dine in Nassau County because they don't have the restrictions. They don't have the restrictions. Look at Vegas. Mandate free, right? Look at Miami booming 14%. Mandate free. And you continue with these ridiculous mandates in the restaurants and bars. Look at them. Walk around New York City. Walk around Manhattan. And I'm not talking about in the aftermath of this uh, blizzard. I'm talking about on a regular basis. They have all these plane hangers out in the street, which was for outdoor dining. They're empty. Restaurants empty. Men and women who work hard just standing there knowing that at any day there's no more unemployment. There's no more stimulus. There's no more PPP. It's going to be over. And why? Why? Because at the core of the recovery has got to be the removal of these stupid mandates. Really tough, really tough to say. I, I, I don't know how new mayor Eric had it. Oh, by the way, did you see him shoveling snow outside of his apartment there? You're like, come on, come on, Eric. You don't live there on Lafayette in Bed-Stuy. Stop it. We know you live in an apartment 22H in Fort Lee with your domestic partner, and you live in Gracie, man. Stop this pretentious, oh, uh, I'm shoveling snow outside my apartment. You're never there. Why? Why? And why does the media go for that? There's so much to do, and he's out there. He's very active anyway. Uh, a thousand times more active than de Blasio, who was in a drug-induced psychosis from smoking Maui Wowie and Hindu Kush on the back porch of Gracie Mansion with his old lady, Charlene McRae, each and every night. And now he's separating seeds and stems from his Rastafari uh, marijuana dealer right by 11th and 7th uh, Avenue in Park Slope where he's uh, uh, token, uh, token those ropes of dope. Single-handedly destroyed. Single-handedly destroyed the city that we love. one 800 Let's go to uh, Russell. I don't know. We gotta go to John in Schenectady, uh, New York, Hamilton Hill. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hey, my buddy, when are you gonna come back up here on Hamilton Hill so I can take you to newest lunch to have a hot dog? A dirty water hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But listen, I gotta tell you about music. My, I'm a couple years younger than you. I'm 65. My first concert at 16 was. Richie Havens, Ooh. Here Comes the Sun. Ooh. You remember that? Yeah, and the Amtrak song, Freedom, yeah. Freedom, Freedom. Yeah, yeah. And I got to ask you a question. I have two pictures of me last year 
at SPAC. You know where Saratoga is? Sure, sure. That's where the uh, uh, Summer Contra. Arts uh, Festival, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I got my picture taken with Tower of Power. Oh, Tower of Power, and, they're from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, but nobody knows who they are. Oh, wait a second. I, I would say the concert at the Palladium. Uh, this yeah. is on 14th Street. I saw, uh, there was the trifecta. I saw Tower of Power from the Bay Area with War, who was also from Oaktown, Oakland. And yep. then the band, which was from the Mid-Hudson Valley, right not, not far from Woodstock. Yeah, I got my picture taken with Tower of Power and Average White Band. Wow. In which they were, they were actually white boys, the yeah, Average White at, Band. You know, the original singer of Average White, white Band passed away from a heroin overdose. I didn't One know of the that. originals. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, I go boy. to Turning Stone up there to watch them. Wow. Yeah, but and by now, now, I need to know at 65, they're on Hamilton yeah. Hill. Yeah. Whose side are you on here? Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, um, me, Geraldo Rivera, taking on Joe Rogan, Elon Musk. Uh, and, Rogan uh, sucks. Musk mm, sucks. Mm. I love Joni Mitchell. I've seen her with, um, give me a second, I've seen him with, her with, um, oh, what the hell is his name? His wife, they were married. She lives in, uh, um, oh, my God, I can't think of his name right now. Well, let's see if this uh, revives you. Uh, this is the anthem here, Neil Young, rocking in the free world. Hit it. Hit it, Bruce. Come on, John. Thanks, buddy. Come on, scratch your memory. You can remember who it was. <laughs> I'm a two-hit wonder. Yeah, two-hit wonder. No, no, we got it side with Neil Young here. Yeah, I remember this song. Got a side with Neil Young. Got a side with Joni Mitchell. Got a yep. side with our generation, John. It's AARP against these hipsters and millennials, John. Come see me. Please come visit me. They threw you out of Schenectady in 1980-something. Yeah, no, no, I'll be back. There's a casino there, and uh, my wife, uh, she loves uh, five-card draw poker. Yeah. She, she was upset that I couldn't make it down to the Tropicana for the World Martial Arts Expo put on by Alan Goldberg. All the martial artists there waiting to test their techniques on me. Even though uh, I'm in the Black Belt Hall of Fame, uh, right. I, nev- I never earned the Black Belt. But you know it, what messed up for me, Curtis? What, what's that? I was supposed to leave this morning from Albany to Tropicana mm. to stay overnight. They canceled my trip. <sighs> So now I'm going to Turning Stone up in, uh, up in, uh, where the hell, where the hell's Turning Stone? Up west. Hey, boy, you're having a, you're having a little bit of a tough time here, John. Well, I'm going to take a couple gummies before I leave. Oh, gummies. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, beats uh, smoking those ropes of dope like uh, Bill de Blasio. They just have some gummies, gummies, gummies. Yeah, my wife Nancy's upset. She was going to come with me to the trap. She was going to be playing five-card draw poker. She's a real card shark. I hate gambling. I hate, I only gamble with my life. But, Nancy, I would have been with the uh, uh, martial artists from around the world. They would have been bending me like a pretzel. You know, hey, you got to see this move, that move. I would have been having to pop my Dones pills, take a Bengay bath to come back and join all of you because, you know, I would have been on time. Poor Johnny. He needs a little ginkgo there. Hmm. 
I don't know, maybe he had a few too many gummies earlier in the day in Hamilton Hill. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Secaucus. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Yeah, you were talking about Pete Seeger, not to be confused with Bob Seeger. And thanks for uh, bringing up the Dobson Deli shooting. He's right, Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger. Does anybody remember Pete Seeger? Was a proud, card-carrying American communist, but a very likable guy. He had the Lennon cap on, like I said, not from John Lennon, the Beatles, but Vladimir Lennon. He was a true believer. He and Paul Robeson, remember Paul Robeson, uh, who would sing, uh, what was that song? Uh, Working on the Railroad. No, 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 I was working on the railroad. (laughs) And they named the law school, Rutgers Law School in Newark. Yeah, I don't think Joe Rogan uh, ever spent a day in Newark. Uh, But the Paul Robeson Law Center in Newark is named after a card-carrying, proud American communist. I think they had uh, a gathering. I think it was up in the mid-Hudson Valley, Poughkeepsie maybe, on the Hudson or Beacon. Some of you uh, old commies out there probably remember, still believe, better red than dead. Paul Robeson was there. I think Pete Seeger was there. And I think the American Legion guys actually attacked them, uh, uh, beat some of them up, sent some of them to the hospital. That was wrong. But if some of you remember that, anyway, Paul uh, Pete Seeger was a, a really likable guy. He sailed that boat up and down the Hudson River to clean it up from all the PCPs that were being discharged in there by the uh, General Electric plant up in Schenectady. Did good work. Allied with RFK Jr., uh, and I remember having conversations with him. Uh, you know, he ne- never, never retreated, never retrenched. You know, I said, hey, you follow Gus Hall, uh, leader of the American Communist Party? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yo, you've been up to his dacha and Yonkers. He had the tomato patch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. N- nice guy. Really nice guy. So he got the answer to that trivia question. I've thrown a few others out there. Uh, early on in the process, I said, what was the movie that Al Gore said? was about his uh, Harvard experience with Tipper Gore. And which famous actor was a roommate, this being true, uh, of Al Gore at Harvard? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to, uh, uh, let's go to Charles in Harlem. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Charles. Hello? Yeah, 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 Charlie. Oh, oh, first I'd like to give you a correction. Paul Robeson never admitted to being a communist. He probably was, but he would never admit to it. And Curtis is a favor to me. You do a commercial a sort of absorbing, uh, what's his name, Cuomo from his ills. Could you explain that commercial? Now, uh, which one is that? The I... one where you swear to the, your elderly audience, you're wrong for uh, saying that Cuomo is a, is a killer. It wasn't Cuomo that killed people. I, I don't want to misquote you, so would you explain yeah, 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 that yeah. to me? Or is that just for money? No, 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 no. Actually, uh, they schooled me. I thought originally uh, the executive order alone is what forced people into the long-term uh, nursing home units uh, when, in fact, it was a collaborative effort. Uh, the nursing home owners were not given immunity uh, as uh, the state legislature said, had been passed in the wee hours of the morning of a budget provision. 
So Cuomo was culpable, but not alone. Okay. Along well, with the that, nursing home. Curtis, I got to thank you for that. That was a beautiful cleanup on your part. I hope you don't make commercials for money again just to be able to, be, to, 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 to fill the coffers of your dog and cat festival. Dog and I, I don't have any dogs. I used to have dogs when I was well, a kid. whatever. You know, have a wife. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Did he call Nancy a dog? Is that your perception of that, uh, Bruce? And by the way, Paul Robeson, who was a great performer, by the way, great singer, actually was an NCAA All-American tight end for Rutgers University. A lot of people don't know that. But he visited uh, Father Joe, Uncle Joe Stalin. And uh, Joe Stalin uh, had him visit Potamkin Village, which was this placebo city. You know, workers of the world unite, the workers' paradise. It was all bogus. It was all propaganda. Paul Robeson uh, should have known better. But he didn't want to throw uh, Joe Stalin uh, under the bus. He was such a hardcore guy. He uh, believed in Stalin and not Trotsky, who got that hatchet put in the back of his head by a Stalinist there in Mexico City. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Trotsky was from the Ukraine. You're talking about, oh, Brezhnev, that's right, one of the uh, Politburo leaders who eventually became the uh, one of the dictators of the old Soviet Union. He was from the Ukraine, too, as we talk about uh, Vladimir Putin versus the king of all comedy, the, the leader of the Ukraine. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That's very interesting. There were some really well-known people. Uh, who were American communists, who were great performers. Lucille Ball was. They covered that up. Lucille Ball from upstate New York and her family. It was thought that uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart, that's the block now that uh, Sid Rosenberg lives on in the Upper West Side, that uh, he was sympathetic to the American Communist Party. Lauren Bacall, oh, what a sultry voice, Lauren Bacall. And others at that time. It was a tough time. You got labeled a communist, uh, you know, better dead than red, that kind of stuff. Uh, it was over for you. A lot of people's careers completely destroyed and incorrectly, especially uh, Gunner Joe, Joe McCarthy, the U.S. senator from Wisconsin, who destroyed so many careers just through implication. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Billy in the East Village. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Okay. Um, you mentioned Pete Seeger. Um, I'm in a, I'm a drummer in New York bands and uh, we did an anti-contra fundraising event uh, at Carnegie Hall and Pete Seeger was there. There was a bunch of people there. You, you know, I played with Richie Havens actually. Uh, but um, Pete Seeger backstage was, um, I, I get your sensors on their trigger finger a little bit, maybe, because uh, Pete Seeger was saying, here's a song I just wrote. It's called uh, Tell Us the Size of Your Cock, Mayor Koch. Pete Seeger did that backstage at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, 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 I can believe that. He First of all, he had a, he had a, a brilliant sense of humor. Uh, oh, he, yeah. He oh, yeah. A, we, well, a, yeah. A funny guy to be around. He knew that people were looking at him with a jaundiced eye. Say, oh, this guy's a commie. 
Uh, and oh, no, no, it was great. The great was, thing, yeah. the great thing about uh, Pete Seeger uh, at that time is that, yeah, he would openly like he uh, he participated as you said he was a supporter of the Sandinistas, uh, Daniel Ortega <laughs> Sandinistas, as was Daniel Ortega. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I'm sorry. Uh, as was uh, Bill De Blasio and Charlene McRae. They supported him. Now, I, obviously, if Pete Seeger were alive, I'd ask him, "Hey, what do you think of the dictator down there now who's killing?" Uh, many of the people who supported his revolution against Samosa. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it's it's pretty confused, I guess. I, and yeah, I'm but not remember, it was uh, it was the battle. Really, it was the uh, if you supported the Sandinistas, you were uh, also battling Ronald Reagan. Uh, now, obviously, Reagan yeah. supported the uh, Contras illegally. Uh, right. We went through that whole uh, Iran Contra hearings in which uh, Reagan. Uh, didn't remember it. Didn't remember mm-hmm. it. I, I, come on, that was conveniently uh, not remembering it. I remember Bush 41 uh, came out of the shadows. <laughs> he ran interference yeah. for Reagan. And it was Admiral Poindexter who took yeah. the bullet, who said, I was the one who ordered that. I was the one who ordered that. Well, remember that? Well, 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 who blew the whistle um, on um, on what's, what's his name? The, the president, he got all, you know, Carter, because they, 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 they ratted on whoever was in control and it, so the the the, uh, the people the Iranians they were holding people uh they the they yeah, the yeah, well, yeah, not only that we were we were operating remember at that time uh, Saddam Hussein was our friend <laughs> oh yeah and the Iranians well, you know what you yeah. know what he kept the place in order <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it's amazing how our loyalty shifted one minute he's our friend like with Gaddafi one minute our friend next minute our enemy Meantime, we're selling tow mm. missiles to the Ayatollahs, the Iranians, in order to raise the cash to support the mm. Contras versus the Sandinistas. Alva North was overseeing all of that. Reagan was aware of it. Bush 41, who had been formerly the head of the CIA, was aware of it. And who took the bullet for all that? Admiral Poindexter. And now you know the rest of the story. Anyway, let's go to Jim, who's calling from Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jim. Hey, Curtis, can you hear me? Loud and clear, Jimmy. I think you asked a trivia question. Who was uh, Gore's roommate? Yeah, yeah, very famous actor. Tommy Lee Smith, isn't it? You are correct. Tommy Uh, Lee Jones. That's right, Tommy Tommy Lee Lee Jones. Jones. Uh, in Harvard, that's one of the actual truths that Al Gore said about his stay in Harvard. Remember, he said he invented the Internet. And what movie did he say was made about his Harvard experience and his love of Tipper Gore? Do you remember that? No, I don't. That one I don't. Ah, well, that trivia question remains out there. By the way, could I hear Frank Morano talking about how trivia leads to nothing here, Bruce? Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over, but it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, that figures you wouldn't have guessed it. Frank Morano wouldn't have gotten that trivia. Remember, he, unlike I, is uh, the president of the Al Jolson uh, Society, loves Eddie Cantor, and uh, has as his theme music, uh, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime by Rudy Valley. Uh, you don't want to miss it in the 4 o'clock hour. I'm debuting my song for my two mornings of the other side of midnight, specially made for me by David Crosby, the bad boy of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. 
Uh, Frank has a song, uh, really lame. I heard it the other day. It wouldn't even make the JB team. Uh, but I'll debut, debut it at four. Make sure nobody goes to sleep. And by the way, with the pounding that we took from the Nor'easter, some uh, said the, uh, uh, what do they call that? What kind of a bomb they call that? Uh, it's not much of a bomb. But I guess in some areas, we got calls this afternoon uh, out in the Hamptons, the South Shore. Uh, Suffolk County said it, it was heavy. It was heavy, the storm. And, and you know what that does to trees who are already almost going, going, gone because they've been uh, eaten up by termites or woody woodpecker or those Asian beetles, probably part of a uh, red Chinese plot. A president who, what's on th- uh, first? I don't know who's on second. Belly slide into third. You know, part of the old Wuhan experience. And the trees are just about ready to tip over to begin with. Then the ice, the sleet, the snow, the 40-mile-per-hour winds, and timber! Poof! Right into your roof, right into your patio, right through your plate glass window, right into your garage, doing extraordinary damage. And then worse, uh, pulling down those power lines, destroying your Wi-Fi, and then you're in the, the dark for a month of Sundays. It's so miserable, and it costs you a ton of dough. Well, look, why not contact the Everett's Tree Service? Get a pad and a pen, because they're going to be able to safely remove those trees. All right, mostly preemptively before, but if it has to, uh, afterwards. Uh, and make sure that those trees are not going to cause mishigash on your property. In fact... Uh, they deal with the entire tri-state area, New York to Hudson Valley, Long Island, Connecticut. It's Frank Jaros and his crew at Everett's Tree Service who will give you a free consultation. And I know some of you guys, you're listening right now, oh, you're all macho, maniacal. Hey, I'll put on my lumberjack shirt. Yeah, go ahead. Try to put it on. You can't even button it up. You put it on a few pounds since. Then you got your chainsaw that you haven't uh, fired up in the month of Sundays. If you do it, you probably cut an artery in your leg. And you got to climb that ladder to start trimming the uh, tree, right, before you cut it down. Guess what? You'll fall off the ladder and end up in the ICU. So leave it to Everett's Tree Service. Ladies, uh, do an intervention. Don't let your macho, maniacal guy convince you that you'll save money. He'll get it done. Maquana Ma, he's a slacker, a deadbeat. He's always saying he's going to get it done. Meantime, it never gets done. Give Frank a call. And his crew will come and give you a free consultation from Everett's Tree Service. That's 914-414-9300. 914-414-9300. You can talk to Frank directly. And, in fact, uh, they deal with residential properties, commercial properties, and most importantly, no job is too big or too small. Call Frank now for that free consultation. That's 914-414-9300. That should be music to your ears. Free consultation. Well, just go online to EvertsTree.com. Let me spell it for you. E-V-A-R-T-S dot com. Tree dot com. That's EvertsTree.com. And tell them Curtis Lee was sent you. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lee 77 WABC.
of our generation. The call to Woodstock by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. A half a million strong up the New York State Thruway. Three straight days, 72 hours in the mud, in the rain. Decadence, debauchery, no murder, no killings. Virtually crime-free. Now listen. Such a great song. Up at Yaskers Farm. Bethel, New York, near Woodstock. It will always be remembered, and it was a anthem of our baby boomers' generation. No doubt about it, the theme of the show here today has been how we baby boomers are under attack. We got to go back to back, our backs against the wall in defense of Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, who have pulled their playlist from Spotify in opposition to Spotify deifying Joe Rogan and basically saying whatever Joe Rogan says is what we support. And this goes to the heart of the anti-vaxxers, the anti-mandate people, and obviously others who believe that, oh, whatever Dr. Fauci says, you need to follow. Just take your shots and boosters and shut up. But it is an interesting, eclectic group of people that we have. I'm uh, supporting uh, supporting Neil Young and uh, Joni Mitchell. By the way, you check out Joni Mitchell, any of her recent pictures, you notice she's rocking a red beret in support of the Guardian Angels. Oh, Canada! Both of them from Canada, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Uh, and in opposition to Joe Rogan, the baby boomer hipster and Elon Musk, who couldn't make all these billions back in South Africa where he's from, uh, but he likes to tweak us from time to time. So it's a battle of the generations. The reason that I bring all of this up is that there is another battle that has taken place and continues to take place. And it's uh, basically the American Medical Association against all of those who believe in holistic homeopathic remedies, herbal remedies to deal with some of those uh, medical issues and mental health issues that plague all of us. In fact, it was interesting because I I heard uh, Bill O'Reilly the other night, actually during the day, it was uh, 12 o'clock hour, before that guy, uh, Charlie Kirk, not ready for primetime. Oh, my God. It's got to be like the worst show uh, in all of talk radio. It's a podcast, and it's a bad podcast to begin with, and a worst talk radio show, but it is what it is. Uh, that's on from, uh, uh, what is it, 12.15 to 1, right before Greg Kelly, who is now a full two hours. Good, good, because he, he does a great show, Greg Kelly, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 3, a great stream of consciousness. And then, you know, my Kumbada Cheech follows uh, Rudy Giuliani. But at 12 uh, each day, should be appointment radio for you. If you can't uh, actually listen to it live when it's done, you could always catch it on podcast. Uh, Bill O'Reilly gives you the 15-minute update. He's on with the boys in the morning, Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg, who, uh, again, will be together on Monday. As you know, Bernard McGurk 
uh, recovering from stage four prostate cancer. It's exactly what I had in 2012. And what uh, Bill O'Reilly has to say coming up next, uh, a lot of folks who all of a sudden get diagnosed with cancer, whether it's women with breast cancer, there are a few cases of men with breast cancer, could be prostate cancer, colon cancer, uh, so many different kinds of cancers out there. There are dozens and dozens of them. All of a sudden, they become true believers. They become converts. They no longer just believe in the medical approach of the American Medical Association doctors, but holistic homeopathic practitioners. Uh, They believe in starting to take supplements and uh, vitamins. They might go to a kinesiologist, which I've been to uh, before, which matches minerals and supplements and vitamins uh, based on your kinesiology. Oh, we're going to get all into it. Uh, because, uh, uh, well, in this case, uh, O'Reilly really did a excellent job of laying out uh, the case both for and against vitamins and supplements. And then I think he went on to extrapolate on that on his regular shift, which is at night 9 to 10, Monday through Fridays, uh, after, uh, uh, after Mark Levin who's on from 6 to 9, and then followed by uh, Rita Cosby, who's on from uh, 10 to 12, and then it's Dominic Carter from uh, 12 to 1, and then the Mameluke, the Mongoluch, Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. But I want you to listen to this rift. I want you to take notes, meticulous notes, because I'm going to ask you to all get involved here and tell me what you do and what you think. I certainly am on the side of those who take vitamins and supplements. I am not on the side of the American Medical Association, which going back to uh, uh, vitamin C, and this will be the first trivia question of this hour. Who was the guy who wrote the book uh, that vitamin C could almost cure everything? The common cold, viruses, the whole nine yards. And was vilified by the American Medical Association. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Just listen and learn from uh, O'Reilly's rants about vitamins, uh, homeopathic, holistic remedies, supplements. The fastest growing section of the healthcare market, vitamins. Back in 1990, consumers spent about $800 million on dietary supplements. That figure last year, $200 billion. Here are the most popular vitamins in the USA consumed during the COVID pandemic. First up, immune boosters. Many brands promote powders that pack 1,000% of a person's recommended dose of vitamin C. Companies claim the products fight the flu and some symptoms associated with COVID. This is bogus in my opinion. Next, daily multivitamins. 60% of all adults in the USA take a multi each morning to augment their diet. That's one billion pills a week. I do take a multivitamin. Another bestseller is melatonin. The supplement is sold as a natural sleep aid for those suffering insomnia. Three million Americans use melatonin each night. Then there's Ginkgo biloba, popular among seniors. The plant was first marketed in the 1990s to help memory and fend off Alzheimer's. Studies show the vitamin can boost brain power by 10%, but I am skeptical. Fish oil, very popular. 
For people who are not fans of eating seafood, fish oil is a good way to get a nutritional boost of fatty acids, antioxidants, and zinc. As you may know, cod liver oil has been used for centuries to fight illness. Number one supplement, vitamin C. More Americans purchased vitamin C tablets during the pandemic than any other time in history. Sales of orange juice also up 25%. Adults purchased $1 billion of vitamin C pills last year in the COVID panic. And here's something else you might not know. After nearly a century on the market, doctors, at least some of them, still question whether vitamins actually work, whether they do anything. According to a study by Johns Hopkins University, dietary supplements have little impact on a person's mental health, weight, risk of heart attack, diabetes, cholesterol, or immune system. So, he certainly ran through the laundry list of different vitamins, different supplements. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, your, your views, because, uh, look, uh, when you're baby boomers like I am, AARP, God, I, I hate them for having sent me that uh, that junk mail every day when I was 49. Uh, you take far more vitamins, far more supplements. It's almost like an insurance policy. And for some of you, you feel better. For others of you, you figure uh, it's like uh, vitamin C. It can't hurt, right? It's like uh, chicken soup, liquid penicillin. Uh, let's go, though, to the phones. I did ask you what individual was under attack by the American Medical Association because he wrote a book that indicated that vitamin C uh, could uh, be a remedy to so many problems that ailed you, colds, viruses, etc. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to uh, Peter in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Curtis, it's an honor. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Linus Pauling. Yes. 1,000 milligrams a day. Yes, and he wrote the book. I didn't read the book, but uh, back in the 80s, my father would put a uh, capsule of 1,000 milligrams in front of me. I would have it with my coffee. And he said, uh, I read this book, and he had read the book. So he told me about Linus Pauling, and I, I actually researched that you can do more than 1,000 milligrams a day. It's not going to hurt you. You'll just pee it out. And interesting, Peter, they wanted to vilify him, burn him at the stake. They wanted to ban his books. Well, uh, I mean, th- I, think I, of that. This, we're, just, far, we're, but... talking, we're talking vitamin C. We're not talking about legalizing LSD, heroin, or fentanyl. Vitamin C, and they wanted to ban his book. Yeah, well, I, I I don't know. I think that was at the beginning when people started realizing there was a benefit in vitamins and uh, not eating canned food and more natural, holistic stuff back in the early 80s. I do appreciate it, uh, Peter. You nailed it. And ladies and gentlemen, do you side with the American Medical Association, as Bill O'Reilly said, who don't believe that vitamins uh, make a difference? Or do you really, uh, you're full throttle behind vitamins and supplements that you take each and every day and can explain why? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Phil, who's calling from uh, Mendham. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Phil. 
Hi, Curtis. I could make an opinion real quick on the vitamins, and uh, I, I could get the heck off because I was calling about your opinion about uh, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young. But on the vitamins, I had a, a quadruple bypass, and you pay attention a little bit to your cardiologist and people like that, and they thought it was important to take CoQ10 every day and uh, B-complex and folic acid. I read that we don't absorb much, and we spend uh, you know these exorbitant amounts of money for minuscule amounts of benefit, but um, at least as far as those vitamins go, I, I followed what they said, and a lot of times it's critical uh, that yeah, some you have on an empty stomach so it absorbs, some you have to have on a full stomach so it absorbs, but I, I do agree that you, you know most of the benefit you're going to get from exercise and quitting smoking, it's not from vitamins. Let me so ask that, you a question. That, uh, you mentioned early on, and I'm thinking of all the uh, big pharma plants that set up on uh, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico because of all the uh, uh, taxes uh, that they were shielded from. Uh, did you say you were on a regimen of taking the coqui, uh, Phil? Uh, it's yeah. If that's what you're called, nicknaming it. It's the CoQ10, which it seems to be um, a, a real consensus among the cardiologists. Oh, oh no, no. I, I, see, I mis I misunderstood you because yeah. the coqui is the little frog in Puerto Rico where if you <laughs> scrape its back, uh, they believe the uh, hibaros up in the hills uh, uh, near the rainforest believe that that is medicinal. Let me tell you, Curtis, that when in the 80s, I lived with the guy who was a cocaine dealer, and this guy uh, walked around with a perpetual nosebleed, but he'd come into my room all wild-eyed, and he'd be showing me a jar of seaweed and telling me that uh, he had to eat this special kind of seaweed every day to live forever. And I think from that point onward, I thought that people that, like, really get into that stuff are pretty wacky people, you know? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I have guardian angels in Japan, and I've been there a few times, they smoke like, uh, I mean, like factory chimney stacks, and yet they swear in the fact that eating seaweed uh, reduces the impact uh, of all the tobacco and all the carcinogens that they inhale. And, Phil, it is amazing that they smoke, I mean, two, three packs, some of the, and they don't have the lung cancer rates that we have here in the West. And they, they attribute it to eating seaweed. That one I got to look into, Curtis, but I was sort of reminded of the lead guitarist of Van Halen who swore that he got throat cancer from sucking on his metal guitar pick. You know, give me a break. He uh, smoked his whole life. You mean in competition against uh, Eric Clapton, many people believe that he was the greatest uh, guitarist of all time. You mean Eddie Van Halen? I think I do, and I I, I, I listen to that self-denial uh, piece of BS uh, from him as he was dying, and I just feel sorry for people like that. Well, Phil, there is a train of thought. Obviously, he was a meth head. He hit the pipe. Uh, he had a strong habit with meth. But there are others, Phil, who suggest that it is the result of cunnilingus. Well, that, that's the uh, papilloma virus. I had a piece of my chung, tongue chopped out for the same reason, Curtis. Yeah, and uh, uh, Michael Douglas, uh, yep. same thing, right? And he claimed uh, it, it was, was a result of uh, uh, oral sex that he was administering to women, and his wife flipped out and went crazy. 
No, Curtis, I've looked back many times to the 70s and early 80s and tried to decide if my travails now were worth what I, I did then, and I've decided that they were. Uh, I'm not looking back. Yeah. I mean, I did lose a piece of my tongue. Oh, but wasn't Michael Douglas in War of the Roses? He was. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how his wife treated him. When he gave a national interview, they said, oh, my God, you have throat cancer. So it's not because of tobacco or anything else. You know, I wasn't doing cocaine, crack, meth. It was because I was pleasurizing women orally. The wife went absolutely nuts. She said, well, what women? I thought you married to me. We got kids. Like father, like son, Kirk Douglas, right? Oh, man, what a degenerate he was. By the way, uh. Kirk Douglas with the little cliff, uh, cleft or whatever you call it, in his cheek there, his jaw, was from Amsterdam, New York, uh, and had a uh, Russian name. He could have actually been an advisor uh, to Vladimir Putin now in the battle against the king of all comedy in the Ukraine. Yeah, Amsterdam, that's where they made all the carpet up there. Nearby Gloversville, they made all the gloves. They don't make any carpet no Kaufman carpet in Amsterdam anymore, and they don't make any gloves in Gloversville. That's how bad New York State has become. Oh, boy. Now let's go to Frank in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. Uh, hello. Have you ever heard of Dr. Robert Malone? He testified in Washington this week on the mandates. He's the inventor of the mRNA which is what these so-called vaccines are. He invented it. According to him, these vaccines are not traditional vaccines. Traditional vaccines have antibodies, measles, mumps, rubella. They inject you with it, and then you don't get measles, mumps, rubella. In this case, there are no antibodies. They had to change the definition of a vaccine six months ago at the CDC from antibody to now mRNA included in the definition. Oh, my God. Frank, you're giving me vertigo. I just want a simple answer. Are you on the side of Neil Young? Of uh... No, I, 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 I am against mandates. I'm not against vaccines. What I'm trying to tell you, brother, is that this is not a vaccine. This is It's called gene therapy. This is the inventor of it. Ah, all right, all right, all right, all right. So you side with Joe Rogan. With Elon Musk, with Eric Clapton and Van Morrison, instead of siding with me and Geraldo Rivera in defense of Neil Young and most importantly, Joni Mitchell. Can I have a little Joni Mitchell? I need a little mood elevation here. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, Joni, 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 Joni. Oh, such a good song. Yeah, and mood elevator. Mood elevator. She's from Canada. Oh, Canada. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot Wasn't she drop-dead gorgeous, right? Don't it always seem and to now she rocks a red beret in support of the Guardian Angels. How could I turn on Joni Mitchell? Look, go to her webpage. Go to a Wikipedia. Go ahead. Look at the pictures. You'll see her in a red beret. I'm supposed to turn my back on her, who never turned her back on the Guardian Angels in Canada? I'm loyal. 
and I'm sticking with my generation. That's right. We baby boomers versus the hipsters and millennials. Anyway, let's go to Rosemary from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rosemary. First of all, Curtis, you hear me? Loud and clear, Rosemary. Oh, Loud and clear. Very yes. good. Yes, yes. You know a lot of good gossip about um, everything you talked about, the movie people. Very interesting. The other thing, a little bit about um, Linus Pauling, unless something has changed since then, he's the only person, individual, to win two Nobel Prizes individually, not as a group, for vitamin C, I think, for his um, – study and also for um i think he won um if i'm correct somebody could look it up i don't have a computer here i know uh for the nobel peace prize so the only only individual to win two the other thing is but now hold on to say hold on uh, that was yeah. mary in the 70s you know they wanted yeah. to burn him at the stake the american medical association oh, all yeah. those doctors they said you can't read the book they wanted to ban the book burn the book they said vitamin mm-hmm. C, uh, it's uh, a placebo nonsense. He's a, uh, he, he is a, a charlatan. A suit, he's a snake oil salesman. They completely attacked him, and yet he was proven to be correct, Rosemary. Oh, yeah. Okay, and another thing I want a couple of things. I'll try to be real fast. Um, they said, what do you take? Vitamin C. I like powdered. I don't like the pills. I think D is very important not to go crazy because if you go crazy with it, it's, it's um, fat soluble. It just hangs in your. Well, you, you know what the problem of uh, too much uh, vitamin D is, Rosemary? It grows hair on your nose. Did well, you we know don't that? want that either. Yeah, no, I so mean, we don't oh, want that either. Hairy nose syndrome. I'm telling you, that's when you know you got to cut back on your vitamin D. It's like a forest right on your nose. And, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're knowing every day that you got to clip not just the hairs in your schnoz in your nostrils, but you have like a forest of, of hair going on your schnoz. Stop that. It's, it's knock off the vitamin D at that point. I'm warning you, Rosemary, don't do it. No, 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 okay, no. All right, all right. Okay, please let me talk. Yes, okay. Let me talk. Of course. Go ahead, Yenta. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm an Italian yenta. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't Are matter. Same thing. That? Italians and okay, Jews um, are the same. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, unlike vitamin C, D is toxic, so you have to watch. You don't go crazy. Yeah, kidney problems. To- Kidneys. All of a sudden, you'll be like the guy who's coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, David Crosby, who wrote me my anthem, The Other Side of Midnight, personally for me, who had kidney problems in his life. That's right. It might have been from too much... No, in his case, it wasn't vitamin D. I can assure well, you, you of that. <laughs> well, you can't excrete it like C and like the B vitamins. And the other thing, last thing, and then I'll run off. Yes, so yes. Thank God. Thank God. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. <gasps> I'll forgive you. It's okay. The other thing is forgive forgive. Van Halen uh, with the metal pick. Sure, sure. Whether it was sexually, who knows. But he was a big, I didn't know about meth, but he was for a long time. He was a big drinker and smoker. And those that combination together is never good. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm telling you, Rosemary, Yenta, Italian Yenta, he, he lost all of his teeth. You knew he was a meth head. He was uh, beaming himself up to Scotty on meth. And he had uh, cunning linguist toxicity, because you know he did it all. There's no doubt about it. And he wasn't an American citizen. Did you know that? 
Eddie Van Halen was not from America. Where was he from, ladies and gentlemen? Or as Frank Morano would say about trivia, please, Bruce. Again, trivia questions aren't great talk topics, you know, because once we learn it, it's kind of over. But it is interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, you know nothing about Eddie Van Halen. He's Frank Morano, right? He's the president of the Al Jolson Society, loves Eddie Cantor, and plays as bumper music. Uh, brother, do you have a dime by Rudy Valley? Does that tell you something right there? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Howard in Elmhurst. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howie. Yeah, I want to take a step back. I, I met Pete Seeger many times. I was a great admirer of his, even though I didn't agree with him politically. One time he invited me to his house because he realized I was a hiker. He loves hikers. and uh, But then he he realized he didn't know me, so he sort of uh, got out of it by saying he's a vicious dog. And one day I met him at the train station in Cold Spring, and he said he always, one of the great things, he always invited inner-city kids to his house. So, you know, they got a liking for the outdoors. And uh, so one day he said, let's sing one more song. And uh, and one of the Hispanic young ladies said, not kumbaya again. Please, not kumbaya. <laughs> I will tell you this. Uh, hardcore commie, no doubt about it. But you couldn't have been any more uh, pleasurable guy, always with a smile. Uh, always uh, really, uh, play, you know, let's face it, you play a banjo. Hey, it's like playing an accordion, a cheese box, right? It's not like you know, you're the star of the party. Hey, can you play your banjo now? He was a great person, just wonderful. Yeah, in fact, that's the uh, question I asked. How many of you uh, were forced to learn the accordion, the uh, Polish cheese box? And then all of a sudden you went to whip out the accordion and everybody told you, put it away. Uh, you know, we're having a party here. You know, guitar, yes. Drums, yes. Horns, yes. Um, banjo, no. No. And definitely not the cheese box, the accordion. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Stu in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Stu. Hi, Curtis. Curtis, I thought Kundalingus was the airline of Ireland. <laughs> Anyhow, vitamin C, uh, 90% of it is made in China. Half the stuff that's sold has no efficacy. And as far as the other vitamins are concerned, unless you take enough of it and you have the natural phytonutrients that you get from eating broccoli, for example, it does very little. And lastly, taking desiccated vegetables in powdered form, like the Balance of Nature, which is advertised by everybody, uh, they've been called out by the FDA for a million violations, loaded crap. Now, let me ask you this question, Stu. Um, did you ever take, uh, like, a multivitamin, uh, you know, just a single vitamin each day? It's like... Uh, of people take a multivitamin in the United States. That's a billion pills a day. Waste of time. Absolute waste of time. You don't get enough of anything in a multivitamin. But uh, you're a broccoli guy, right? Broccoli. uh, Natural food. You know, you know, you know, know, uh, are you a Democrat, Stu? No, I'm... uh, 
as hardcore right as you can possibly get. That that's a, you know why I say that, Stu, because broccoli was Barack Obama's favorite food, side food, so to speak. You had Bush forty one pork rinds. You had uh, Ronald Reagan. The hell, man! He ate something sweet. I mean, what was Ronald Reagan's uh, favorite uh, side food or, or snack? I know Bush forty one. It was pork rinds. I know Barack Obama. It was broccoli. That's what my son Carter loves, who just got bar mitzvah at the age of thirteen. I know I shouldn't even have to say thirteen, but some of you out there, you non cognizante, you oh bar mitzvah. What age is that? It's not a bat mitzvah. That's for the women. It's a bar mitzvah. They're thirteen. Uh, jelly beans, right? Jelly beans was Ronald Reagan. Jelly beans. Um, let's see, Donald Trump, Diet Coke. And then, obviously, anything Mickey D's. Mickey D. Interesting that uh, the president of the United States and Donald Trump love Mickey D's Big Macs. One time, remember, the uh, plane had stopped at a tarmac, on the tarmac, and the hangar in Dallas, DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and that was the time when Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie was on board Team Trump. He was trying so hard to become the vice president, not Pence, uh, but Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie, that they made a major mistake. I don't know if it was Donald Trump or any of the family members, Donald Jr. or any of the gals. They sent him to the nearby Mickey D's to get the uh, order of uh, McDonald's fast food before the jet took off and went back to uh, uh, Manhattan. Well, the jet, I think, went to uh, LaGuardia. And unfortunately, on the way back, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, ate all the Big Macs and the fries. And Donald Trump said to him, hey, what happened? Where did he go? He said, well, I left the fish fillets for you. That's how he didn't get selected to be the vice presidential candidate with citizen Donald Trump at that time against Hillary Rodham Clinton. And who could ever remember that schmuck she picked? Who is that, Kane? Oh, yeah, Kane, who was stuck, what, 24 hours on I-95 when Frank Morano stranded a caller, remember? Remember three weeks ago, Frank Morano caller called in? We'll, we'll deal with that in the 4 o'clock hour. A Pulitzer Prize-winning author who is from Greenwich, the gated community on the New England Thruway, where if you uh, take the exit there, uh, you're met with a gate and a select man who is wearing a lime green jacket and lime green pants and determines whether you're worthy of entering or not Greenwich. This, uh, this Pulitzer Prize-winning author was left hanging by our own Frank Morano, and in fact, remember, called me back. Uh, on a visit to Vermont and wanted to know why Frank Morano had not apologized to him and everybody else who three weeks ago was stranded on the icy tundra, the snow-driven plains of I-95. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to Wayne, who's calling uh, us from Rocky Mountain High, Denver. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Wayne. Hey, uh, Curtis. Good morning to you, sir. It's Denver, North Carolina. Denver? Uh, wait, wait, wait a second. Denver, North Carolina? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow, I never knew that. You just educated me. Where is Denver, North Carolina in proximity to Raleigh or Charlotte? Okay. Uh, if you're familiar with Charlotte, it's about 25 miles northwest off Highway 16. 
Wayne, uh, all New Yorkers and folks from New Jersey are familiar with everywhere in North Carolina because, as you know, we're invading North Carolina as we speak. That's fine. You're welcome. Uh, may I get back on the music, sir? Oh, yes, of course. Of course, uh, we have had quite a battle here. Let me just reset it for those who may be joining us uh, at the uh, wee hours of the morning. Uh, I have taken the side uh, of Neil Young. Uh, who has removed his playlist from Spotify. He's been joined by Joni Mitchell, drop-dead gorgeous Joni Mitchell, who now rocks a Red Beret, supporter of the Guardian Angels. She's removed her playlist uh, because uh, Spotify stands with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. So it's quite a battle here, quite a battle, Wayne. Yes, sir. Uh, Well, my suggestion is sweet Judy Blue Eyes and love the one you're with. Oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. Now, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You are absolutely correct to, uh, hmm. Sweet love, Judy Blue Eyes and love the one you're with. No, no, I think, uh, I think we're going to go with Stephen Stills, love the one you're with. Stephen Stills, now that is the only member of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young that did not have a relationship with Joni Mitchell. Uh, bad boy David Crosby did. I had a conversation with him. He came up with my new theme song for the other side of midnight. That'll be coming up in the four o'clock hour. Uh, Graham uh, Nash, uh, he had a relationship with her, uh, as did Neil Young, fellow Canadian. But uh, here, here is uh, Stephen Stills from Big D Dallas. I was always a little confused about that because, you know, growing up being a teenager at the time uh, of uh, 1969 and the Stephen Stills classic, if you happen to be with uh, guys at that time, did that mean you had to love guys? No, I'm 70 years old and uh, love women to death. I, I don't get out a lot. I sort of kind of have to stay in bed all day. But uh, may I mention a, a couple other bands, please, sir? Of course, of course, Wayne, because remember, soon we'll all be joining you in North Carolina. Go for it. Okay. Jimi Hendrix, Voodoo Child. Hmm, Voodoo uh, Child, yes, yes, yes. Good, good. And good. Red, Red House, that's one heck of a blues song. Hmm, uh, Eric Clapton, Crossroads. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, well, we might we might end up playing that because, uh, as you know, he is against mandates along with Van Morrison. He's against the uh, Vax uh, passport. He has been ostracized. Uh, uh, has uh, uh, Eric Clapton and Van Morrison? Uh, any other selections? One more, sir. Uh, Inside Looking Out by Grand Funk Railroad. If you ever heard of him, it's got one of the oh, best of course, runs of course. you've ever heard. Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, what a, uh, before there was heavy metal, there was Grand Funk Railroad, correct? Yes, sir. Inside Looking Out. 
it's got one of the best guitar runs uh, you, you'll ever hear about halfway through it. And one thing I'd like to say to you, you are the few people that make me laugh, and you don't know how much I appreciate listening to you. I sleep about two or three hours a day, uh, uh, and I, I tell you, mister, uh, I, I appreciate listening to you. Y'all got a great lineup. Y'all have a great lineup on WABC, and I found you by accident. God bless each and every one of you. I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. You no, no, no. It's a great, Wayne, because remember, uh, at the rate things are going here in New York and New Jersey, we're soon going to be joining you in North Carolina. Enough of us have fled to Charlotte already, Raleigh. Oh, man. Other than Florida, the number one state uh, where people escape to from New York, New Jersey, is North Carolina. That's number two. Uh, anyway, let's go to uh, Kenny calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kenny. Oh, thank you so much. Nice to hear Buford there from uh, Dukes of Hazard. Hey, listen, I have a question. You there? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Kenny. Oh, okay. You had COVID, okay? Why don't they talk about you had COVID? You should have some kind of immunity. They don't really talk about that. That's really annoying, by the way. The vitamins, I love it. They should talk more about the vitamins. The hair and the nose, I thought that's biotin. That's what gives you the hair. What makes the uh, schlong a little bit? I need to know. Go. Now, let me tell you something, Kenny. You, you, you smear that vitamin uh, D ointment uh, on your nose, and all the hair that grows in your schnoz, your nostrils, will start growing on your nose quickly, rapidly, to the point where you have to uh, actually go for a little trim of the hair on your nose each and every day. Were you aware of that, Kenny? I'll be putting that on my head so I don't get that monk bald spot. Hey, listen, by the way, Fort Lee, Eric Adams at the Acme Supermarket, he would really bogart. I go to the front of the line all the time. I see him asking for coupons, pushing people out of the way. He's a rude guy. Just let you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, apartment 22H with his domestic partner who uh, never appears with him. By the way, uh, he was shoveling snow outside of the apartment he's never in on Lafayette and Bedside. I mean, come on, enough already. Come on, look, you have dual residency. There's no problem. You're the mayor of the city now. You have Gracie Mansion when you want to stay there. And you have uh, your apartment, 22H in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Well, what's the big deal? He's out there, you know, he's got his uh, shovel. I'm shoveling snow. You You haven't been there. By the way, you deprived illegal aliens of making some money on that block. Do you realize, you know, a guy who supports illegal aliens and he deprived them, he could have thrown them some coins. Oh, they're the best uh, at snow removal. They go, as soon as the first flake hits the ground, you got posses of guys from Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. They're out there. They're busting their backside all day long, shoveling snow, shoveling ice, doing all the work to my three sons. Oh, you think Anthony's going to go out and shovel snow? Not on not on the heads of my chinny-chin-chin or Carter or Hunter. Forget about it. You, you, you tell you, he's so pro illegal alien. He would have he would have had a posse of illegal aliens clean uh, his sidewalk, and there he was. Come on, you really come on, come on. Enough already, Eric. Enough. You think he bogarted uh, everybody at that supermarket, Dan Fortley? I don't know. I, I think I think our caller was exaggerating there. But then maybe 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 not. 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mary Ellen in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mary Ellen. Love you, Curtis. Love you, Nancy. Go, girl, go. The movie was Love Story with Al for uh, based on Al and Chipper's life. Supposedly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Netherlands is where Van Halen was from. You're absolutely correct, Mary Ellen. Uh, the Netherlands, a lot of people right away need your reaction. Oh, Van Halen, you must have been from Jersey. Not. <laughs> from from the right. Netherlands. That's right. From the Netherlands. Yep, absolutely. And that- I got to kiss you on the elevator at 110 Plaza. Before you met Nancy, uh, I was working at one of the companies there, and you strolled on and gave you a kiss on the cheek, and you were more than happy to receive it. Yeah, well, that's when I was uh, footloose and fancy free. Fancy uh, free. Yeah, I know that. But I love you, Curtis. I voted for you. I worked in your campaign. Uh, my family loves you, and you and Nancy are the best. We're all animal activists, and uh, I can't wor- wait to work with Nancy at some point because she's fantastic. Oh, yeah. She's a great, well, great job for all animals of the city, this country, this world. So thank you. She's in my heart, and I love Joni Mitchell, too. Yes, so. yes. Uh, little, 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 so. little Joni Mitchell here. Oh, wow. What you dropped it, gorgeous folk singer, 1969. I can never forget. Uh, she who was from O Canada, uh, who had joined with Neil Young in Toronto. And then all of a sudden, she came down to the United States. And she blew it up. This is our generation, 69. We got to support our generation, AARP. Joni Mitchell, who now rocks a red beret. Go ahead. Go on her website. Go on her social networking. You'll see her in support of the guardian angels wearing a red beret. And then, of course, Neil Young. I mean, let's face it, when it was just Crosby, Stills, Nash, wasn't the same thing as when it was CSNY, right? Right, right, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, time. Time for our generation to take a stand against the hipsters and millennials. Who I hate, I loathe, I despise. Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, all their support team. Although, hey, they got some old conscious there supporting them. Eh, Eric Clapton, Van Morrison. Eh, this is quite the battle. Geraldo Rivera's on our side here. Because this is about principle. They pulled their Spotify list. And a lot of you say, oh, well, they didn't have any great songs. They had great songs galore. What are you talking about? You know nothing about nothing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Todd, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Todd. Yeah, I, I would love to know how somebody who is so outspoken and so opinionated has the audacity to side with Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, being that they're being, you know, they're trying to censor Joe Rogan. What? What do you mean censor? What they're saying is that well, you're, you're, like they're saying they're saying that they don't want their stuff of like with that with him, you know, on YouTube and whatever, and all the other Spotify, whatever. You, how would you side with them? I mean, it's free speech. Isn't Joe Rogan entitled to the same? Uh, the same, uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah, no, uh, so you mean platforms. Same privileges as you. Yep. The same privileges as you. What, his beliefs are his beliefs. Shouldn't he be able to voice them? Oh, he's got so many platforms in order to do that on Todd. You do realize I that. that. I, I do understand that. But my point being is, is that how would you come out on the side of somebody that's saying, if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this? I mean, isn't that 
you know, censorship at its best? Well, not really, Todd, because so far uh, it has not had any impact. Uh, let's face it, Joe Rogan makes Spotify millions and millions and millions of dollars. Joni Mitchell and Neil Young don't. Uh, right. I'm, I'm, Absolutely. I'm sure there are other artists uh, of different eras who will probably pull their playlists uh, from Spotify. But you know there are other playlists. Spotify does yeah, not uh, own the real estate. Obviously, but my point being is, is that not that I not that I agree 100% with Joe Rogan or Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. My point being is that they should be able to have their platform as well as everybody else. So when you come out and say, hey, if you know this guy's on here, I don't want to be on here, why are we glorifying that? That's your choice and your opinion. Just like vax mandates and all the other stuff, it's all the same, right? It's your choice, not... It shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a popularized thing and have to pick sides on it. It should be well. Well, uh, now, Todd, your if, choice. if you don't mind me asking, uh, how old are you, uh, Todd? Uh, close to you, Curtis. All right, I'm fifty-six. All right. So remember, I'm going to tell you why I side with Neil Young because of this song. This is a song to you and to me, Todd, and to all the AARP guys out there, the old codgers, right? You see, he's singing to us, Neil. He's singing to us, Neil Young, as Todd. He's singing to you. He's singing yeah, to me. And what happened? Okay, I agree with you, but what happened to rocking in the free world? The free world. Oh, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Hold on a second. Stop this song here, Bruce. Give me Neil what Young's classic. Rocking in the free world. Rocking in the free world. Let's listen to the words intently. You are making a very cogent point here. Fire that up, Bruce, uh, so I can listen to each and every one of the words because, to be honest with you, it was such a good melody, such a good song. Uh, I never listened intently to all the words. Let's listen. Let's listen here, Todd. Come on, Neil. Come on. Red, white, and blue, patriotic. People shuffling their feet. People sleeping in their shoes. There's a warning sign on the road ahead. There's a lot of people saying we'd be better off if don't feel like Satan, but I am with them. So I try to forget it any way I can. Keep on rocking in the free world. Wow, you're right. Right, uh, Todd, you're right there, although I love it. Uh, some people would rather be dead. That goes back to the old commies, better red than dead, right, uh, Todd? Uh, I, yes. You are absolutely correct. Wow, so what a dilemma. How, 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 does he, how, how, does he, how does he make millions off of that song and then want to um, put himself against Joe Rogan or any other opinion that he doesn't like? Wow, this is a dilemma. You, you have pointed and how out. Do you, and how do you... How do you of, of all people in the world, side with him. I mean, all the stuff you've done for New York, all the stuff you've done throughout your whole career. I'm familiar with the Guardian Angels. I'm familiar with how you ran on, you know, you ran for governor on your, you know, on a pretty conservative basis. How do you actually side with somebody that's willing to be that hypocritical? Ah, man, you really drilled me on this, Todd. You really drilled me on this. Now I have qualms. Uh, 
uh, of conscience. I got to have a conscience here. You pointed that out. The word, you know, sometimes you listen to a great song and you don't always follow all the words. Uh, you forced me to focus on the words. Rocking in the free world. Give me that. Give me that again here. Come on, Bruce. Stuck. Stuck, boy. Todd, Todd has jammed me up. Todd has jammed me up here. Let's quickly go to Mike in New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Curtis, you got some nerve supporting them two liberal hippies. What the hell did they ever do for this country? I got news for you, pal. You're on Spotify. If you're so dead set on supporting them, let me see you contact Spotify and tell them to remove you off of their platform. Your whole crew, everybody on ABC is on Spotify. We are? Yes, you are, my friend. I didn't even know that. Well, wake up and smell the coffee. You better double up on that ginkgo, pal. uh, The coffee, well, you know, I have the Sanky Instant, which is like uh, liquid tar. This goes uh, throwback. But uh, my Spotify list is filled with electronic dance music. That is my passion. That is the music I prefer uh, does that mean I need to boycott electronic dance music on Spotify in order to be keeping it real, Mike? I wouldn't. If that's what, that's the source for your music, that's where you go. Let me tell you something. I love hearing people call from different parts of the country, like that guy from North Carolina. Makes me feel good knowing that there are other people out there that share my taste in talk shows. Last question. You took those... Uh, those balance of natures for a couple of months when you were when they were sponsoring you. Did you notice any uh, uptick in your uh, health? Yeah, no, no. I uh, I like uh, balance of nature. I continue to take it, even though they're not sponsoring my show. Uh, I don't have. First of all, as you know, I just lost my front tooth. Uh, in addition to many other teeth, I I don't. I saw have, you on YouTube with that. Right. Yes. I, I don't have the ability to chew vegetables and fruits any longer. So. It's, it, it does me well to have it in uh, tablet form. I take a multivitamin every day with a meal. Oh, which I take which a little vitamin is, D. Is that one a it's day? A gene- it's a generic one a day for guys over 50. They sell at the vitamin shop. No, no, hold on a second. That's not one a day vitamin? Yeah, one a day. Something for men over 50. Yeah, and then remember, there were the uh, Flintstone uh, vitamins. Uh, there was Barney Rubble vitamins, uh did you ever take the Flintstone vitamins, uh, Mike? Yes, I did when I was a kid. Yeah, see, that was the one-a-day vitamins. Took them. And they were chewables, chewables, too, easy, uh, easier to consume. My, yeah, my favorite one was the uh, the cherry ones. That's right. Oh, that's right. The Bam Bam one. Then my mother told me the neighbor's kid ate too many of them, and they threw up rainbow colors. Yeah, I, I can see that. And you know the rest of that story. Then you began questioning your sexual identity after that. Did you? I think so. Uh, anyway, uh, let's quickly go to Yasmik in Fort Lee. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Yasmik. Hello, Curtis. I want to congratulate you. And I want to also say that that man, Kenny, he's right. I went to supermarket, and an old lady dropped $20 bill. And he stepped on it and took it. You're talking about Eric Adams living in Fort Lee, apartment yes, 22H? Yes. And he pushed me and my grandma out the way. Wow. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I criticize Eric Adams uh, a lot. I never thought he'd be nudging people at a supermarket line. 
uh, in Fort Lee where he lives. Everybody knows he lives there. He's shoveling snow outside of an apartment he's never at at the townhouse he owns there in bed on Lafayette. Come on, stop that. But we know it's all, uh, that's, that's the Fugazi thing. Wow, that's two people. Two people who says he bogarts the line at the supermarket in Fort Lee. And he stepped on a $20 bill of, uh, you know what she sounded like there? Yolanda Vega. You know, the lottery girl. No longer doing the lottery after, well, 31 years, I think, I think. Uh, we're going to do a tribute to her later on. She had more juice than me and Frank Morano together. It's Frank Marano who gives me vertigo. I'm really pissed. Although, uh, I'm thankful that our owner-operator, uh, John Katsimatidis, uh, called up at the end of my uh, daily double show. As you know, I'm on two to four Saturday afternoons in the midst of that tsunami, that snowstorm, that, uh, what do we call it, that uh, snow bomb. I said to John, I said, uh, John, you realize that uh, Frank Morano has now scored the highest rating ever of an overnight show here at WABC since we converted from spinning uh, stacks of wax top 40 to all talk. In fact, uh, his recent uh, his recent rating was higher than anything that Alan B. Combs, uh, we miss him dearly, uh, had in the overnights here at ABC. And even better than anything that uh, the Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown was from originally Patterson, New Jersey. You know what I'm talking about, right? He had that uh, proclivity to be chasing Filipino girls in Pahrump, Nevada. The one traffic light town with the chicken shack down the block where prostitution was legal. And he was living in the double white body. Uh... Double white body. There he was looking out. You could see the tinkle, the tinsel of Las Vegas in the distance. That Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown. Art, 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 art. But now let's get to uh, what I'm talking about when it comes to Frank Morano. 
who has superseded Art Bell, superseded everyone else. He, uh, he delivered a ratings number that knocked everybody's eyeballs out. All the suits, all the mockers, all the muckety-mucks, our peers in the radio business were astounded, astounded. Uh, our owner-operator, uh, John Katsimatidis, quite the talk show host in his own right. In fact, the roundtable discussion is on in just four hours, 8 o'clock. You don't want to miss it because Frank Morano will be having his cameo appearance on that. He'll probably take credit for the success of the, the Cats roundtable in the morning on Sundays. Right, Bruce? He'll tell you, oh, it's all me. It's all me. Without me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fly. Just like he's taking it for the other side of midnight uh, and will not give me credit for my two days of participation. Now, Mike did the analytics, our caller, uh, less than 24 hours ago. He said, look, Curtis, when I extrapolate this, you do the other side of midnight on the weekends. You do five hours uh, Saturday morning, one to six. And then, uh, like uh, as I'm doing now, you do six hours, 12 midnight to six Sunday morning, which is a total of 11 hours. Frank Morano does 20 hours. So that means you do 34% of the other side of midnight. So with the skyrocketing ratings, uh, that has you get one third of that. That's attributed to you, and even uh, John Katzmatidis agreed with that. But will Frank Morano give me credit? No, he gives me wolf tickets. Oh, he's posting on his Facebook uh, to all the uh, twits out there uh, who get his tweets on Twitter. Oh, I'm number one, second to none. It's all me, me. You know, with Frank Morano, it's all I, I, me, me. Not us and we. Teamwork. So, he has a theme song. Bruce, you've heard his theme song, right? The Frank Morano theme song. Pretty lame. I mean, not even a junior varsity status. I, I don't know, some groupie out there or whatever. Sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys made up his theme song. And when I heard it the other morning, it was like, really? Yeah, I wouldn't play that on a college station. Never mind the number one news talk station in the nation. So, lo and behold... I had a conversation with the bad boy of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And as you know, uh, I I am enamored with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. So much so, I'm willing to risk my reputation and back Neil Young in this battle against Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. That's right. And now joined by Joni Mitchell. He's joined by Joni Mitchell. I'm ready to back him because of that. But David Crosby, originally from the Yardbirds, uh, it's out in Los Angeles. So he was, uh, he was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young guy who was with the Trendoids and the Freakazoids and the Jet Setters early on, unlike, uh, let's say, Graham Nash, who was from the U.K., and uh, Neil Young, who was from Canada, and Stephen Stills, uh, who was from Big D, Dallas. I said, okay, all right, let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let, let, let's be fair and let's be square here. And then I said to David Crosby, look, you've had uh, quite a life, quite the ups and downs and all arounds. Kidney disease, uh, you know, has to go, like so many of you, three times a week to get those toxins removed from his kidney or he'd be dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. He's been through a lot. It's been a bad boy. They, they caught him, remember, they clipped him with a gun. Yeah, it clipped him with a gun. Bad news. 
But we did agree that he would do something for me that would really establish this other side of midnight. These two mornings that I do at a special. Uh, Bruce, would you please play the special rendition that David Crosby, bad boy of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, has created for me. It's called The Other Side of Midnight. In You see, mild, you know, it's there. But in comparison to Frank Morano, right, Bruce? I mean, come on. You wouldn't even play that song at a junior high school recital. Never mind Tottenville, the Purple Pirates that somehow produced Frank Morano. His uh, Facebook uh, photo he uses of his high school graduation photo from Tottenville High School. I mean, what a double disgraziata. And then... He has uh, some theme song that uh, some garage band made for him, and he plays it on the number one news talk station in the nation. Bruce, uh, let's hear a little bit more of this special rendition of The Other Side of Midnight, made special for me by David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. How does the So good. From so high above. Thank you, David. Thank you. He's listening right now. Great, great. Standing ovation. Thank you, David. Thank you. With or without your kidney, with or without your loaded nine millimeter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now that's a theme song. Five star top shelf pro style. Not over the top, not too loud. Not too mild. You know, it's perfect for the intro. Thank you for playing that, Bruce. That's the first time that song has ever been played. When we made history this morning here on WABC, my theme song for The Other Side of Midnight by David Crosby. Every time you hear me in the future, no matter which time slot I'm on, and as you know, uh, ABC uh, stands for the acronym Always Broadcasting, Curtis. I do the Quinella on the weekends. Uh, you're going to hear that so- that theme song. You're going to hear that and you're going to say, oh, Curtis is on. Curtis is on. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And David Crosby is a special person that a lot of you can identify with. He's not a perfect man. He's not a great man. He's not even a good man. But there are some characteristics uh, that I share with him. David uh, Crosby agreed to uh, uh, put his uh, sperm in the Petri dish. That's right. For Melissa Etheridge, the stone-cold lesbian, so that her and her gal pal, Julie Seifer, could have two children. That's right. David Crosby did that. And I know all about making donations to a Petri dish. So we have that in common. Uh. Frank Morano will like this. 
David Crosby doubted the findings of the Warren Commission, their conclusion about the assassination of JFK. And one thing you knew, nobody assumed that Ted Cruz's uh, father had assisted Lee Harvey Oswald in the assassination of JFK, like Donald Trump said, although he attributed that to the National Enquirer. Remember? And Ted Cruz forgave him. David Crosby hates Donald Trump. Supported Buttigieg in the Democratic primary, the recent one, but ended up voting for Bernie Sanders. I mean, think of that. Supported Buttigieg, 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 who Frank Morano was just like as he tried to milk that paternity leave. Remember, he wanted a full three months. And thankfully, it was Greg Machine Gun Kelly, uh, who, when his wife delivered their second child into the world, another young lady. Immediately came back to work. He was off one day Friday. Shamed Frank to come back to the other side of midnight. And his, uh, he had a liver transplant, just like uh, Mickey Mantle, number seven. And who arranged it? By the way, that person was the answer to a trivia question that I asked early on, Bruce. Nobody got it. Uh, which uh, great rock star drummer? Leader of the band, daughter, joined the Guardian Angels in Vancouver, British Columbia years ago with his full blessing. He is also uh, the person that arranged for the liver transplant for David Crosby that has kept him alive, uh, that enabled him to create this theme song for me, for my version of The Other Side of Midnight, for the two nights that I do at one-third of the time. one 800 848 That's uh, 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Thomas in uh, West Hempstead. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Tommy. Okay, Curtis, I met you maybe 40 years ago at Grand Central Station. You were walking through. It was an honor to meet you, but I called you about the song. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Tommy. You really think I remember that 40 years ago, Tom? You really think so? No, no, no I don't now, think so. Now, if I, were a, if I were a politician, you know, a politician, absolutely, Tom, I remember shaking your hand at Grand Central Station, those kia rounds. <laughs> I do remember it because it was an honor because you're a great man. Thank you, thank you. Anyway, I, I call because I'm 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 a musician. Oh. I'm actually a study a study musician. I went to the Juilliard School of Music. Wow, Lincoln Center. And I um and at Lincoln Center. I studied with a um, member of the New York Philharmonic, and I became an arranger orchestrator. Oh man! And I'm calling you to tell you this song written for you is top notch. In fact, let's play it now. Let's play The Other Side of Midnight, specially crafted by David Crosby, bad boy of Crosby. Listen to it. Thomas, you can critique it after it plays. The other side of midnight is Is that not the best, Thomas? It gets better, yeah, as, as it's going along, and it, it comes to a beautiful ending. Now, uh, I really owe David Crosby because, you know, Frank Morano, he tried to uh, put this crap on the air from some uh, garage band, maybe a junior high school yeah. band. You know, he was he was all for toots saying, oh, it's great. I listened to it. I said, <laughs> I wanted a projectile vomit. This is the kind of a song that meets the standards of our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, who has made us once again the number one news talk station in the nation. Correct, Tom? 
Yes, but you, you're a big part of it. I have to tell you something. It's not easy to write music. It's not easy to write a song, but the performance is very difficult to harmonize with other singers like that and get the harmonies. And I think David Crosby has a knack. I think he probably was the man in Crosby, Stills, and Nash to get those harmonies because he's way on the top. And uh, it's amazing he's still doing it after all these years. And to have it written for your show, I will will tune in to you just to hear that song. Absolutely, Tom. And you have the pedigree. Imagine, here we are, composer from Juilliard, Lincoln Center. You know how difficult, ladies and gentlemen, it is to get into Juilliard? Uh, I mean, my my middle son, Carter, I was talking with his mother the other day and she was saying, no, no, I, it's, it'll be too hard for him to get into Juilliard because he, he really is a talented young man. It, it, you're, you're the absolute best when you get into Juilliard, Tommy. Well, you know what happened to me? I went to your audition. I just came out of high school. And honestly, I couldn't read music very well. That's to be truthful. But uh, Walter Rosenberger, that was the principal percussionist of the New York Philharmonic, heard something in me. And um, I, he, he accepted me as a student. I got accepted to the school. And when my first lesson, I said, Walter, why did you pick me? He said, because you're a natural. Wow, what a compliment. What, and, and for you yeah. to use your ear, which has been so crafted, which has been so developed to pick up the fine nuances of the song, the harmony, the flow that David Crosby created specifically for me is indeed an incredible honor that you're bestowing upon our entire audience to be able to critique that. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful, Carlos. Guess what? My first lesson, guess what my first lesson was? What? It was on the stage of Avery Fisher Hall. Avery Fisher Musical, right next to Juilliard. Yeah, because he had he has he had a rehearsal with the Philharmonic, so we have we had our lessons on the stage, and then the orchestra would file into the rehearsal, and I would stand backstage and listen to that orchestra rehearse, and that's where I got the bug to become an orchestrator and arranger from that. God, oh God, I'm telling you, Thomas, thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, ladies and gentlemen, what we bring to the airwaves here to add to the luster, the glory of what WABC has become. Ever since uh, my failed effort to become uh, mayor of the city of New York, John Katsimatidis, just five days later, held a press conference and gave me a 30-year no-cut contract. No-cut contract. That's unheard of in this business. Gee, if I don't get killed by mobsters choking on their lobsters or thugs or killed by a yellow cab as I'm crossing the street... Uh, I might actually make it to 96, and it can fulfill the contract. And then he said to the entire press corps that had gathered up into the studios of WABC, uh, WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. And look at the schedule that I have before me. The entire weekend is dominated by Curtis Sliwa. You see, I add quality, top shelf, five star. We got to do something about Frank Morano's uh, theme song. That sucks. I mean, that you wouldn't even play that on, on a college radio station. Maybe somebody can convey to him, you know, it's time to really up his game. When he, can I hear that song one more time by David Crosby? It is so melodic. It's so good. Oh. Oh, so good. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you. I forgive you for carrying that loaded nine millimeter. Uh, 
I forgive you for some of the other things you did in your life. Hey, look, we all have uh, we all have skeletons in our closet, and boy, did they get blown off the uh, the door with you, pal. Especially your uh, sperm donation to Melissa Etheridge, so she could have two kids with Julie Cipher. Man, what a what a triangle that was. By the way, he, he also had a relationship with uh, Joni Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, look. Meantime, let's get back to Frank Morano here because uh, yesterday so many people were calling up, calling him a deadbeat, a welcher, because he's always promising these hats, tchotchkes, the WABC hats, and they never seem to get to the desired location. You know, Frank is like the guy, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. You know, like the guy will tell you, the check is in the mail. Yeah, my quantum I, you're waiting a month on Sundays. Here is Frank, though, talking about how he comes from a long line of liars. Well, thank you, uh, Charles. Uh, and my wife will tell you I come from a long tradition of liars. So uh, I would uh-huh. not be Stop it right there. Stop it. The we have documentary evidence of Frank Morano acknowledging that he comes from a long line of liars, all of them named Carmine, I might add. I want you to play that again, because with all the complaints we received yesterday in the 4 o'clock hour, you see, I play this in the 4 o'clock hour because this is normally when he runs that scam of a, a contest. You know, uh, what is it, uh, 10 questions in 60 seconds? And notice he had to make sure that two people won this past week because I was, I was on his jockstrap about this. Uh, I don't know where he's going to get the money. Probably take a loan on Bay Street, uh, North Shore, Staten Island, you know, from one of the Gavones. The Viggy's going to have to pay. It will be overwhelming. But I want you to listen to what Frank Morano described himself as being from a long line of liars. Well, thank you, uh, Charles. Uh, And my wife will tell you I come from a long tradition of liars. Uh So uh, I would not be the least bit surprised if that were the case. Right? He says it himself. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he has basically acknowledged full guilt. Full guilt. And then, now watch, he, he, he also blames it on the fact that he has a lack of eyesight, that he is, uh, what can we call it, sight-challenged, like uh, my, uh, what can I call him, husband-in-law? You know, Governor David Patterson, uh, uh, you know how uh, uh, Youngman, Henny Youngman said, take my wife. He did. He took my wife, Mary. He's now married to Mary, uh, and he's helping to raise uh, Anthony, my oldest son, 18. He wants a brand-new Dodge uh, Charger. Uh, Go to uh, David Patterson. Have him pay for it, Anthony. He's also an intern here at WABC, and you can get that podcast I do with him once a week on Fridays. It's in the can. There are six episodes now of Father and Son, Curtis and Anthony, as we riff on so many different issues. You're not going to want to miss it. So many different issues. In fact, this most recent one, episode number six, we're riffing about engines and trains and Thomas the Tank Engine that I raised him on. He's got the love of trains just like me. Choo-choo Charlie is an engineer. Choo-choo Charlie, good and plenty, good and plenty, good and plenty, good and plenty. Remember Choo-choo Charlie, the engineer, good and plenty, which sent you to the uh, dentist's office and then eventually to the oral surgeon in which he didn't have enough money to pay for all the cavities that ended up going into your mouth. (sighs) I had to to mention it. (sighs) 
But here it is, Frank Morano claiming that the reason you didn't get all the WABC hats, the tchotchkes you were promises because he's like Mr. Magoo. I don't know whether this is a function of my narcissism or just that I'm always thinking. I have no awareness of my surroundings. You ever see Mr. Magoo where he can't see anything? He just walks into all sorts of hazardous conditions. He doesn't notice anything. That's basically me. I can see perfectly, but I don't absorb any of my surroundings. I am totally oblivious to the world around me. That's his own words. You see, so when eventually the FCC uh, pulls his license and prosecutes him in Washington, they have a special FCC court. These are the excuses he's already prepared. That I come from a long line of liars, the Moranos, and that I'm Mr. Magoo. He's already practicing his lines because he knows that day is coming. Frank, where are the WABC caps that you promised? Here's poor Mike in Manhattan begging, beseeching you to send him that WABC hat you promised him. Mike, Mike, Mike. Frank never sent me my uh, the hat that I that I was entitled to. A Mike from Manhattan got the nine answers right. Wow. Uh, and oh, then, hold on a second, sent me the hat. Wow, that's a different guy, uh, right, I didn't Mike? I sent him an email. I kept calling the station, and they said, oh, yeah, we'll take down the information. And then I, I, they never gave me a hat. Wow, what a welcher. What is wrong with him? It, to you, nine times? <laughs> At least three times. I called the station three or four times. Mentioned, and you know, I, you know, oh, yeah, I, really, uh, I really think yeah, he should have his young son, Carmine, deliver these hats to people. Maybe his wife can deliver it. No, 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 no. His his wife is very um, meticulous. I know if it was up to Rachel, you would have it like within three days. You would probably have it uh, special, uh, special uh, United States Postal Service because Frank only believes in the U.S. mail. He wants to subsidize uh, their bankruptcy. But I got to tell you, Mike, this this shows a warp in his character, doesn't it? It does indeed. A character flaw. Yeah, and he's he's promised you. He promised that other guy. Six times people are knocking at the doors. This is a FCC violation. I'm telling you, Mike. This could knock Ethical Frank violation Mar- anyway. Yeah, this could knock Frank Morano off the air, and then I could do all seven nights of the other side of midnight. That would be a, a an appreciable uh, difference. I can't, I can't believe, do you know how many complaints we get? Over these stupid Frank Morano WABC hats, he promises people, I'm going to get you the hat, I'm going to get you the hat. You know, as we say about it, it's my Take a month of Sundays. You should make him deliver it himself. Make him deliver it himself. <sighs> the check is in the mail. You've heard that before, ladies and gentlemen. This is the classic Hey, no, 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 the check is in the mail. That's typical Frank Morano. Nine times. But I want to exempt his uh, beautiful, wonderful wife, Rachel, who has the patience of a saint to be with Frank, who has attention deficit disorder. In the worst way, look, he described him uh, as Mr. Magoo, right? But before we get to that cut, here's Frank's excuse, right? So that's why I don't want Rachel to have to be hogtied into this delivering these WABC hats. It should be Frank, and it has to be his young son, who was born on Thanksgiving, who is now uh, 20 pounds. 
young Carmine because there's lineage here. Well, thank you, uh, Charles. Uh, And my wife will tell you I come from a long tradition of liars. So uh, I would not be the least bit surprised if that were the case. A long line of liars. So that would, uh, I would assume is Carmine, you know, part of that male legacy. Oh, God. For a young, young boy like that, only around since Thanksgiving, all 20 pounds of him to be saddled with the genetic defect of uh, being from a lineage of Morano liars. Oh, that's too much of a burden to bear. And then remember the excuse. It's already built in here. Right, when he goes to the FCC court, because none of you have gotten your Chotskis, your WABC hats. I don't know whether this is a function of my narcissism or just that I'm always thinking. I have no awareness of my surroundings. You ever see Mr. Magoo where he can't see anything? He just walks into all sorts of hazardous conditions. He doesn't notice anything. That's basically me. I can see perfectly, but I don't absorb any of my surroundings. I am totally oblivious to the world around me. Now, imagine if you were in a jury of his peers and you were having to hear this case before the FCC. Oh, big, big court there. You know, there's the United States Supreme Court. There's the Court of Appeals, federal level there in Washington, D.C. And then there's the little spoken about court of the FCC. Oh, this is this. Can you imagine if uh, you were in an assembled uh, jury and you heard him say, hey, look, I'm not guilty. I'm Mr. Magoo. I crash into the wall. I'm oblivious. I have attention deficit disorder. He he would do that to avoid having to deliver those promised WABC Frank Morano caps to all of you. Uh, let's go to uh, Frank. Oh, gee, I wonder if this is Frank uh, from Staten Island. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. Yeah, hi, Curtis. This is Frank uh, from Staten Island. I'm, I'm visually impaired. And I uh, I made a donation four months ago to Catholic Charities that Frank Marino had on his show, Vincent. And I'm waiting four months for a hat. And I spoke to all the producers. Now now he comes out with the – he has a new guy handling it, Jake. And I spoke to all these people, and I'm still waiting four months. I just wanted to let you know. Wait, 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 Catholic Charities? My God, yeah, yes, what Vincent. what a disgrazia out of any Ignacio. I know, I know, I know. Frank, Frank, uh, I'm going to impale myself with a crucifix here, Frank. You know, yeah, Frank. I know, you know, I, I made my donation, you know. And, yeah, yeah, uh, let, me, let me tell you something, Frank. I'm going to straighten this one out because this, this involves the Catholic Church. Uh, I got to do an intervention. Is that okay, Frank? Yes, I would appreciate that. And all, all you can, you don't want an apology. You don't want him to uh, do stations of the cross. You don't want him to have to light candles every Friday at Mount St. Laredo, the uh, church featured in the Godfather. You just want your freaking hat, right, Frank? Yeah, I gave him a $100 check. Oh. You know, and it didn't, bounce, it didn't bounce either, right? No, no, no. Captain Charlie's got the check. Oh, yeah. You know they ran to the bank. <laughs> They were in that. Yeah, I know, and I, and I spoke to Frank Marino, and he says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's on the way." And uh, I'll talk to Jake. He's handling the produ- yeah, production of it and all that nonsense. Jake, uh, yeah, that 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 Marino guy. I'm telling you, that's what a piece of work. He gave you the rope of dope. But I'm, yeah, I'm telling, know, I'm still I'm, on the ropes. I'm telling you, Frank. I'm going to make right by this. You know, Frank. He's as he said. 
play this cut of the Mr. Magoo cut. I want to see if you buy this, Frank. He claims he's like Mr. Magoo. I don't know whether this is a function of my narcissism or just that I'm always thinking. I have no awareness of my surroundings. You ever see Mr. Magoo where he can't see anything? He just walks into all sorts of hazardous conditions. He doesn't notice anything. That's basically me. I can see perfectly, but I don't absorb any of my surroundings. I am totally oblivious to the world around me. Do you accept that, uh, Frank, the namesake from Staten Island? He's like Mr. Magoo. Yeah, but to me, I'm curious. I'm the one that's legally blind, and I can't see. <laughs> so he has no no excuse. You know what I mean? I'm legal. I'm the guy that has the problem. Uh, I just I just want to let you know that, Curtis. You know, I appreciate you. You have a great show. I got to straighten this out, Frank. He's cleaning yeah, him out. He's picking on. He's picking on the the, the blind people. Oh yeah, my god! Oh my! He's gonna go to hell without an asbestos suit, Frank. Him and Magoo. Yeah, him and <laughs> Magoo. I can't, I can't believe this. He involves the Catholic Church. Mr. Magoo. The Catholic charities. Oh. Catholic charities on oh. Highland Boulevard. Oh, Vinny Ignacio. Oh my! Oh no, my! Right by Mount Saint Laredo. Exactly. Exactly. Uh. And you, how long have you? How long have you been sight impaired, Frank? Uh, since 2012, I, I lost my eyesight to glaucoma. Oh no, no, I know, I know. Well, Look, my well, my grandfather, my whole thing up. I can't do nothing. No, I, I know my grandfather. And... My grandfather had cataracts, uh, and he lost his sight. Uh, God, you know, Frank, yeah. Frank. Can I apologize for? For Frank Morano, just to start, I mean, we're going to make right about this. If I have to deliver the freaking hat myself, uh, but can I apologize on his behalf, uh, Frank? Okay, I appreciate it, Curtis, and thank you very much. You have a great show. Well, look, I I brought him into this thing of ours, this business. He was just an intern from NYU. His family was wasting $55,000 a year for no education there at NYU. Uh, He was an intern. Uh, then he became a producer uh, of the uh, Curtis and Kuby show. Then he came with me to AM 970, The Answer. I fought for him to have the right to be a broadcaster. He's now number one overnight in the nation. The greatest the greatest rating number that we ever got in overnights, greater than Alan B. Combs, who was great overnights. We dearly miss him. He's uh, passed into the half after. And the Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, Art Bell, there was nobody better. He's passed into the hereafter. Frank has superseded them. I got to make I got to make this right, Frank. I, I swear, uh, come hella high water, I'm going to make this right to you, Frank. Okay, I appreciate that, and thank you very much. You thank have a you, great, you. great day. Uh, yeah, I, I you see, you see he, he's so angry, right? He's so angry, but he, he's almost forced, Frank, to, in Staten Island to say something nice. God, I would, be, I would be eclectic. I would be absolutely eclectic. And let's, let's remember, in the middle of that snow bomb earlier today, three weeks before, Frank Murat, not showing... Any sensitivity, any compassion, any empathy or sympathy. Remember, it was stranded there on I-95 in Virginia. It was the number one news story, front page in the New York Times, above the fold. And this is another thing that Frank Morano said. He, he made a promise that he would save them. Don't call your friends. Don't call your family. Don't call emergency services. If you're stuck, 
in whether it's traffic or whether you're stuck there for 27 hours like Senator Tim Kaine was, call me right away. I want to be your first call, and I will will dispatch Molly, and hopefully she'll be able to get you out of there. All right? So let's make that very, very clear. Now, now you know what his excuse, his fallback is going to be when he goes before the FCC. You know what it's going to be. Well, thank you, uh, Charles. Uh, and my wife will tell you I come from a long tradition of liars. So uh, I would not be the least bit surprised if that were the case. You see? You see, that's going to be his fallback position. And then remember the caller. This is a Pulitzer Prize winning author. The man lives in Greenwich, Connecticut. He was stuck. The ice, the snow. Uh, the uh, 18-wheel tractor trailers that had jackknife on I-95 because of the inclement weather. He appealed to Frank Morano. He, he had only one number on him. Running out of gas, you know, soon the heat would be off in the car. He'd be freezing his tuchus off. This man, if you saw him, you would say, oh, my God. There's Stephen King up in Maine, right, right there near Lewiston, Bangor. And then there's this gentleman from Greenwich the gated community off the New England Thruway where when you drive up, you can't just enter Greenwich. Oh, no, the select man is there at the gate, you know, in the lime green uh, jacket and the lime green slacks with the white Ferragamo shoes on. And he'll signal as to whether you, you're worthy enough to enter. I, I want you to listen. Listen to the pain and suffering in this caller's voice. But, but Dave, but- here's what I don't understand. Let, let's say we find out what's causing the the issue on the highway on I-95 there. What good does that do you if you're still stuck there? Let's say we find out it's a tractor trailer that's jackknife and there's all sorts of snow. If you're still stuck there, what good does that knowledge now do you? Well, we'd like to find out uh, how much longer we have to wait. And will you run out of gas? You know, food. I have a dog. Well, that's fair. Okay, well, that's fair. I I didn't know there was a dog. I'm going to put you on hold. Put him on hold. And, you know, never got back to him. This gentleman called me up two weeks ago, remember? It was pretty much this time. He was up in Vermont for a huge seminar of authors. Stephen King was there, others. And uh, he, he just wanted an apology. That was it. He just, he, he just said, look, it, Frank should do the right thing and apologize. He left me stranded there. I'm going to have to do a lot of a lot of apologizing for Frank Morano. But, yeah, look, I brought him into this business of ours, right? I didn't have to do that. He was sitting at the desk at WABC, an intern, his parents wasting $55,000 a year on his education. I convinced him, you can be the producer of the Curtis and Kuby show. I, I lured him in like a Venus flytrap, and he's been in talk radio ever since, and now you can't even talk to the guy. He's number one overnight. The greatest rating point ever in the history of overnight talk radio delivered by Frank Morano. Now, I deserve a piece of that. You know, two, two of the mornings of the, over, the other side of midnight is your truly Curtis Sliwa. But uh, can't talk to Frank any longer. He's in that rarefied atmosphere. He's talking about, believe it or not, Bruce, you know this being the veteran here. He's talking about a Marconi Award. 
Not a Tesla award, a Marconi award, because he claims, like all Italian-Americans said, it was Marconi who invented the radio, not the Serbian Tesla. Well, he should do battle with Elon Musk, who has uh, named his entire corporation uh, as the world's richest man after the Serbian Tesla and not the Italian Marconi. Okay, okay, can I hear the, my theme song again? It was so good. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the bad boy of uh, CSNY. Uh, he's uh, been through a lot of trials and tribulations. I've forgiven him for being caught with a 9 millimeter loaded gun. You remember that time. Uh, he got the Alvin Bragg treatment, you know, because of his celebrity status. Hey, what the hell? You know, give him a disappearance ticket. This is the song he created for me. Oh, God. So good. So good. It's a mood elevator, you know, it's not too harsh. It's not that heavy metal stuff that Frank comes in with. See, so good. Dave. Stay up till now. What a beautiful song. I am so honored to have this as my theme song. Thank you, David Crosby. Thank you. Hey, does it get any better than that? I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen. You know, after uh, being uh, in this business 31 years, talk radio, most of it at WABC. This is the greatest honor ever that I received. I, I one time was nominated for a Marconi Award with Ron Kuby, but uh, we got wolf tickets. We went to the big banquet in Philadelphia, you know, and all of a sudden they put, put this schmuck from San Francisco. Could have been me. And now Frank Morano is getting nominated for a Marconi Award. This is the highest award in broadcasting. It's for... They, they have what they call the AM award and then the PM award. So anybody who broadcasts in the AM hours, and that's the category that Frank Morano is being nominated in because he has scored the highest rating of all time in talk radio overnight. Yeah, more than the guy over at Women's Only Radio who talks about those uh, little gray aliens who run all over the place. Roswell, New Mexico, UFOs and all that. Hey, Frank dabbles in that. But that's not his, uh, that's not his entree. Not me. He's been nominated for a Marconi Award by himself. That's unprecedented. He's only had the show, what, a year, two years? Before that, they wouldn't even let him. Phil Boyce over at AM 970, the answer said, Frank, you'll never, you'll never have a talk radio host as long as I'm alive. My God, what the hell are you talking about, Phil? 
He told him that at WABC, too. The guy made his bones. And now he may win the most prestigious award in all of radio. There's a PM part. I don't know who's nominated for that. I'll find out. I'll relate that uh, possibly uh, tonight, tomorrow night. No, no, actually tonight. I'm back on 9 to 1. Before I pass over the microphone to the uh, the Mangalooch, Frank Morano. And you don't want to miss... uh, the most listened to hour of my many hours on the weekend, the Animal Welfare Hour, featuring my lovely wife, uh, Nancy, uh, who has a whole host of issues she'll bring to the forefront tomorrow. Uh, she's an animal rescuer, by the way. Big story. They're kidnapping street pigeons and bringing them to Pennsylvania so that hunters can shoot them instead of clay pigeons with their shotguns. That ain't happening. I'm going to war over those that are kidnapping The pigeons, because I'm the pigeon man in New York City. A thousand pigeons follow me around. In fact, when I broadcast here in WABC, everyone notices, wow, where did all these pigeons come from? They follow my red beret. And even when I go into the bowels uh, of New York City and I take the subways, their honing instinct, you know, because these are like homing pigeons. I know my, my uncle Vincenzo Bianchino used to raise the pigeons on the pigeon coop on top of 982 East 89th Street where I was birthed and raised. I remember the Boston Baldies. I remember the Homer pigeons. I remember this. And they follow me. It's as if they have a built-in divining rod, a GPS for me. I will defend these street pigeons. I know some of you call them flying rats with wings. Oh, no, 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 no. This is war. You come in from Pennsylvania looking to kidnap our street pigeons, you got Curtis Leewood to deal with. How do you like these hunters? They get to shoot clay pigeons, you know, fire, you know, bang, fire, bang. That's okay. And now they do the same thing with our street pigeons this double discraziata, this double shanda. When I catch them, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. This may get me. Oh, you don't get arrested for doing anything in New York City other than killing people. I'm slashing their tires and I'm burning their van from Pennsylvania with the plates on it. The way these marauders, these anti-cops who come in from all different states, throw Molotov cocktails at our marked police vehicles. I'm going to give them the same treatment. You're not kidnapping any street pigeons from these streets, pal. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Yeah, you can't. Bruce, you, you realize nobody here has been nominated for a Marconi Award. Not Bernie and Sid, the number one morning show in the nation, bar none. Not Machine Gun Kelly uh, that you hear from one to three. Not even Bill O'Reilly that everybody listens to. You know, he has his contribution in the morning, uh, in the morning show. Then he does his 15-minute riff uh, from 12 to 12.15 to that show. I don't know what the hell that 45 minutes is doing here on WABC. <laughs> it's a bad podcast, and it's a worse radio show. What, what's that guy's name? I don't even, I think he still uses Clearasil. Still uh, has pimples. Oh, Charlie Kirk, yeah. The guy who sells that pair, back pain relief, right? He's 22 years old. He tries to say he has back pain. Get out of here. And then, of course, uh, Bill O'Reilly, who comes on at night uh, from 9 to 10. Uh, he's not even nominated. He's had the most ratings here at WABC until Frank scored the big time. 
not Rita Cosby. She didn't get a Marconi nomination, not Dominic Carter. Not even Dr. Gil Lederman. <laughs> you, know, you know, you had Justin in the morning. What was his name? Justin, the board operator for the for the boys in the morning. It's Justin. I'm sitting here in the studio. I'm doing an interview with Sid about the crime in the city. And Sid says to him, for the whole world to hear, hey, who the best talk show host and hostess is you've ever worked with at WABC? He ran through a panoply. Everybody, people who were dead, people that nobody knew. And then he finished by saying, Dr. Gil Lederman. And didn't even mention me. And I was in the room. He was looking right at me. I'll get him if it's the last thing I do, man. I mad-dogged him that day. I, I fornicated him. I threatened him. You know, he's from Chappaqua. That's right. He, he lives there in the whitest suburb of America where even the lawn jockeys are white in Westchester, which is where the love shack of Bill and Hillary Clinton is. And by the way, I want to find out whatever happened to the uh, black lab buddy who kept all the Bill Clinton secrets. You know, Bill was playing ball with him, throwing the ball, and then he throws it purposefully over the fence. Buddy runs out into the street, splat. Like so many other friends of Bill and Hillary, you know, you just add them to the list. Room temperature. Let's go to Vinny in Caldwell, New Jersey. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vincenzo. Did you ever hear the story about Junior Lissandra, the case, the 15-year-old kid was mistaken for a gang member on Badgate, and he was uh, dragged out of a bodega by uh, five Trinitarius gang members and uh, stabbed to death? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, Trini, the Trinitarios, the Dominican yeah. gangbangers. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm aware of that, yes. Yeah, that was, uh, that's what made me move out of the Bronx in 2017. Wow. You, that's when it was really getting crazy for me over there. Wow. It was always unstable, but that's what really hit my heart, because my kid was 15 at the time. No, 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 understood, Vincenzo. And by the way, you're not coming back, right? I'm not coming back, no. It said now uh, I've been having a conversation with Sid Rosenberg because he lives in the same uh, neighborhood as me, the Upper West Side. Been trying to tell him, don't leave, Sid. Sid says, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You know, he'll still be broadcasting here, but he's probably going to move to one of the outer suburbs. And then just as I had convinced him to stay on the block that Humphrey Bogart lived on, there's even a sign that Humphrey Bogart lived here. Uh, Sid Rosenberg lives in that building. All of a sudden, right there to Dwayne Reed on 94th and Broadway, two guys, two uh, guys are arguing outside. One pulls out a shiv, stabs the other guy because they were fighting over the shoplifting they just had. Off-duty cop comes running out of uh, Dwayne Reed, shoots the the young guy in the stomach. The older guy gets away with his Alvin Bragg bag full of shoplifting items. And Sid saw that and he said, I'm out of here. I'm out of here like you, Vincenzo, like you. No, man. I love New York, but, you know, it's just getting too crazy for the kids over there. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry because you, you sound like uh, you're a son of the soil. Well, what high school did you go to, Vincennes? Well, I was born in Newark. I went to Eastside High School. Oh, Eastside High School. Oh, my God. You, when, you were, when you were I raised— I even went to Lady in Mount Carmel for a while, but they threw me out of there, though. Yeah, that, uh, did you see Joe Rogan there? Because Joe Rogan claims, you know, he's from Newark. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with him. I just started following politics the last, like, 10 years or something. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But the guy claims he's from Newark. You know, he wants that street cred. 
Because what is mm-hmm. he? What is he going to say? Oh, um, I from, was a little kid during the Newark riots over oh, there. Were. Oh man! So and see, you saw the National Guard in there. You saw the tanks come in. No, nah, I didn't see that. I lived by South Street, Delancey Street. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. they did pull a, a coffin out of the corner uh, beyond the funeral home where my mother was laid out when I was nine years old, hmm. and they uh, burnt it in the street. Yeah, I know. It was wild. Let me tell you something. Some of the old-timers there described to me uh, how crazy it got. Anarchy prevailed, and the only place... The only place that held it down was the North Ward along Bloomfield Avenue because Tony Imperiali and his citizen patrol, they they drew a line in the sand and they said, no, no, there'll be no rioting because the next stop would have been Bloomfield, the town of Bloomfield. Yeah, and no, my sister lives in Bloomfield. Yeah, no, no, I see. You see all those towns that surround Newark and how many people originally came from Newark, South Ward, North Ward, uh, Central Ward, West Ward. And they we have st- married, me, me, my father, and my oldest brother. We all married New Yorker women. That's how we wind up in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I do appreciate it, Vincenzo. I know it was very difficult to have to pick up and leave the Bronx because of the Trinitarios, huh? By the way, um, the best organization that tracks these foreign alien gangs is ICE, Immigration and Naturalization Service, Limigre. The same people that Andrew Evilized Cuomo, when he was governor, thank God he's no longer there, called thugs. He didn't call Trinitarios thugs or MS-13 thugs. He called ICE thugs. Do you know that none of our authorities here in the lower part of uh, New York State will cooperate with ICE? They know the trafficking back and forth from Honduras, Guatemala, Uh, El Salvador, Mexico, Dominican Republic. They know the trafficking that goes back and forth of gangbangers. They track them. They do a great job. And yet uh, new mayor, Eric Adams, he wants nothing to do with ICE. The city council, nothing to do with ICE. What do they support? MS-13? Do they support the Trinitarios? Why wouldn't we take advantage of law enforcement that every day goes out and has to retrieve these gangbangers who are a menace to society make them serve the rest of their terms here in America for the crimes committed here, and then send them back to their country of origin, huh? And you call them thugs? New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Yolanda Vega, who for 32 years you would hang on every word that this woman would have at night when she would draw the balls. 
that were floating around in the machine for the New York Lottery on-air drawings. She was the diva of all divas of the New York State Lottery drawings. And so many of you would spend so much time locked and loaded watching the drawings because it's not like all of a sudden you could watch it. For so many years, it was the live performance of calling out the numbers. And you hung on every word as you had held within your hands your Powerball ticket, your Mega Million ticket, right? As Yolanda Vega would announce the winners. I would say, without hesitation, locally the most popular woman, the most watched woman on television, without a doubt. Because people were making millions, millions. And then there were so many uh, flushed with the thrill of potential victory, like the wide world of sports, Kurt Gowdy would say, and then crashing in defeat as you would rip up your Powerball tickets or your Mega Million tickets, realizing that you were just one number short or one digit that was off. Yolanda Vega announced her retirement. 32 years of on-air drawings. Ladies and gentlemen, I know some of you, uh, to you, she was the most popular woman on all of television locally because it was the way you could get out of debt It was the way you could afford to live the life, uh, at least you thought in your own mind, in this theater of the mind entrapment, that the next person who would be interviewing you was Robin Leach of the lifetime of the rich and famous, right? You would go from being a zero to rolling in dough and not not carrying around those uh, Philly rolls where you have $100 on top and then singles the rest of the way stuffed in. that You would have, I mean, you'd be stuffed with cash. I'd like to reminisce about that because I've had some experiences with Yolanda Vega over the years, and I've been with a lot of TV personalities, especially from local uh, TV stations. Nobody could touch her in terms of her popularity. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it really is a rags-to-riches story, not only for many of you who might have benefited from uh, the numbers that she read out, and all of a sudden you'd be screaming up and down, Glory, Halioski, hallelujah, I won, I won, I won. And you'd attribute that to uh, the luck of Yolanda Vega. Remember how she would start off the broadcast going, I'm Yolanda Vega, huepo, huepa, whatever. Although I added that. She didn't say that. Uh, you know they would have cut that. Wepa, wepa, Yolanda Vega. But she grew up in a family in which there were six daughters, one of six, in the Red Hook Projects where Clinton Street meets Bush Street. I mean, we're talking tough projects there. She goes on to Hunter College. Did not become an extreme progressive uh, liberal like so many who have gone to Hunter, Hunter College, the teacher's school. She was no AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was grounded. And she went up to Albany to work, raised a family, got married. And she figured that was it. It was up in Capital Land, Albany. And in 1990... 
They were doing an audition, and on a lark, she said, what do I got to lose? I'll go. They were looking for a voice for the New York State Lottery on TV, the drawings every night. Uh, So, you know, whether you were in Buffalo, uh, out to uh, Riverhead, uh, everybody was, like, locked and loaded onto the TV, wanted to see if they won. They won the lottery, New York State Lottery. So in 1990, she goes and she uh, does a go-see up in Albany. And it just so happens that the producers were looking for a Brooklyn-style voice. A Brooklyn-style voice. And, I mean, let's face it. You grow up in the Red Hook Projects, man. (laughs) She was a Boricua, right? Puerto Rican woman. She had it all. And the next thing you know, She's like a megastar. It's like she walked on water. She was on Oprah. Did you know that? That Yolanda Vega was a featured guest of the Oprah Winfrey show? Because so many people followed Yolanda Vega. Oh, man, you get billions in winnings. She'd stand there with that oversized check. Remember, everybody was imagining you talk theater of the mind. Oh, my God, that could be me. My mega million, my mega million uh, holding, my Powerball holdings. The largest in the nation payouts. She became a national icon. They made bobblehead dolls of her. Oh, no, no, not David Wright of the New York Mets. I hate the Mets with the bobblehead dolls. No, no, no. Yolanda Vega bobblehead dolls were more in demand than Derek Jeter bobblehead dolls that the Yankees offered, or David Wright, who was supposed to be, you know, the superstar of all superstars for the New York Mets, but then ended up not going to uh, Trinity Rehab. He could have gone to Trinity Rehab, and that would have straightened out his back problems. Well, what the hell? He left it to the New York Mets. Never do that. Ask Carlos Beltran. Oh, yeah, you have the Orlando Vega bobblehead doll here. Bruce has it, you see? You're a closeted Yolanda Vega fan. People's lives, fortunes, they recognized that she could utter a number that could change the destiny of their whole family. They could have been dirt poor. They could have been in a shelter. They could have been adrift. They could have been living on the EJ, the moving subway underneath which goes completely underground from the World Trade Center side to Jamaica Station, the only subway uh, uh, line that does so. But she had bobblehead dolls, and then over the years, over the 32 years, she was a fashionista. You notice how she would change her, her wardrobe, her garb. Never ostentatious, but you knew there was a panache to it, and her hairstyles. One minute she'd be holding a $400 million check, you know, that oversized check for a truck driver from the Bronx. And you realize the guy was crying. His family was crying. It's like, oh, my God. I'm in the prison. I got this job as truck driver. Stra- Whoever thought that I would win the Mega Millions prize. And then the $7 million in scratch of, you know, the scratch winnings. Oh, yeah, yeah Bruce, that's you, right? You're always scratching the cards. Some Brooklyn construction worker, blue-collar guy. Down on his luck, you know, ready to have to give up the house. They're ready to foreclose the house. And then he wins the $7 million scratch winnings. And, oh, and there was Yolanda Vega always, always. And then remember, she was on Wendy Williams. Yeah, Wendy Williams, who listens to WABC, by the way, has listened to yours truly. 
has listened to Dominic Carter and listens to the boys in the morning, Bernard McGurk and uh, Sid Rosenberg, who will be back uh, uh, on Monday morning at 6 o'clock. And apparently Wendy Williams, who will be resuming her TV career, she's had uh, a few uh, physical issues. Uh, She's restarting. Uh, she is going to be a guest of Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg coming up. I hope they ask her, what was it like when you had Yolanda Vega on your show and it blew everybody away? Her, as, she, as she has said, the number one guest she's ever had that had the most pull. Let me tell you about Yolanda Vega. Let me open up our phone lines about this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. There was a great man in all of New York City, a public relations guru. I mean, you might as well have called him Rubenstein, Rubenstein, Rubenstein. John Campy used to be uh, head of sales for the New York Daily News when they would be selling over a million papers a day. When uh, major companies like Macy's and Gertz and Gimbel's would actually come with wheelbarrows full of cash to advertise in the most read newspaper in the nation, the Daily News. John Camp, he was in charge. And he put together, oh, a whole team, all guys who went on to great success. The guy who ended up uh, owning and operating the Boston Herald, Irish guy, I forget his name. Johnny Legit, uh, godfather of my son, uh, Anthony, became publisher of the New York Post. Uh... Ah, just so many. So many. Howie Adler, ah, the guy that had movie star looks, uh, vice president there at, uh, what is I'm trying to remember which uh, department store that was. He used to play the national anthem every day to start the day. No longer open right on Fifth Avenue. Patriotic. You walked into that uh, department store, first thing, start of the day, national anthem. Everybody dropped what they were doing, customers, staff. Howie Adler, great. And then it was, uh, uh, hmm, Les Goodstein, who managed the Daily News for years, took me out to their plant in Jersey City, told me, hey, you know, the Bananos, they run all the unions out here, including the truckers. They don't like you, Curtis. Uh, I already hear them whispering, they're going to break the line. I said, what do you mean, Les? They're going to break the line. They're going to break the line. Within moments of me walking the floor, that huge plant in Jersey City, right near Liberty State Park, within a stone's throw of the Statue of Liberty, these banana guys, you know, with those paper hats on, you know, they, they, they broke the line. Papers were flying in all different directions. I said, Les, how, how do you control these guys? He said, you don't. Yeah, they're controlled by the mob. They don't like something, they break the line. It takes us like an hour, two hours to get back online. Yeah, that's good, Steve. That's good, Steve. But John Campy, I mean, he was the Daily News. Promotional director he became. He helped me keep stickball alive when I was appointed uh, commissioner of stickball, the city of New York, by my Kumbarachich, Rudy Giuliani. And I was in that position for 15 years through the Bloomberg years, although he didn't know what the hell stickball was. Didn't matter. It was like grandfathered in. That's right, Bloomberg. I was grandfathered in. You can't touch this. Although you've probably been playing squash or tennis. Rudy understood stickball. I was the commissioner. That was my game, man. I, I knew how to put the spin on the ball. Yeah, If you ever want to, go to YouTube. 
Curtis Lewa in Cuba, where I introduced stickball in the streets of Havana in front of the Revolutionary Museum there with the T2 tank behind the sugarcane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro, you will hear me say things. In this video, you will say, how the hell did he ever get off of uh, Cuba? I advocated the death to Castro, death to Chavez, and all the Cubans would say it's loco americano, loco americano. Oh, you got to look at that. Oh, YouTube, Curtis Lee in uh, Cuba. And it was John Campy who gave me the supplies to go over there. I had the Fred Drasner. He was co-owner of the Daily News at that time. The Fred Drasner autographed stickball bats. Fred Drasner came out of the Rockaways. This guy could play stickball. He could hit two and a half sewers. You may have remembered the commercial that they had, you know, where they were dissing Newsday, uh, you know, saying, hey, with Newsday, you get to milk the cows. With the Daily News, we return you to the days of your youth playing stickball. He hit a two-and-a-half suits legitimately. Fred Trashner was all because of John Campy. And John Campy would uh, host the uh, uh, the uh, street fairs. And I'll never forget, it was Second uh, Avenue Street Fair, and his assistant at the time, who's now an assistant in the New York City Police Department, Brian Adams, uh, who is a great boxer, great boxing announcer, uh, came out of the Albany Projects, the Blood Projects in Crown Heights. Uh, he was the assistant at John Campy. And each of us had a booth all up and down 2nd Avenue. It was packed. You know, so-called celebrities from New York. I mean, they had they had celebrities from the Sopranos. They had celebrities from other TV stations, TV newspersons. I had a booth for myself. I forget who else from WABC had a booth. They had John Gambling there. They had everybody there. John Campy had that kind of appeal. And do you know something? Who do you think everybody lined up for? Yolanda Vega. Three blocks the line went. They wanted Yolanda Vega to touch them. They thought that Yolanda Vega, if she touched them like a deity, would bring them luck. They were bringing their scratch-off tickets to Yolanda Vega saying, hey, hey, could you touch these scratch-off tickets, these mega-million tickets, these Powerball tickets? And I walked up to Yolanda, who I'd known for years. I said, Yolanda, man, you're crimping our style. It's like nobody wants our autographs. Nobody wants our signed pictures. They were all online for Yolanda Vega, the greatest TV personality in the history of television since the Dumont. Uh, Dumont uh, had the uh, Jackie Gleason show on that going way back in the 50s. John Campy. Man, what a great guy. He had dialysis three times a week. You know, he had kidney disease bad. He would be completely drained, and yet he would walk into his offices at the Daily News, and he would he would make mad, magic happen in the streets of New York City. He loved New York City. Lived over in New Jersey, and Jersey boy. Now, never forget, uh, forget he had a, a kidney transplant done at a hospital in New Jersey. And I was at Campagnola's, you know, the mob joint on the Upper East Side restaurant. But, hey, uh, high end. And uh, all the brothers from P.C. Richards were there because they were big advertisers in the Daily News. P.C. Richards, you know, with the whistle. (laughs) Whatever. I used to be able to whistle when I was a kid. And they're all sitting there. And I had to go down to the bathroom because some uh, Genovese guys were mad dogging me. So I figured, hey, rather than get into a fight in Campagnola's, I'll just go downstairs. Yeah, I'll go to the men's room, come back, and who knows, maybe they'll be chasing skirts by then. Because there used to be a lot of skirts by the the bar, bar flies. 
And as I passed the PC Richard guys, we exchanged uh, pleasantries. And when I came up, I said, uh, you know, John Campy, they were all friends with John Campy. I said uh, to the PC Richards brothers, it was me, it was me. They said, what, what, what? Yeah, I donated my kidney, donated my kidney, because uh, that was it. I couldn't uh, stand seeing John Campy suffer any longer with dialysis. It was me, I donated my kidney. I said, really? And I said to them, psych, look, I'm friends with John Campy, but I'm not that friendly. I did not donate my kidney. And he lived on more years, passed away at the age of 75, what a great New Yorker, John Cam, uh, John, uh, our owner-operator, Margot, they were there. Everybody who was anybody in New York uh, knew John Campy. And uh, what a great guy. Great guy. Kept, he kept the Golden Gloves alive. You know, Brian Adams tells the story because he was a fighter in the Golden Gloves. He was an announcer. And like I said, he works for the cops now. But John Campy single-handedly convinced Mort Zuckerman, who was the owner. Now, Mort was not a New Yorker. He was from Canada, a big real estate guy. Convinced Mort Zuckerman to keep the Golden Gloves alive when everybody wanted to close it. Said, oh, that's a barbaric sport. He did the right thing. But I will never forget the embarrassment for me and every other person who thought that we were a high-flying celebrity as we lined up on 2nd Avenue to get our personal booths with our personal photos, with our Sharpie pens to sign. And meantime, everybody was online for Yolanda Vega. Please, please, Yolanda, touch my scratch-off tickets. Touch my Mega Million tickets. Touch my Powerball tickets for good luck. The most important personality in all of television in New York City over the years. 32 years, and she's hanged it up. Retired. Who could replace you, Alonda Vega, right? Who? Who, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to the phones. It's Pamela from Central New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. Oh, yeah. Going back to that Nork caller. Uh, yeah, people don't realize, you know, us baby boomers, we, we've lived uh, through certain things. And uh, my mother's family was from Patterson. And we had an elderly aunt there uh, who refused to move. Uh, we wanted her to move in with us. So we would have to make uh, trips to Patterson to help her out. And I can remember as a kid going through Patterson during the riots, getting bottles thrown at us and and uh, trying to convince her to move out. And uh, so, you know, we, we've seen a few things. And people, you know, say, oh, you're just a baby boomer. You don't understand. Oh, yeah, we understand. Vietnam, my brother served during Vietnam. We understand. And we don't want to go through it again. And, Pam, uh, I remember patrolling uh, Patterson uh, up the hill, down the hill, first ward, fourth ward, a ward. I mean, really tough neighborhoods. Uh, but you're right. Uh, mm-hmm. The old timers told me about the riots there. You know, they have you know, the beautiful falls. Uh, one of the most gorgeous waterfalls in the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's right there in Patterson where everything is named after Alexander Hamilton. I mean everything because he is the father of that city. But they told me how the riots just tore up the place. Tore up the Patterson, place. Patterson was a gorgeous city. It was all my family worked in the silk mills. And uh, they're missing fingers, you know. I used to say to my my parents, 
how come Aunt so-and-so or Uncle so-and-so were missing fingers? Because they were us kids working in the textile mills, and their fingers would get chopped off. And uh, Patterson, Patterson was gorgeous. My mother actually saw Lou Costello go to McNally's Bar, which was a big time there. I later on worked with his daughter. And she used to see Lou Costello walk down the street with his, you know, the metal containers to fill up beer with. Yeah. And he was a free, he was a frequent visitor. And then, of course, he formed the Lou Costello pool for the kids and everything there. Patterson was gorgeous. Oh, uh, you know, I've had uh, conversations uh, with the mayor of uh, Patterson now, uh, Arab American uh, from South Patterson. That is an area that really the uh, Arab Christian, Arab Muslim community has developed uh, massively. And uh, I said to him, because he was actually taught by my sister, uh, uh, who was an adjunct professor at that time, Andre Sayeth. Uh, my sister Maria, and so he he really loved the guardian angels. Uh, he loved me personally. He knew so much about me. I said, I said, Pamela, uh, Mayor, how could you allow Lou Costello Park to be in such disrepair? There's garbage everywhere. There's there's broken seats. There's homeless. There's emotionally disturbed. It's right next to that that little bus terminal that services Patterson, where you can catch a, a greyhound in and out. And had no answers. And I thought that was like absolute disgrace. Because when you think of Patterson, you think of uh, Larry Doby, first African-American to break the color line in the American League after uh, Jackie Robinson did the Brooklyn Dodgers in the National League. He was from Patterson Eastside High School. And, of course, there was uh, uh, Costello. I mean, he was the centerpiece. And, Pamela, it it makes you just want to cry. My dad was a mechanic at the entrance to Patterson, so people would frequently stop in and ask directions. And uh, Patterson was a hop in town in the 50s and 60s. Minnesota Fats dropped in one time and asked for directions to a pool hall. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, it, it was a, a big town it, 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 with a lot of history. It, it was amazing. And it's just sad. And the falls, oh, it's a landmark. Oh. The, the waterfalls. Now you go there, you got to watch your back. You know, you take pictures of the falls and you get clumped over the head and your phone's stolen. You got to, you know, be very careful. You can tell the tourists, you know, we tell them, put, put your stuff away because this is the hot spot for getting hit on the head. You know, you the, know? Uh, the the remake of West Side Story that just uh, hit the theaters uh, was a very good remake of the uh, original one. Uh, Leonard Bernstein, you know, the West Side Stories, uh, Maria, Maria, right. Maria. Uh, actually, a lot of that was filmed in the streets of Patterson. We saw that uh, while we were patrolling the first ward. Uh, and uh, the fourth ward there, they were really, because a lot of the buildings are classic. You couldn't build buildings like that for a movie set. Couldn't build them. Right. Well, the original West Side Story was filmed where, um, where the uh, Columbia Circle or the, where the uh, Opera Center is now. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it used to be called San Juan Hill. It was all tenements at that time. Combination of Irish uh, and mostly Puerto Rican uh, families. Uh, and that's where that whole concept came out of. Uh, the battles between the Jets and the Sharks, uh, Leonard Bernstein. And ironically, you know, we talk about liberals and progressives now, supporters of AOC, all out crazy. Leonard Bernstein supported the Black Panthers, who advocated the overthrow of America. He would host parties in his Park Avenue penthouse on behalf of Elridge Cleaver, who wrote Soul on Ice, who was the informational minister of the Black, uh, the Black Panthers, who advocated raping white women 
as a revolutionary act. And here were all these white liberal progressives throwing money at Elrich Cleaver saying, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, that is a revolutionary act. Wow, I didn't know that one. Oh, the day! Oh, the days go by. That's why when people say, "Oh, it's never been worse," no, they have no idea. Leonard Bernstein dominated Channel Two, uh, CBS. Uh, he would have the uh, symphony. He was the maestro uh, on Saturdays. Uh, he did the movie, uh, his score, and the Broadway score for West Side Story at that time, the most popular uh, Broadway musical and obviously very popular uh, in the movies. And yet uh, the remake of it is damn good, Pamela. You know, remakes sometimes they don't live up to the five-star top shelf image. This one did. Um, Yeah, I haven't seen it because I'm kind of boycotting a lot of cable stations because they're part of the problem. They're supporting a lot of the nonsense going on, so I'm boycotting them. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, so many, so many great people came out of uh, Patterson, New Jersey over the years. They're scattered all over, all over the world. And mm-hmm. they came up. In fact, my uncle Steve, in the middle of the Depression, while living in Brooklyn, uh, the only job he could get was at the brewery in Patterson because he was a uh, taste uh, tester. By the way, tasted too much. He was always half in the bag. He was like, uh, I think it was the Paps Blue Ribbon Brewery anyway. He was like bleeding uh, the smell of beer. But he was a really good taste tester. He eventually worked for Rheingold in Bushwick and uh, Chafer uh, right there on Lee Avenue in Williamsburg. But he said to me, he said it was the only place where you had jobs during the Depression was Patterson, as you mentioned, the silk mills mm-hmm. and the brewery. And Continental Can was a big employer. My uncle worked for Continental Can. That was a huge employer. Plus, my other uncle worked at a, uh, let's say, um, a certain uh, item you need when uh, you don't want to have babies. He worked at that place. That was big in Patterson. There were a lot of huge industry. Yeah, Conte- uh, in Continental uh, Can, uh, the uh, father of, uh, what was that, my second wife, Lisa, uh, who also was uh, broadcasting with me, Angels in the Morning, uh, the morning show from 91 to 94 here at WABC. Uh, she was from Ridgewood, New Jersey, where the duck pond is, and her father was a vice president at uh, Continental Can. And would go to Patterson, New Jersey, to do his uh, his white collar work. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, that wasn't far from my aunt's house where we used to go. And of course, my the whole family was from there. And then we got to the point where we told them at that time we can't go there. Either come live with us, or we're not going in there anymore. And uh, yeah, people don't realize how bad it was. You know, those cities didn't get looking like they were by uh, magic. You know, uh, I, I drove through uh, Detroit with my husband one day, and he said, lock the van doors. And he said, I'll take you on a tour. <laughs> and, oh, my God. I was like, looks like uh, Dresden during World War II, Germany. And speaking was, of jobs, because yeah. uh, 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 my first wife, Corinne, see, I've had so many I have to remember. I have to count them on my hands. Corinne got a job as a cocktail waitress at a club in Patterson. We were living in uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn at the time, so she would have to take the bus all the way out there. It was getting a little rough, so she asked me to come uh, pick her up. Uh, So I took the bus out there, waited downtown. Apparently, she had already left. She had taken the bus. So I start walking around. I'm looking for this club. I got my boom box at the time. I got my uh, bell-bottom pants on, my polyester waffle weave flame-retardant shirt. I got the marshmallow shoes uh, 
you know, I'm walking around, and all of a sudden the brothers are eyeballing my uh, boombox. And there are like 20 mm-hmm. of them, and they're like ready to vamp me. And so I put the boombox down. I knew they were going to grab it and lose attention of me. And as soon as they picked it up, I slugged the guy from behind, knocked him down. Now they were helping their friend. I picked up the boombox. I started running for my life. Now, remember, I got the platform shoes on. So the bottoms of the platform shoes fall off. I'm running. I'm running into an area in Patterson. It was like a a tented area, I guess, during the day. It was like a flea market. I see this uh, gypsy cab, this uh, livery cab. He sees me because I'm running uh, to the top of the hill, so he stops. I remember looking to go inside. I'm halfway in. He slams the door on me because he sees these 20 guys running running after me. He says, I'm out of here. And then I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I'm running in circles. And then I saw the Alabama high-rise projects there, which are right off of I-80. And so I get right, in right. there. The uh, None of the elevators are working. They're all busted out. Uh, yeah, well, I walked up the, uh, the stairway, the smell of urine, feces. It was a mess. I make my way to the rooftop. Uh, the door was open on the top, and then I'm looking down. We're about uh, 20 stories up, and they're all running around the projects wondering where this white boy is. And I waited there until the break of dawn and then ran all the way downtown, caught the bus back to the Port Authority, got to the apartment, and there my wife was sleeping and saying, what happened to you? Uh, I had to leave. The bus came. I said, my on my I nearly got killed. Now, now was, oh, it, yeah. was it right? Pamela, I was not going to let anybody take my boombox. I was not going to let them take that boombox. Oh, I hear you. You got to, you know, people don't realize there's parts of New Jersey where you have to have a New York attitude. Otherwise, you're eaten alive. You know, we've, we've got our sections and uh, sometimes it'll look safe, but you know darn well it isn't. <laughs> No, you're right, uh, and I appreciate those uh, memories, Pamela, and the the life and times of Patterson. Founded by Alexander Hamilton, people don't realize it, uh, an incredibly prosperous city. As my Uncle Steve said, the tastemaster, half in the bag, by the way, but a very good tastemaster. I think it was Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery there. It was the only place you could get jobs during the Depression in the silk mills. Continental Can, as Pamela had mentioned, and the brewery. He would travel all the way from Brooklyn. He'd go to Hoboken, uh, the tubes there, and then take New Jersey Transit all the way out to Patterson to work each and every day. He's the only guy who could get work in the family at that time. Oh, the memories are flowing here. Oh, yeah, i never forget the priest. He's no longer alive. Uh, he ran uh, the detox center downtown. I forget the name of it. And he tried to convince me on the radio. He called up. He's a well-known guy, the head of detox uh, in New Jersey. He, he he rescued a lot of lost souls who were like dope fiends, uh, like they have now, all in the First and Fourth War. They shoot up there. It's like open drug sales, open drug use, like you don't normally see. He calls me on the radio. I had been divorced, Right. Let's see. Okay, Corin divorced once, all right? She met uh, Jacoby. I met Myers. We got married too young. Within a year, we both went our, uh, our separate ways. Then I had gotten divorced from Lisa. So he calls up, and I'm doing my own show at the time at WABC, and he insists, Curtis, you know, you've never been married. I said, well, what are you talking about, Father? I got married twice. 
uh, Corinne Drayton in a Baptist church, and then uh, uh, Lisa, Lisa Evers, uh, in the Judson Memorial Church in Greenwich Village, which is a Baptist church, very liberal, very progressive, by the way. Uh, Reverend Moody, who had a flat-top haircut, but my God, uh, he could have been to the far, 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 far left. And he goes, that's, that's the reason. It was a Baptist church. In the eyes of the Roman Catholic Church, none of those marriages exist. I said, Father, what are you talking about? I, I, everybody knows I was married twice. No, you have not married twice. So then uh, my third wife, Mary, who now uh, my, uh, what do I call him? My uh, husband-in-law, David Patterson, uh, he stole my wife. Take my wife, like Henny uh, Youngman would say. He's married to Mary now and helping take care of my oldest son, Anthony. Uh, who's, he's doing a great job. But Mary, we got married in the boathouse by Judge Torres, civil ceremony. Uh, he was the hanging judge, Judge Torres from East Harlem. Oh, yeah, rough and tough judge. They don't have him anymore in the city. And so the priest calls me up again and says, you haven't been married yet. That was a civil servant. Uh, civil servant. You, you, in the eyes of the Roman Catholic Church, you're not married. Did you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? I did not take advantage of that nuance uh, in the scriptural uh, teachings of Father. His name will come to me momentarily. He is a great figure. Uh, dozens, dozens of men and women who had the Jones who were shooters. Uh, and I'm not talking with guns. I'm talking about shooting up. Uh, their lives were saved uh, by this guy and his rehab unit that went out and collected men and women uh, and brought them back to life. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to Joanne from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joanne. Hi, Curtis. About a year ago, I uh, won a hat with his show. And when I had to fill out a form online. And one of the questions was, they wanted my social security number. I said, oh, no, I'm not giving my social security. So I called back up. And I said, I'm not giving my Social Security number. She said, so you're forfeiting your prize. I said, yes. So I called the FCC and filed a complaint. And I waited about two months, called back the station again, and she couldn't have been nicer. I said, am I going to get my hat? She said, oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I got my hat. But, you know, this was, this was bad for her to ask for a Social Security number. Yeah. In order to get that. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, so eventually, after waiting a month of Sundays, Joanne, you got your hat, right? Well, yeah, I had to call up. Yeah, you had to basically threaten, right? Let's face it, you had to threaten well, them, I right? I didn't, tell them. I, I didn't tell them I called up. I just called and filed a complaint with the FCC. Wow. So they must, they must have gotten through. They must have called or somehow got in touch with the station and said, no, 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 you can't do that. I hope Frank Morano's listening to this uh, because uh, all the people who are calling me, uh, they've been promised the Frank Morano WABC hat, you know, as a tchotchke when they don't get the scam right. I mean the contest right in the 4 o'clock hour, you know, 10 questions in 60 seconds. And if they get like eight of them or six of them or four of them, uh, they get promised this tchotchke, the Frank Morano WABC hat. Which particular hat were you hoping to receive, Joanne? Well, you know, the usual hat with his name on it and so on. And that was a different contest. That was one of those contests where um, 
you had to answer a question. I forget what it was about presidents or something, and I I answered it. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't guess it. He was supposed to guess, and he didn't. And so I won the hat. Wow, you uh, see, he he really is a welcher, Joanne. He, 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 I'm gonna have to straighten him out. You know, I I may have to use some physical means. I hope you don't mind, Joanne. Maybe bend his leg and stuff it in his pocket. But wow, I didn't mind at all because you know what? Uh, he must be money hungry because every every once in a while, I don't know if you've heard it, but he asks a caller to put him on their on his uh, to put him put him in their will. Did you ever hear that? What? What? Frank Morano yes. asked that people bequeath money to him when they drop dead. Yes, I've heard that. Well, probably Twice. before his son uh, Carmine. You know, it's twenty. Uh, the kid is twenty pounds already. He was just birthed on Thanksgiving. I, I mean, that kid is going to eat Frank and his wife Rachel out of house and home. He probably would have to go on four shopping sprees at Christie's to feed that kid now. Wow. Well, and also bequeathed. <laughs> he asked to be yes. bequeathed in wills. Put me on your uh, yes. You mm-hmm. know, you know that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I I'll, I'll tell you why, Joanne. He has this um uh predilection peculiarity is that if Frank Morano he, he he drives this demolition derby reject around. If he sees a wake, right, Joanne? He doesn't know this person. He has no affiliation with a funeral parlor. He sees, though, that it's an active wake, you know, that there are cars parked in the parking lot. Uh-huh. He, he goes into the wake. He, he gets a free cup of coffee and the crumb cake. He then, you know, gets down. <laughs> he, he bends down. He says a prayer. You know, he says a few Our Fathers and a few Hail Marys. And then he does a small talk with the people there. They don't even know who he is. They say, who's that guy over there? I don't know. He's a real friend. Maybe he's trying to get them. At the last second before they close the casket and give him a dirt bath to bequeath some money to him in the will. Because you know what happens if there's a battle over the will. Uh, it goes to surrogate court, uh, probate court. It could be tied up there for years. You think maybe that's what he's doing, Joanne? I'm thinking maybe some people are stupid enough to do that, to put him in their will. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> Joanne, I, I promise you and all of our listeners here. I'm going to straighten out this Huckleberry. Bruce, <laughs> my God, we're going to have to get a factory and manufacture all these Frank Morano WABC hats that people are, are waiting like years for. Uh, join the Facebook group. By the way, in the Facebook group, Daniel Purden just writes, just emailed Frank for the sixth time about the silly hat I never received. Daniel, I didn't get any email, so I think you're sending it to the wrong email address. Let me tell you, email my personal email, which I know works, wisdom.morano at gmail.com. That's my personal email. Email me there. I have not gotten any emails from you. The check is in the mail. You've heard that one before. How many guys and gals in business, they're waiting to get paid, you know, waiting to get paid by the vendor or whatever, and, oh, the check is in the mail, or oh, the dog ate the checkup. Wow. Whew. Let's go to Mike uh, calling from Hackensack. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Uh, I'd like to start out saying it's a shame. It really is that you didn't get that job as mayor in New York. It really is. Uh, And I I don't understand why the judges and our politicians and these district attorneys 
don't get these illegal guns off the street. I mean, if I ran the show, it'd be pretty easy. I, I would just put the teeth back in the law enforcement and say, we're getting them. Forget about the human rights thing and all this bull crap. Let's get these guns off the street for the safety of our people. It doesn't happen. We have a problem in this country, and it's called common sense. So, you know, I don't know. Why why can't we get these Well, well let, let me explain. First off, you, you have to have street smarts to understand that we've been rope-a-doped by our elected officials. So, for instance, uh, our new mayor, Eric Adams, uh, will be joined by President Joe Biden on Thursday to discuss the federal uh, role in uh, closing down what they call the Iron Pipeline from places like Steubenville, Ohio, uh, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, other places in the South, where you could be a straw purchaser, Mike. You could uh, uh, purchase like uh, 12, 14, 20 guns, and then they get driven up uh, to New York City in the five boroughs and get sold. And that's how some of the illegal handguns get distributed but what Eric Adams uh, and Governor Hokum, I call her Hokum because she's uh, she spews nonsense. Uh, she has no street smarts. Uh, Tish James, the highest law enforcement officer in the state of New York, Attorney General and others don't realize is, according to the NYPD, they're pretty good with the uh, stats and analytics. They estimate that there are already in circulation in New York City two million illegal guns, most of them owned by law-abiding citizens uh, who may keep it in their home, their premises, or at their place of business because they can't qualify for a carry permit, uh, which you have to you have to be a celebrity or be a whale. you got to be really wealthy uh, to uh, be able to accommodate that. Or to even have a legal gun that you can keep in your place of business, Uh, that you can keep uh, in your vehicle, in the glove compartment, or in your home. So they revert to having to have an illegal handgun. Now, the key is this. There were just as many illegal handguns during Giuliani's eight years and Bloomberg's 12 years. 12 years of Bloomberg, he had a consistent police commissioner, Raymond Kelly, longest-serving police commissioner in the city of New York, 12 years, is that these guns are not biodegradable like a plastic bag. You could use, they could have been manufactured in 38, 28, 18. They can still kill people. They can still maim people. So the idea is you keep the illegal handguns off the street. And the only way people are wary of transporting these guns once they have them or carrying them is if they know there's stop and frisk, if they know that there's the potential that they could get caught with the illegal handgun as opposed to keeping it in their house, in their room, in their business. And then you have to make sure it's a mandatory one year in jail. No diversion programs. They have a diversion program in Brooklyn that has the worst gun problem. Eric Gonzalez is the DA. If you get caught the first time with a loaded weapon or uh, a uh, an empty weapon, You don't go to jail. Oh, no, you get a diversion program. You show up once a week for counseling, and that's it, which is a license to go out there and thug people up. So you understand, Mike, we already have 2 million handguns in circulation. You're never going to retrieve them. You can't kick in doors. You can't violate people's personal rights. You just have to create a circumstance where they're going to hesitate to transport that gun to carry that gun and potentially use that gun when they get into a dispute. Does that seem to make sense, Mike? 
It does, you know, but you gotta you gotta start somewhere. You gotta put some pressure around it. You gotta get them out of the hands of people holding up other people and uh, you know committing crimes with them. Right, but but uh, Mike, uh, towards the end of the Bloomberg uh, regime, uh, Mister uh, Term Limits, right? Oh yeah, two two four year terms. Meantime. He bribed his way into a third term. Shame on you, Michael Bloomberg. And then bribed the city council by saying you could have a third term, too. Shame, shame, shame on you, Michael Bloomberg. But in that last four-year term, he established a quota for stop and frisk. What a shanda. What a disgraziata. So a cop would shape up for their eight-hour tour, and they'd be told by the desk sergeant, you got uh, five 250s you got to turn in by the end of your eight-hour shift. Now, what that means is it's like a postcard, a 250 form. When you do a stop and frisk, you have to fill out that postcard, regardless of what the results of that stop and frisk were. Imagine telling somebody you got to do five stop and frisks within an eight-hour tour. The same way they have a quota for parking tickets and moving violations They all lie, even my friends, not just my foes who've been mayor. Rudy Giuliani lied. Bloomberg lied. Uh, There is a quota. They call it a performance guide. Ball feathers. There's a billion dollars written into the city budget in advance, a year in advance, and it's all based on all kinds of tickets, Uh, traffic tickets, Department of uh, Environmental Affairs tickets, park tickets, sanitation tickets, all kinds of tickets, tickets uh, that are done done by the traffic control agents, supervised by the NYPD. Anybody who has the ability to write a ticket has not a performance goal. That's what they call it. It's a quota. But can you imagine Michael Bloomberg imposed quotas? 700,000 black and Hispanic, mostly young men, got stopped and frisked in the last years of the Bloomberg administration. What an outrage. At the height of Rudy Giuliani's crackdown, with Bratton as police commissioner, followed by Safer, and then Bernie Carrick. They averaged about 125,000 stop and frisk a year. The last years of Michael Bloomberg, 700,000. He wanted quotas. He felt it's quotas that would keep the crime down. That's a violation of people's rights. And then remember, he was going to run for the Democratic nomination. He was going to buy his way to run against uh, President Donald Trump. And he went out to uh, Reverend Bernard's church right there in Pennsylvania Avenue and Flatlands Avenue where Canarsie meets East New York meets Starrett City. Huge mega church. Uh, and you can hear Reverend Bernard and uh, uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik uh, at 7 o'clock today. And then you don't want to miss uh, John Katzmatidis' roundtable discussion because you know it's going to be featured there. Frank Morano, that's right. Uh, but the point being is, he went to Reverend Bernard's church there. He did his mayor copas. He apologized for all the stop and frisk. He apologized for having a quota on stop and frisk and forcing cops to fill out 250s uh, to justify the quota. And then he thought he could buy his way to the White House. Remember Bloomberg with his billions? And then what happened? He got on that debate stage. And I so loved watching Elizabeth Warren eviscerate him. Like that film, Kill Bill. She pulled out that samurai sword twice in two separate debates. I'm surprised Michael Bloomberg didn't end up with his three-piece set handed to him in his hands. Apologized for the stop and frisk simply because he was running for the presidency of the United States. A double oofah.
Anyway, uh, right now I'm assuming, Bruce, that we're going to be talking about timber. Am I correct here, Bruce? Timber, Everett's uh, tree service. Because a lot of you macho maniacal guys, you're telling the ladies in your life that you're going to put on your lumberjack shirt, you're going to flex, you're going to go out there after the damage of this storm because in many instances it caused a tree that was almost, almost ready to crash into your roof, into your garage, into your patio, in through your plate glass window, and then uh, naturally tear down the telephone lines, the electricity lines, and destroy your Wi-Fi, uh, then you're going to take care of business. You're going to get out the power chain, uh, so you're going to climb the ladder. No, you won't. Most accidents occur climbing the ladder. You'll end up in the ICU, or you'll, you'll fire up that chainsaw that you haven't uh, fired up in five years, and you'll cut an artery in your, uh, your leg. You'll be in the ICU. You'll bleed out. You leave it to the professionals. It's Everett's Tree Service, owned and operated by Frank Jaros. He and his crew will come give you a free consultation. They operate in the entire tri-state area in New York, the Hudson Valley, Long Island, and Connecticut. Get a pad and a pen. You're going to want to write this information down because whether it's a residential property or a commercial property, no job is too big or too small. And why not just take advantage of that free consultation from Frank Jaros and his crew? Call 914-414-9300. That's 914-414-9300. Talk with Frank directly. He'll send up your free conference. Consultation. That's 914-414-9300. Or just go online to EverettsTree.com. It's spelled E-V-A-R-T-S, Tree.com. That's EverettsTree.com. And tell them Curtis Lee was sent you. Anyway, let's go to Victor, who's calling from Silver Springs, Maryland, which is right in the Beltway. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vic. Hey, Curtis. I really enjoy hearing you. I remember finding you for the first time in 1992, and I really enjoyed uh, your sense of humor and the way you explain things. I'm legally blind, and the neighbors are getting very worried about me going out alone now. I've done it all my life, but I guess the traffic's gotten so bad, and my what side I've had is diminished to the point where it's very difficult to see. It's like being a fog for me. So um, I'm just wondering. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'll do, Victor. I've got uh, guardian angel groups in uh, Washington D.C. and nearby in Baltimore. I know you're right in the uh, Beltway, Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, just stay on the line. We'll have our phone screen and get your information. I'll see. If they can assist in any way, hooking you up so that you don't have to feel like, oh, my God, I, I can't see I'm sight challenged and that I'm a danger to myself. And obviously uh, it could end up uh, the wrong way. Victor, we'll take care of you. Well, we'll, we'll do our best. Let's go to Cesar uh, in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cesar. Yeah, good morning, Curtis. How are you today? Oh, now, hold on a second. You violated the cardinal rule uh, of callers to the Curtis Lee Show, and it should be to every uh, host or hostess in the uh, vast lineup at WABC. There are three things you don't do. You don't ask uh, me, for instance, how you're doing, because I'll tell you I've had better days. Uh, you don't thank me for taking your call because I've been soliciting calls for the last six hours. I should be thanking you, and you don't say first-time caller, Long time listening. You got it? Yeah, Kabish, uh, Cesar. Kabish? Yeah, Kabish. Right, yeah, Kabish. Right. Okay. Kabish. Right. Yeah, I'm a long time caller. Listen, Curtis, real quick question, right? 
before you hang up on me, uh, listen, I went to vote for you, right, for mayor, because I preferred you over the other candidate, right? And I couldn't vote for you because you were on the ballot with two, two there was two mayors on the ballot. You never explained that when you came back on the edge, like that thing was uh, swept under the carpet. Why were you on there with Peppertone? And why is it that when people voted for you, they threw out the vote? They said you're voting for two mayors. Can you explain that? Well, it was a little confusing. Uh, you're right to uh, have uh, been upset. Uh, I was listed. Uh, you had Eric Adams, Democrat, Democrat alone, only on that line. Then I was uh, listed on the Republican line next to him. Uh, then you had uh, Pepitone, Bill Pepitone, uh, uh, who was listed as the conservative. Then I had an independent line, but the way it was set up, you didn't know, gee, should I vote for Curtis on the independent line, the Republican line? It was a form of technology, uh, so I had no control over that, Cesar, at all. Yeah, but Curtis, that's, uh, they basically, uh, and I know you don't like to hear what I'm going to have to say, but it basically, that's, uh, I'm not going to say it's not fair, it's like, uh, it's like all the votes went to the other guy because when I when I went up there, the lady gave me back. She said, "No, no, you can't." She said, "This is uh, this is null and void." She says, "You vote, you voted for two guys," and I was confused. I was like, "How was I confused?" And then I then I went to look right because it's very hard the way they had it set up. It's like you know, it's not that it's rocket science. It's just that that I guess it was. Uh, but by by design, can we say that to, to confuse and to throw people off? So my vote, basically, I guess I don't know who it went to. Maybe it went to the other guy because you basically he got almost everything and you got nothing. Everybody that was going there on the line was turning around and they were like voting for you and they were like, oh yo, you can't vote. You 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 voted for two mayors. I mean, like I, I'm surprised that you didn't try to fight that in court. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter because it's a dog and pony show at the end of the day, Curtis. And I tell you something that a DA. Al Bragg, that guy should be removed immediately, and it's not guns that need to be taken off the street. It's criminals taken off the street because no gun ever killed nobody, Curtis, and you know that. And I'm not even joking with you trying to be funny. No, no, no doubt. And uh, Alvin Bragg, who uh, Kathy Hochul has said she's read the riot act to, I don't believe that. Uh, Her complexion in this situation is not her protection. Uh, Alvin Bragg, first African-American ever elected to the most powerful district attorney's office in the nation, bar none. Movies have been made about it, TV shows, documentaries. Uh, They have the biggest budget. They get the high-profile cases. There's no way that this white woman from Erie County, who already uh, can count the votes uh, on her way to uh, the executive chamber having been elected there, is going to remove the first African-American district attorney ever in Manhattan County. Uh, She might warn him. Uh, She might say, hey, don't do this, don't do that. But ultimately, uh, he's going to do what the hell he wants to do. And we had a debate here at WABC. Uh, John Katsimatidis, Red Apple Media, put on the debate. Uh, He spoke. Uh, Weinstein, who finished second, a female uh, spoke. Uh, Abushi, a Palestinian woman, spoke. They were the top three finishers. You combine their votes in the Democratic primary, that's 76% of the votes. All of them agreed to hug thugs, to turn them loose. All of them were George Soros candidates, except George Soros decided when looking at the three. Uh, all of them very similar in their approach uh, to turning loose criminals. Said, I think the African-American guy, Alvin Bragg, has a better opportunity to win 
because uh, the females will probably split their vote, which they did. If one of those females had dropped out, let's say Abushi, the Palestinian, she wasn't because she was the first Palestinian candidate ever. Uh, Weinstein would have beaten Alvin Bragg or vice versa. But we're stuck with Alvin Bragg, and now we got to box him in. And that's one of the things I've done with my candidate for governor, Andrew Giuliani. He's got to first win the Republican primary and then the general election against Kathy Holcomb. We have a change.org petition. Uh, Close to 18,000 people have signed putting pressure on Governor Holcomb to do the right thing. And if necessary, remove Albin Bragg, no matter what the political ramifications are for her in her run to be the first elected woman governor in the uh, executive chambers of New York. Do the right thing, Kathy 